Uh, is that the case? And if so, how do you maintain sanity and, and sort of have light times or times when you like can unwind from all this? Well, it's been great to actually get this data because throughout this whole process, they've always kept this patient record level data confidential. So we can never know ground truth. It's always like, hey, we'll give you a little snippets here and there, and we'll give you summary stats, and we'll give you these uh, ecological studies, and we'll give you summary stats and whatnot. And and it's all uh, too, what they call it, too confounded to make any judgment calls as to whether the vaccines are safe or not. So, you know, you look for things like, well, what are your friends reporting? What is the VIRS data say and so you can make some estimates from that but until you really get the data you don't know for sure so it was really great to finally get the data uh courtesy of of what barry young did and then be able to go through that data and see that oh wow yep it's it's the same as the other four countries that i'm aware of so i've got data uh, pretty ground truth data from the United States Medicare, from the Israeli Ministry of Health, from the Maldives, uh, and from Israel, Israel um, uh, uh, Ministry of Health. Um, so basically five countries. And all that data shows, and, and I'm sorry, in the UK. Uh, so all that data shows you give the vaccines, the death rates go up. People die more after they get the shot, and that's not supposed to happen. So the raw numbers are supposed to, once you said, oh, you got the shot, and you draw the uh, raw numbers of people who die per week after the shot, it's supposed to keep, it. it's a, normally it's a, a line that slopes downwards for most uh, reasonable sort of large uh, number of uh, any reasonable population. So for example, in Medicare, Give the shot, first 21 days, maybe the numbers go up a little bit, but then it's it will fall uh, monotonically in a straight line uh, since that point. And we're seeing the opposite in Medicare. So you run the exact same query in Medicare. In, uh, for one vaccine, you get a line that slopes downward. In the other vaccine, you get a line that slopes upward. They can't both be safe. <laughs> That's... Uh, you know, because it's, it's essentially the same same age group. So, um, no way to explain that data, other than the vaccine is killing people, right? Because we age stratify it as well to uh, to do the analysis, and it's it's the you know you can't say oh yeah that was because uh, it's uh, different ages got this this vaccine. No, <laughs> age stratified doesn't make a difference. The line goes the wrong way. This is a problem for them. There's no way they can explain their way out of it. There's no way that they can gaslight me into believing the vaccines are safe. And whenever I bring this, these charts up to them and say, well, can you explain that? They say, well, what is this? And they pretend like they've never seen it before. <laughs> so, And that uh, you don't really uh, know what you're talking about or how to read data. Yeah, yeah, even this. though they can't, can't explain it. I mean, the, you know, this is... Yeah, and and of course the CDC and FDA are going to go and say, "Oh, Chris doesn't know what he's talking about," and we don't have to respond to that. And we're the FDA, and blah blah blah. And you're not. <laughs> That's all bullshit. You know, this is data. It's comes comes from Medicare. This is data that comes from New Zealand 
uh, Health New Zealand. This is data that comes from the Israeli Ministry of Health. And the Israeli Ministry of Health data is like the worst data showing that the vaccines are killing people. I mean, there's no way you can explain that with a straight face. And this is why I can't get a face-to-face conversation with any of these guys who disagree with me, you know, as as you saw earlier today, where I said, I'm going to be here. You want to take a shot at me? Go ahead. And they don't show up, you know, and that tells you everything you need to know. They don't show up, but you're on Russell Brand. You're here on TNT. You're doing spaces. You're huge on X. Every post you make gets hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, impressions, sometimes mil- many millions. I mean, you're making a huge noise, and you never stop. You just keep going, and you're going to keep going. So yeah, people are dying. Uh, if people weren't dying, I wouldn't be uh, as dedicated. People no, and I appreciate that. killing people. But- and my point is, you, you know, you're being ignored still, but I wonder how much you are being ignored. And and we were doing the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation uh, uh, fundraiser the other day, and this was before your MIT speech. And you said that you, you knew that this data was going to be sort of, you know, a game changer. And so I'm wondering if... if this has changed the game in your view, even though you're still getting all kinds of resistance, even though Barry yeah. Young got arrested and all that. Do you think it's changed the game? Has anybody come to you and said, Steve, I thought you were crazy before, but you know what? I'm starting to see what you're saying now. It's it's game changing in the, the silence that uh, that greets this uh, revelation. Never before has this data been available for epidemiologists. Name one epidemiologist who has analyzed the data and said, ah, safe vaccine. Name one. They don't exist. They're, they're not looking at the data. They don't want to see the data, Joseph. This is the moment. This, this basically is the test. This is the moment. This is the, you know, the sword in the stone. Do you, can you, can you, are you afraid to take grab the handle and look at the data? Or do you just walk away and say, I don't want to look at that data. You know, just don't even show it to me. I don't want to see it. So this is the time where we separate the real scientists from the propagandists. Because the real scientists will look at the data and say, you know, there's no way that you can interpret this data and find a safe vaccine. Because there isn't. So we're going to find out. Just how corrupt all these epidemiologists are. Because they should all be saying, oh my gosh, never had this data before. It'll show very definitively whether the vaccines are safe and effective. Now, it's not perfect. There's not this uh, control group that they love to have. But you don't need a control group. You don't need a control group. Because if you get the vaccine and the death rates go up, after you get the shot, you don't need a control group on that one, folks. It's not supposed to work that way. You can't have more deaths per week every week for 52 weeks after getting the shot. It doesn't work that way. The only way that can happen is if you have an unsafe vaccine. You don't need a control group on that one. You can't have a a 
monotonically increasing rate of death every single day for 52 weeks. Not, not explainable. Don't need a control group. That cannot be explained. You got a problem, and they're going to go and say, well, well there's, a, there's no control group on that one, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Every, every, like, it'd be like equivalent to everyone walks into this movie theater, and they all die in the movie theater. Do you think there might have been something in the movie theater that killed them? Or did they just happen to die because they were there? I mean, do you really need a control group? Do you need to say, oh, but if they went into the other movie that they didn't die? No, I mean, we kind of know that people aren't supposed to die when they go into, into a movie theater. And it's the same thing when you get a vaccine. You're not supposed to die at, at a, uh, a higher rate every single day for the next year. I mean, it, it like doesn't happen in real life. And it's like, oh, see, Steve's not a scientist. He, he, every scientist knows that you have to have a control group. <laughs> no, you don't have to have a control group. You know, I had a conversation with William Briggs, who's a um, well-known statistician, highly respected. And I said, yeah, you don't need a control group on that one. And he said, yeah, you're right. You don't need a control group on that one. So, so there you go. It's not just me saying this. <laughs> you know, there's some things that are just insane. It'll be like saying, uh, hey, you know, there was a mass shooting and uh, all 25 people in the building uh, were killed by the gunman. And the scientist says, well, I don't know about that. Let me see what the comorbidities are. Maybe the person died before they got the shot. And how do we really know that the shot killed them? There was no control group. There was no group. There was no room with other with another 25 people in the same building and uh, that we could compare it to. So we don't have a control. So we can't tell whether the it was really the gunmen that killed them. I mean, this is that's a it's it, it's a uh, <laughs> kind of an extreme example, but the point is that there are some things you don't need a control group for. Like, if I drop this phone, do you think it will fall? Do I need to have a separate, another item which I drop and show that it doesn't fall? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, at some <laughs> right. point, you, know, you hit the golf ball, you know, like, you see someone and you hit the golf ball and golf ball flies. Do you need a control group on that one to determine whether there's causality that when the the um, uh, the club hits the ball, that that caused the ball to fly as opposed to it just flew on its own. Kind of don't need a con- control group on that one. Probably don't you need a control one, group no. on the parachute. You know, parachute out <laughs> of a plane. Okay, so yeah. let's have a control group without the parachute. Let's see if the person dies versus the person with the parachute. Don't need a control group on that one. You know, there are a lot of things you don't need a control group on. That's true. The analogies are endless, but don't drop your phone, Steve. Let's take a quick break. Hold on to your phone. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's a truism that bears repeating that everything the left says is either a lie or is based on a lie. Take, for example, the whopper that we need to eliminate beef cattle in order to save the planet from global warming. Even the University of California Davis knows how ridiculous this is. A report they recently issued says that laboratory-grown beef poses a 25 times greater threat to the environment than traditionally raised cattle. How can it be that we need to replace the pasture with the Petri dish in light of this? 
Because facts don't matter to the left. They never let facts get in the way of pushing their agenda. And what is that agenda? It's control. As the godfather of globalism, Henry Kissinger said, who controls the food controls the people. That's what getting people to eat bugs is all about. That's what getting people to eat frankenmeat's all about. Control, not the environment. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal. Just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? The Normal Maker. New from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. So, Steve, how has this fight um, helped you evolve spiritually, or has it at all? I mean, do you have... You know, I talk to a lot of different people that are sort of freedom fighters, so to speak, and that a lot of them um, equate their ability to fight this fight because of a, a connection with God. And I, I don't know if we've ever talked about that before, but I'm wondering if you have a sort of relationship, a spiritual relationship going on. I mean, what is giving you the energy? I, I know that you, you have a moral calling. People are dying. You want to save people. But do you have a, a spiritual connection that's evolving through this? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's just outrage over uh, the deaths and what people are doing to other people and how they're ignoring the data and how they're you try to get people to look at the data and they run from it. But you, you have a, so you frame it. Yeah, you frame it all in a very analytical way. I mean, the whole thing Absolutely. is framed. Yeah, that like it's you don't veer into the spiritual realm, good versus evil. You resist all that all the time. And and I find that curious because to me, I guess, I, yeah, I can't think of this stuff as incompetence um, or sort of accidental. I, I don't think everybody who's involved in helping push this sort of, uh, you know, this death shot forward is is motivated by evil a lot of them are just motivated by incompetence the majority but i think at the higher upper echelons there's a battle of good versus evil however you just don't want to look at it that way and maybe that's a strength maybe you just want to keep it all very pragmatic yeah i mean i don't need to go there uh we can you know the first the most important thing is to get people to look at the data and admit that the data shows that these vaccines are killing people. And if I can accomplish that and make a difference there, I'm I'm pretty happy. I don't need to go into the, well, was this a planned operation? Is this a uh, uh, Department of Defense, um, you know, a project that went um, uh, kind of off the rails? And I've been just trying to focus on, is this a safe vaccine or not? And then how come people don't want to look at any of the data that shows that it's unsafe? So that's the spiritual part, though, Steve. Like you see, you have it all in the pragmatic, rational level. And on that level, you're exactly right. It's obvious. But what you're what you're up against when you display the data 
and what happens to someone like Barry Young, that's where the spiritual component comes in. And then the analytical part has a somewhat of a glass ceiling because what people are showing over and over again is that they don't have to be rational. They don't have to be reasonable. In fact, it's almost like I think some people take joy. You can almost hear it on some of your spaces on X when, when you get trolls in there. They take joy in being irrational. They take joy in gaslighting, in crazy making, in cognitive dissonance, in all these these other aspects that human beings play in. You know, I mean, I really think most everybody can see what you're displaying and just sort of see the basic truth in it. It's not difficult to see. So the fact that there's still resistance, the fact that there's an arrest, the fact that there's silence by most and people unwilling to look at it, that's where I feel like the spiritual realm comes into play in this whole thing and where you might eventually have to veer into those realms. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but so far, I'm just, <laughs> just trying to get a, and just trying to get a dialogue going with, uh, people who disagree with me on, uh, and have it done on camera in full public view. And, you know, if I can get that, I think that'll do a lot to help to show people who's telling the truth and who's not. And for some reason, nobody wants to, uh, nobody on the other side wants to engage with me at all on any of this stuff and it's it's just you know hugely frustrating i know bobby kennedy had the same problem he tried to get somebody to debate him on vaccines for 20 years still hasn't gotten that that uh uh, sorry on autism whether vaccines cause autism for 20 years and he still hasn't gotten that debate after 20 years nobody will debate him on whether vaccines cause autism and this is you know I'm, i'm experiencing the same thing firsthand here with the uh, with the vaccines, do the vaccines kill people? Like, you can't get anybody on the other side. It's, it's but, so yeah, The Bobby so. Kennedy vaccine autism thing is another great example of that. Because of it. it's a perfect example because it used to, you know, I'm I was born in 1971. Everyone in my generation... We have no problems. We can eat anything. We don't have any autoimmune issues at all. Like we got three shots and a kick in our rear and we were told to leave. And that was that. Then all of a sudden they increased the, you know, childhood vaccine schedule to like 70 shots. And everybody after a certain year, the autism rates go from like one in I don't know, I'm just making up numbers, but it's like one in 20,000 to like, you know, one in 85 or something. One in 35, something like that. Right. So it's so right there. That's the same data that we're talking about. Right. Uh, like, yeah, it's so, it's so tragic. Yeah. And so Obvious tragic. Preve- and it's and, preventable. Oh, and also you have personal stories from mothers who have like these vibrant children that they take in. They get all these vaccines. Suddenly they're vegetables, you know, and it's horrible. It's like it's it's horrific. And yet still. It goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, and it's like and people don't care. nobody, it, it's beyond people not caring. It's, it's, it's spiritual. It's weird. It's evil because there's no way it's just logical is it's just one plus one equals two. It doesn't. And then you get called anti-science if you notice it or if you yeah, go yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? So has, has your view of the medical community must certainly has 
evolved over this whole thing that oh, now absolutely. i mean you you wouldn't take a vaccine if you know if your life depended on it at this point i'm assuming right. no that's right yeah it'd be show me the data and, and they can't show me the data because they keep the data hidden and boy you know that they all the doctors all took an oath do no harm and yet when it comes to vaccines it's like oh, we don't have to see the data safe and effective we don't have to see the data. So they never ask for the data, and they never see the data. What if vaccines were killing people? Now doctors don't ask to see the data. They don't want to know. They don't want to know. It's it's so horrific what is going on. Like the doctors are I, supposed to have, supposed to ask questions. They're supposed to have the data. Before they recommend something, they should be looking at the data and they should be saying, wait a minute, why can't I look at the public health data on uh, on an individual patient level basis? Why can't, why am I not allowed to? Why isn't that public? Like, it's like they're trying to hide something. Like, it should be public. and But nobody's asking the question. They all assume that vaccines are safe and effective no reason for me or anybody else to look at the data. It's pretty astonishing. The level of trust. It's all based on trust. The whole thing. House you, of cards. You, you say they and, don't want to know. I think they the do question. know. I think anyone who has any any intelligence at all knows. You can't not know. Yeah. Your, yeah, your there are, there, yeah. are not hard to recognize what we just talked about the childhood vaccine schedule that's not hard to recognize yeah it's that they you'd don't be surprised, know. joseph no no you know i i met with i was I went to the cdc to find out what's going on there and i met with the head of media relations and i, I met with the the curator of the museum there and i i, met, I told the curator i said you know this isn't right about fluoride in the water. Fluoride in the water was like this huge mistake. Um, and you shouldn't be touting it as a great accomplishment. And she said, I'm crazy. The data doesn't support that. And, you know, so people are brainwashed into believing, you know, this narrative. And it's the same thing. If I had if I had uh, talked to her about the COVID vaccine, she, she said, I'm not, he said, I won't even look at your evidence. That is such a far-fetched thing, right? So these people live in this blue pill. They live in their blue-pilled world, and they think that what they're being told is true. And I, I know I used to be one of those people. I took two of the shots, you know. So I can't blame them. I can't, you know. I was, I, I got fooled too. I, you know, I trusted the authorities, and then, then I happened to be awakened because too many of my friends were injured or, or died after the vaccine. That, like, there's no way you can ignore that sort of thing. They tell you it's super safe, and and yet, how could I know so many people who are dead or injured from the vaccine? Like, I went to school with uh, Paul Lagasse at MIT, professor at MIT, and he died six months after he got the shot. He died swimming in a swimming pool, in his own swimming pool. Yeah, stuff like that does, just doesn't happen. And that's not the way you die. That's not the way they take you out. Uh, you know, it's too suspicious of death. And and they didn't, the thing is that they covered it up. They never told anybody he died in swimming in his own swimming pool. They completely covered it up. I had to get the autopsy records to find out what was going on. And when I tried to, to speak with his wife about it, she wouldn't talk to me. 
Because she said, yeah, they she, don't want to know. Did, well, she, she said, we consulted with experts on the decision to get the COVID vax. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's your defense. I mean, it's yeah, kind of well, like you read between the lines point, on that one. Yeah, but at that point, it's somebody enduring incredible loss and probably feeling all kinds of guilt. Maybe she, you know, who knows? You know what I mean? It's a, and I, I heard on the space today you did as well with Peter McCall lost his medical license. I hadn't heard that before. Is that the case? Yeah, well, he, he got a letter saying that, hey, we're going to take away your license. You have a chance of appeal. We, we're, we take away your board certification, not your license. And so, you know, because he's the he's the other one that I equate with you in terms of just this tireless fight um, in in this realm. Yeah. And um, I mean, what what's his recourse? What do you think? have you talked to him at all about he's that? No recourse. I mean, this whole he, thing is is yeah, it's stacked against you. I mean, the whole thing is very corrupt, and there's no checks and balances, and they they assume that doctors do the right thing, and it's just horrible what the medical community is doing to their. Uh, to people within the medical community. It's just horrible. What about your family? You know, I mean, you, you know, oh, go ahead. If you, if you have another point to make, go for oh, it. Oh, I was going to say that, um, yeah, you know, the even within your family, right, their families are being broken up over this issue. Like, oh, well, you can come see the grandchild, but in order to see the grandchild, you have to be vaccinated first, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. You know, so you have these relationships that have been broken up over this issue because people are trained to believe that the vaccine is somehow going to save them from death. And if you don't have the vaccine, you're you're uh, you're a bad person and you're putting uh, people at risk because you're not vaccinated. It's just so crazy to think that there's no evidence of any of that. Yeah, my parents you try to and convince I, someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah my parents and I are like that we're on that level. They they both got all the jabs and they believe in it. And you know, now our argument is more just fun based, you know, I'll I'll make fun of myself as a conspiracy theorist just to like make it light with them. You know what I mean? So it's not broken up our family, but we still feel wildly differently about it and I and I just say to them please don't get the next booster and then they say yo we're going to get it you know and they're 80 I yeah. mean I don't I don't know they they keep yeah, getting them so tragic but so tragic. you know it's uh, at least it hasn't broken us up now we've learned to sort of laugh and taken the heat out of it it's not like a heated thing at all it's more of a funny thing but I, that's i guess yeah. we're lucky that we got to that place what about with your family and your and your battle here i mean it must wear on you to do what you're doing i, I think you get a lot from it as well i think you get fueled yeah. by it but you know it's, your, yeah it, what about your yeah, family yeah i mean you're doing the right thing Right. You know, and, and 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 you're you're fighting the good fight and people have to fight the good fight because if we don't and we just say okay, well, it's too hard, like, let's go along with it. Then people die. You can't live with yourself. It's like when Bobby Kennedy, I asked him, I said, "Do you ever regret, you know, you were this very highly respected environmental lawyer and then you switched over to being anti-vaccine and now your family members say you're the, you know, black sheep of the family. Do you ever regret doing it? And and he he paused for a minute and he and he, he said, I had no choice. Right. So he had no choice. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with me. 
And does your family ride it well? I mean, do they love you? Are they concerned about you? Do they, they get stressed? It's like, Steve, give, like, can oh, you yeah. just chill out with this? Like, why don't you let yeah. it go? You're a little upset. Yeah, exactly. Get all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, but let other do people do life, it. You know? Yeah, but with other people do it. Life, you have to be obsessed to do something great, to move the needle, right. to break the matrix. You have to be like a you know a junkyard dog with a bone you will not let go of i mean there's no other way to do it yeah i mean you know i you do a google search you type in misinformation super spreader on the top hit it's like yeah i gotta work to you know keep up my reputation here right it's nice to be the best in the world at something although i gotta admit this is not what this is not what i thought i would be the best in the world at <laughs> gotta be honest with you this is not how I thought. This is not what I thought was going to be on my tombstone at the end. You know, <laughs> top hit in Google on misinformation super spreader. You oh, wear my, oh, my friend. You know, there's a T-shirt with you the other day. We saw it. It said Legend. I think it had a Shea Guevara yeah. type vibe. It was you in a sort of, a, yeah. you know, uh, you know, looking like yeah. a, you know, looking like a real revolutionary man. I mean, yeah. you're not the first picture of a revolutionary one would have in mind, but I, I think you're one of the most important revolutionaries of our time, man, and I'm not blowing smoke. Okay, we're at a minute. Tell everyone how they can help you in this revolution, Steve. Tell people yeah, where to just, find you. Just, you know, follow, follow me on Twitter uh, or, or X, uh, S-T Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. Follow me on my Substack. It's kirschsubstack.com, K-I-R-S-C-H, substack.com. And, uh, and, and, you know, help me get the word out. Help, help spread the word. Help spread the truth. Help get the word out and free Barry Young. Free Barry Young. I don't have to write a song called Absolutely. Free Barry Young. All there right. you go. Steve. All right. Thanks for coming yeah, on, my great friend. Talking to you. I'll sure. see you again yep. soon. Great to talk to you. Keep listening, yep. everybody. Likewise. We'll be back with more on TNT right after these words. miss this hour simply go to episodes at tntradio.live now tnt radio news taking a look at some of the news that shaped the past week i'm matt boyland hunter biden the son of u.s president joe biden is staring down the barrel of a potentially lengthy prison sentence after being charged with felony tax evasion the u.s justice department confirming thursday that the first son had been indicted by a grand jury in california on nine criminal counts including three felony tax crimes and six misdemeanor offences. The indictment claims Hunter Biden engaged in a four-year scheme to avoid paying $1.4 million in taxes, using the cash instead to fund a lavish lifestyle. According to the indictment, he splashed over $380,000 on women, $151,000 on clothing and accessories, and pulled out another $770,000 in cash withdrawals. If convicted, the president's son faces a maximum penalty of 17 years in prison. This, of course, was all supposed to be cleaned up as part of a plea deal which would have protected the first son, but that arrangement collapsed in court. Hunter became the first child of a sitting US president to be hit with criminal charges back in September after he allegedly lied on federal forms to buy a gun claiming he was not a drug user when in fact he was, later admitting in a book that he was addicted to crack cocaine at the time. 
The Justice Department says its investigation into the first son is ongoing, with speculation he could also be charged with violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. News of the indictment against Hunter Biden came just days after the FBI revealed it had initially refused to confirm the legitimacy of the first son's now infamous laptop because it had to be careful about what it said during an election. The FBI director making the stunning admission during a fiery Senate hearing on Capitol Hill. Why don't you just tell everybody the laptop's real? We're not vouching for what's on it, but it's real. This isn't a, 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 a fiction. Well, I, I, as you might imagine, the FBI cannot, especially in a time like that, be talking about an ongoing investigation. Well, I can't, again, I can't speak to others in government. I, that's part of the point that I was trying to make because the Fifth yes, Circuit's but opinion. But you're the FBI. You're not part of the White House and part of Homeland Security. You're not supposed to be political. You see all this controversy going on. Why didn't the FBI say, time out, folks, we're not getting in the middle of this, but the laptop's real. Again, we have to be very careful about what we can say, especially in the middle of uh, an election season. And radio host Alex Jones dropped a bombshell this week, suggesting President Joe Biden's cognitive decline is much worse than we had initially thought. The InfoWars host saying the president had completely lost his mind, claiming the 81-year-old's cognition has deteriorated to the point where the commander-in-chief is now walking around the White House naked, not knowing who he is. Jones spilling the tea during this week's interview with Tucker Carlson on X before the former Fox News host dropped a wild revelation of his own. Well, I mean, I was told that by Secret Service and by uh, yeah. people that, let's just say, work with them. And I'm going to leave it at that. But I actually have a contact for you. I'd like to be able to hear it from them. But when this is over, I'll let you actually hear it from yourself. I think they'll tell you off record. I think they're willing to talk to you. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he is completely out of his mind. He wanders around for the entire two and a half years. It's getting worse. Naked in the White House. Uh, in the middle of the night, doesn't know who he is. They have to give him a bunch of drugs, yeah. a bunch of amphetamines in the morning. Then they've got to drug him uh, at night. Sometimes he's got to, though, he'll like be out for the morning for a while, and then he comes back out at night for a ball. That's when there's a real problem. He is on drugs. I, I have established that. I know someone who witnessed it. I'm not guessing at this. I know someone personally who witnessed him uh, taking amphetamines. And this was this was during the 2016 uh, 20, 2020 election. So how's this going to? That's huge. I know you don't play games. You've been proven no, I don't play games. This was a, I'll just say he's a makeup artist. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week. This has been Matt Boyland. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Blimey! Well, well, what do you think of that, eh? <laughs> It's all coming out now. We had Steve Kirsch for the last half hour, may, maybe the last hour actually, on uh, on the radio. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I can't hear myself. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's coming out on the microphone. I better just check and have a look over at the streaming. Well, it looks like it's coming out, but I can't hear a jolly word. Never mind. We'll just uh, we'll just uh, plod on, I suppose, won't we? Five past five. Good morning, everybody. Grant Edwards here on the Liberty NZ Breakfast. I hope. We're not coming out too muffled. I have been fiddling. <laughs> I've been mucking around on OBS, which is an open source software for broadcasting. What have I been doing? I've been fiddling with uh, compressor limiters and limiters and the noise reduction and all that. And uh, I think I'm having a terrible time. So I hope it's coming out on the stream okay. Most of you are listening on the stream. And uh, we've set a record on the stream. It's actually been going for 62 hours, 41 minutes and 28, 29 
30 seconds. It's going quite well. Now, if anyone's watching on the video, we're on uh, Twitter today, Twitter this morning, and uh, give that a burl. And also we're on, um, what's the usual one we're on? Oh, Rumble. Yeah, we're on there. Oh, we've got a couple of new subscribers. (laughs) Thanks very much. Of course, most people listen on the apps because they're on the way to work or they're working. And uh, we, we find that over the weekend even, most people listen to us here on the desktop which I think is extraordinary. So there's obviously a lot of people uh, listening away at work, I would think, on the desktop. I can't imagine that you'd be playing me out in the store or something, you know, would you? Definitely not. Although the country music, we, um, we've we had a, a huge amount of um, um, listeners uh, tuning in over the weekend with our, the country music that we've been playing. We've also, over the weekend, I've been fiddling as well, and I've downloaded quite a few new songs i've got the top i've got the billboard top 25 and i've got the top 50 from spotify of country songs and uh, if you're over on rumble we've got some uh, rip roaring uh, um, bull riding over here and i don't at all feel sorry for the bulls i feel sorry for the riders so if you are if you do uh, pop over to twitter or uh, and have a look at liberty nz Liberty NZ is the the name we are. That's the name. Yeah. Um, yes. So um, go and have a look. I thought I put that on there just for a bit of a rip roaring morning. Okay. What are we up to now? Seven minutes past, and I suppose I should really have a look at the weather, shouldn't I? Oh, better do my bit, and I'll be back in a moment. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTRadio.live. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, we're not uh, not doing very well here. Uh, oh, oh, you've got to put auto on. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, here's our introduction. Anyway, just coming up past seven minutes past five. Yes, this is one I like actually. This is one I love. This one. We used to do this on Would the you podcast. Would call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics. No. No. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday, and it had you talking at the socialist oh, right. school. Yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally, and I would have been about twenty-five years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. Comrade, 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 comrade. That was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has it changed since those days? No, not particularly. No. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account? Well, I actually believe that it is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. That's sustained right. propaganda. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. Oh, thank you very much. Very nice young man there. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. That was a long a long while ago. You had a nice wee, uh, squeaky voice. Now, uh, let's just hope that um, it's all coming out okay. I'm just over looking at the bullfighting. Good grief. Look at that bull there. Looks like a, looks like a uh, crossbreed. Far out, man. They are amazing animals, amazing athletes. And this guy's all hooked up by his spurs and uh, he can't get off. I just can't believe it. These are just, it's unbelievable. Bullfighting, uh, not really bullfighting. The bullfighters are the guys in there that put themselves between the bull rider and the bull. And uh, they are so brave, these guys. I just cannot believe it. Even the photographer's brave, in my opinion. Unbelievable, um, sort of to watch, and I, I hope I can carry on doing the program because I'm I haven't seen this before. <laughs> oh my goodness, this guy's hooked up by his hand, and he's going round and round. Now apparently the art is if you if you come off a ball and your hand is hooked on the rope there that you're holding onto, you've got to stay on your feet and stay with the ball until you finally get through uh, without getting kicked. I suppose. Good grief. 
I would uh, really wouldn't like that. The closest I've come to a, a beast like that would be one of my calves, number 401. He's my favourite. And uh, I've, the poor little chap's got ticks as well. Uh, so he's quite. A, he's getting up there. He, he licks me, though. He licks me, and I don't like it, especially if I've got shorts on. Uh, he licks me with his tongue, and I think it's around about a 30 or 40 grit, his tongue, so I don't really like that. And uh, so but he likes me giving him a good stroke around the ears and along the neck. And um, I don't think animals like being patted, do you? I don't think I don't. You pat yourself on the neck and see if you like it. I think they like a nice stroke with the fur, and that's what I do with my little boy. And I'm um, thinking about keeping him, actually, and not eating him, uh, because he's just so cute. And he always, when he goes through the gate, all the others rush through, you know, sort of half-frightened. Although... I am getting to the stage now with my herd. I've got seven, uh, how many have got? 60, 63, got another 10 on the way this week. Um, so I'll have 73. But, you know, that's mixed age. We can't really run that many on just over 100 acres here because of the hill country. Yeah, sort of, yeah. And I like them to be light over the winter, not too heavy. Otherwise, they make a bit of a mess. And uh, I don't like, I don't know, I don't want broken ankles <laughs> walking around. It's hard enough now. The hills are getting steeper as I get older. I found they were not as steep as they were three years ago when we first uh, bought this place. They certainly are steep now. All right, let's. Uh, we better. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked with the um, the bull the bull riding there. Absolutely wonderful. So people go on about cruelty to animals. Oh gosh, no cruelty to to poor bull bull riders. Look at that bull stomping on that guy. I can't believe they don't get the heads done. And what about the cowboys that don't wear crash helmets? I mean, those guys. The craziest guy hopping off there. Now I'm just watching it. This is. I could just sit and watch this all day, and you could, you could, if you had time, you could, um, you could stop the car and pull over and just watch the video. But it's, uh, oh man, this guy's just went forward. He's still hooked up. Oh no, he's managed to get free. But the bull just, they just miss their heads, the hooves of the bull, and by, and then you see the the um, the the bullfighters. They get in there and put themselves in harm's way to try and get the bull to chase them instead of goring the. The rider, which is he's just bucked up. These bulls are unbelievable athletes. A lot of the great bull riders too coming into America are from Brazil. They've always done extremely well. Uh, okay, so that's enough bull riding. Oh, I, I, I don't. I think I've, I'm now. I'm going to be distracted. I won't be able to concentrate. Okay, well let's let's go to weather, shall we? Let's do the weather. Why not, Grant? Okay, we're going to do the New Zealand weather first of all. And um, I wonder why it was hot. It is a warm day today, right across the country, except for Invercargill and Queenstown. A little bit cooler there. Uh, they've got six and five degrees um, respectively. On the west coast of uh, the South Island, eight degrees, nine degrees. That's in France, Joseph, I should say. Westport's 9 degrees. Nelson, a little bit warmer up there, 14 degrees for you. Over on the east coast, and we've got Dunedin at 11. Timaru's a bit chillier, 6 degrees for you. Christchurch, 10 degrees this morning. Way over to the Chathams, that's one of the coldest coldest places in the country at the moment. Normally it's quite warm, so I'm a bit surprised at that. There I've got 8 degrees. Blenheim's on 10 degrees. Wellington, across the Cook Strait there to Wellington, the capital city where all the criminals are, 120 of them. Oh, well, the 121, somewhere around there, and the old crocodile, Winston, just sort of laying low, waiting to see which way the wind blows before he pipes up about Barry Young, a senior statistician with the New Zealand Health Department, who's come out and, uh, t- and, and, in fact, he's sent the information to everybody within the, you know, all the official people through the official channels. And uh, Winston hasn't, hasn't returned his uh, call or emails, uh, nor Liz Gunn's. 
uh, they haven't uh, haven't had a response, and yet this has gone right around the world. It's all over the place. Uh, what else is here? Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. I'll just finish the weather. Oh, okay, yes, let's do that. Masterton, four degrees. I told you, John Ansell, it's always colder in Masterton. Usually eight degrees in Wellington, four degrees in Masterton. There we are. Napier's on 12 degrees. Taupo, 11. Rotorua's on 12. Oh, we forgot New Plymouth and Palmerston North. They're both on 11 degrees today. Gisborne's on 15. We had Taupo, didn't we? Yes, uh, Taupo. We did Taupo, Rotorua, 11 and 12. Tauranga, yes, 15 degrees, along with Auckland and Whangarei. Oh, not nice and toasty way up there. Maybe we should all be living up in Whangarei and Kaitaia. They're both on 17 degrees. Kaitaia has the top temperature in the country at the moment, 17.2 degrees. The lowest place, now I missed this, I didn't realise it. Twizel, it's as cold as a barmaid's kiss there this morning, 0.4, 0.4 degrees. Uh, it's Celsius too, for those of you coming from overseas which is fairly cold. I don't know what that is. Probably, I don't know, 50, 40, 50 something degrees uh, Fahrenheit. I have no idea. I'm not familiar with the Fahrenheit. Uh, now, the windiest place is Christchurch, eastern suburbs, 26 kilometres per hour. Wittianga, you have a wee bit of rain there, 0.2 millimetres, but not too bad. Now, we got a forecast that came through. We haven't had the latest one, so the, the last one, hang on, I've just clicked on it. Surely we should have it by now. Normally it comes through about quarter to five. This one here says 11.14pm last night, that's Sunday night. Well, we don't want that, so I'll give it another quick refresh. The temperature's the same. It's a little bit warmer in Kaitai, 17.3. It's gone up point one of a degree. And uh, yes, we've got the one. It's just come through now. It's uh, just uh, five o'clock. So north into Taramanui, or, or Taumanui for those of you, but Taramanui for everybody else that lives there, and Taupo uh, <laughs> for the guys that live down there all their lives. Uh, they And also we'll put the Bay of Plenty in there. There's no Maori uh, word for that yet. But hey, we might have headed them off at the pass, so especially if you heard Winston Peters uh, really uh, got stuck into the Maori party, didn't he, at uh, Parliament uh, on, uh, was it last week anyway? Yeah, he's got a bit of a croaky cough this morning, so if there's a bit of dead air, don't worry about that. It's just me, just me coughing up a ring. All right, uh, scattered showers in the area for North and Taramanui Tapo, including Bay of Plenty. Scattered uh, morning showers. Oh yes, I, I think I've heard that it is too. Also rain, uh, rain about Northland and Coromandel, and you've got otherwise mainly fine. <laughs> <laughs> with some isolated showers. That's, um, that's uh, yeah, I could make it up. As I said before last week, I said I'd, we'd just make it up. I could actually read through here and I probably wouldn't be too, I could just sort of make up a, a you know, one. I mean, next time we go down and I can't get any weather forecast, I'm just going to write one, just sort of, you know, have a, have a crack at it. I might have a look at the weather map and then I'll make one up. Gisborne and Hawke's Bay showers today, uh, mainly about the ranges, and then it's got increasing fine breaks for you chaps. Taranaki to Taihapi also for Wellington and also we better put Mwarapa in there too, mainly fine weather. Areas of morning and evening cloud for you. For Nelson, Marlborough and Canterbury, areas of cloud clearing and becoming fine this morning. Uh, for Buller and Westland, fine at first and then showers spreading north this afternoon, turning to rain south of the glaciers. Of the glaciers, and then uh, in the evening, uh, okay. For Otago and Southland, areas of cloud clearing. Uh, it's going to be fine a bit later on this morning, and you, you will have that high cloud, of course, in the afternoon. Uh, but sadly, you'll have some showers developing in the evening. Fiordland, you've got uh, showers, showers developing this morning, turning to rain in the afternoon, and uh, there you are. That's I mean, that's why it's so beautiful and rich and green down there, isn't it? I suppose. And the Chatham Islands, mainly fine weather, eight degrees at the moment. You've got a bit of even cloud. Or even uh, evening, I should say, a bit of evening cloud. Looking ahead for Tuesday, the for the North Island, partly cloudy with isolated showers, becoming widespread, possibly heavy in the south area, southern south of Taihapi later. For the South Island on Tuesday, tomorrow, showers becoming widespread, possibly heavy.
easing in the west and in the south later. And you've got snow as well. Can you believe that? Might be having a bit of a cold patch coming through. I think I read that somewhere, uh, possibly down to 700 metres in the south. So there you go. Um, Midweek for the North Islands, Wednesday, that is. um, You've got rain in the south and east clearing. Showers everywhere else are becoming isolated. In the South Island, Wednesday, a few showers in the west and south. Remaining showers clearing, and it's going to be fine elsewhere. Looking ahead to Thursday, North Island, cloudy periods and isolated showers, but fine in the east. South Island, mainly fine, a few showers in the west. And for Friday... What are we up to Friday? Gosh, that'll be 11, 12, 13, getting close to Christmas, isn't it? Have you done your shopping? Oh, I haven't. Oh, I hate it. I hate Christmas. <laughs> I hate it's a pagan ceremony anyway. I don't know why we bother with it. Friday, uh, north of North Island, cloudy periods, isolated showers, but fine in the east. In the South Island on Friday, a period of rain in the west, and then you've got a few showers from Canterbury to south, and um, otherwise it's going to be fine in the north. And for the Chathams, um, got got some listeners out there, believe it or not. Yes, we have. I think our friend, um, our friend uh, Kimberly, Kimberly in Australia, in New South Wales. Uh, she said uh, she had friends. She used to go there over, all there over. The, she used to go over there all the time. But uh, when she was back here, living in New Zealand, she's part Maori and can't speak a word of it. <laughs> she's living in, the, in in Australia. That's the place to be, apparently. And uh, she said that, uh, that she's got some friends and probably got some listeners over there as well. Occasional rain or showers. Northerly's changing to strong southwesters on Tuesday. So that's your long-range forecast. That's weather all up to date here at 20 past five on the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. And I'll be back with the news. We'll have a look at Radio New Zealand first, then News Hub. And then I might even have a little squiz at um, stuff and see how stuffed it is today. Douglas Murray here doesn't want to hear Allah Akbar. I think that's how you say it. Allah Akbar. I mean, I can't even pronounce the jolly things. Uh, we don't want to hear that, do we? And we don't we don't want that over the loudspeakers in Queen Street or K Road or wherever. I really don't want to hear Allah Akbar shouted again on my streets. It's a war cry. The Hamas terrorists are shouting Allah Akbar all the way through, all the way through, as they are using a shovel to decapitate a young man. With every blow of the shovel, they shout Allahu Akbar when they go in to rape and um, murder all these young women in a room. They're shouting Allahu Akbar the whole time when they find a young woman hiding under a table, pretending to be dead, and they realize she's alive, and they begin killing her. They're shouting Allahu Akbar all the time. And they're so elated. And they phone home. One disgusting young Hamas guy shouts, shouts from the phone of one of his victims, his father in Gaza, saying, I have killed with my own hands 10 Jews. Your son has killed 10 Jews. And the mother is put on the phone and they're all shouting Allahu Akbar and they're so proud of him. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Hard to believe that um, anyone could have that mentality. And I think it starts when you're really young, quite little. Um, According to Noni Dawish, it starts... Uh, obviously your parents are training you in Gaza. This is She was brought up in Gaza. She went to Gaza Elementary School. She said it's in the textbooks to hate the Jews. We want them all killed. And of course I I experienced that too at Livin North School when I was very little. I don't, I'm not sure who this woman was. I, I remember she was fairly rotund. I don't know whether she was English or German or um, probably when was it 1967. I think it was during the Six Day War and she sort of stood me up there in the class because I dared to stand up a little 
little seven-year-old dared to stand up against her when she said the Jews are despicable people and they should be pushed into the sea. They stole all the land off the Arabs and they need to be pushed into the sea. And I thought, well, goodness me, that would be, they would drown, you know, wouldn't it? I mean, a seven-year-old would know that. So there we are. That's where it starts, really. Start them young. And Noni Darwish, her father was a Fedayeen terrorist and killed by the Israeli Defence Force. He's, uh, yeah, he went about 1958, I think, somewhere around there in the 50s he was killed. She was very little when he was killed. And she loves Israel. Uh, I think she lives in the United States now. And she's in a movie, and I can't remember the, the name of it. It's a documentary film. And uh, I saw it about, or be probably getting on 15 years ago, and it, uh, well, back in 2005. So when was that? Yeah, not fun, not getting close. And that was back when they had the uh, the bombings in Madrid and bombings in London, and it was all Muslim terrorists. Everyone's going on, aren't they? They're all going on about you know is fighting Hamas, but it's more than Hamas. It's Islamic terror. Uh, this is it's written in hadiths to kill all the Jews and then kill all the Christians. First the Jews and then us. And so we really need to be praying for Israel and praying that they will wipe these people out, these uh, Islamic terrorists, and, because, and they're doing a good job of it too. They've gone right through northern and, and southern. Yes, people are dying. Yes, it's shocking. Uh, but you've got to remember, 80% of the people that live there in Gaza voted for Hamas, and uh, they they hate the Jews. They hate them. We must stop these people from uh, doing what they're doing. And the other frightening thing is, uh, it seems to me that, uh, that crazy Western countries, although is it is it crazy or is it planned? They're bringing in Islamic terrorists. I think they are. I think they're terrorists. Many of them, are, are, you know, um, they're not really refugees at all. You know, they arrive on the shores in, in uh, Europe and the UK. They're across uh, boat people. Um, but they've paid quite a bit of money to these. So I guess they're sort of like... Well, are they sort of like coyotes? That's what they've got coming in through the border in the south. That, that sort of thing too. Terrorists are, are coming into the United States. They're coming into the Europe and England. Um, they're coming into New Zealand, I believe. Many of them are battle-aged young men. And are these are they cell groups? Are they just sitting here waiting, ready for the command to to go and uh, do what happened to Salman Rushdie uh, when he was stabbed uh, by an Islamic terrorist? That was three decades ago. Three decades ago when the Ayatollah, uh, I think it was the Ayatollah Khomeini, put out a uh, fatwa on him. He's just a, a, journal, a, a writer, uh, a novelist. He wrote a novel in the UK and published it. And uh, there he is. He's been attacked by some crazy Islamic terrorist. I, do, I just think that the, um, I think we should bring, bring in if, if Islamic people wanted to come to this country, but they can leave their jolly Quran at home. Leave it in the cave that it came for, from, uh, apparently. Of course, we know that it didn't come from a cave after all uh, is the um, not Muhammad yes Muhammad he was a sort of a trader a merchant sort of an illiterate merchant uh, so he wouldn't be able to write anything was he and a pedophile as well I'll, I'll have a fat a fatwa out on me as well uh, I've got a mate who's got a t-shirt and it says cut here <laughs> it's got a, the dotted line cut here he's a brave brave man isn't he I don't know if I would go so far as to do that but anyway, um, now let me just make sure that we're um, I mean, not over. Oh, we are sort of a wee bit loud on the stream there. Ah, I don't know what I can do about that. I suppose I could just turn it down slightly, couldn't I? Yeah, I've been fiddling, been fiddling with microphones and things. Anyway, we're talking about Islamic terrorists, and I think they're coming, and I think we've got cell groups, cell groups here in New Zealand, certainly in Australia. But everyone's saying, oh, it's Hamas, Hamas this and Hamas that. It's more than Hamas. It's Islam. We're at war with Islam. And all the ones that, uh, and no one's, no one's, I mean, I'm probably the only one that's, not very many people would say this, but we are as at war with the Mohammedans. That's what they are. They used to call them that back in the 18th, 18th century, 19th century, early, early 19th century, in the 1800s. 
um, you know, read a few books there of Protestants that went to places, went to um, you know places where Muslims were, and to try and bring the gospel to them. It's incredible. There's a um, I can't remember Henry somebody. Uh, my father had a book he was given at Sunday school, 1936 actually. So how how would have been 15 or something like that? Um, might have been a bit younger. Uh, yeah, no, around about there. And um, if I could remember that guy's name, it'd be good. It's the trouble when you grow older, isn't it? You forget things. I forget things I did yesterday. But anyway, we were talking about Islamics. Um, in that book, they called them Mohammedans. That's what he called them. And he went there to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And uh, boy, oh boy, he was lucky he wasn't killed. But um, we've got a problem, haven't we? The problem is the Quran. The Quran is a book of death. Um, Winston Churchill, Sir Winston Churchill, said that when he read it, it was a Mein Kampf of war and he's read the bible as well of course i don't think he's a particularly christian man i think i heard that he was a druid or something like that it's a bit of an interesting thing isn't it? druids um i don't know anything about druids does anybody know give me a text send me a text tell me about druids oh, i suppose i could google i don't need anyone to tell me do i that's the other thing we today we don't really need other people we don't have to ask other people about things we can actually go and research for ourselves isn't that great and we can do that, although the government's tried to stop us from doing that. Uh, Jacinda Ardern is heavily involved with that. I think she's at Yale, is she? isn't she at Yale? One of those there? They're doing their best. They've teamed up with all these people. They, with, they call it the Disinformation Project but, or, or something like that, uh, misinformation. But they are the disinformationists, we've, um, we've heard. Uh, now, if you don't know anything about Steve Kirsch, I suggest that you get over there and uh, to Substack. And I think I've got her here. Yes, it says here, the data from New Zealand Ministry of Health shows that the COVID vaccines have killed over one... Oh, what does it say? I better click on that because um, I'm just guessing now. But over one person per thousand doses. That's what Steve Kirsch says on his latest Substack. Now, you can find Steve Kirsch at Substack. Kirsch, that's K-I-R, spelt with a K. K-I-R. S-C-H, and it's uh, Substack, KirschSubstack.com, and uh, they don't seem to, the government doesn't be able to seem to stop us uh, from uh, checking things out on over there. We've also got, um, oh, let me just tell you a bit more about Steve Kirsch. First of all, um, he, oh, I have to go back a bit, I suppose, to find, oh gosh, we've, oh, he's put all the data up. Oh well, I better not say it because I'll be put. I'll be thrown in jail. Isn't that incredible? What are they frightened of? What are they frightened of? Well, they're frightened of uh, us knowing the truth. They've been trying to kill us all along. And, but we've still got people that are, you know, slightly retarded. I think, and you know, just pretending people like um, who who we got that's a bit retarded. Well, the platform over there, the two of them there on the platform, uh, two in particular, the one, the former mayor of uh, Wanganui, uh, name just went out of my head, but the other ones. Um, Pat, Patrick, oh, uh, yes, Patrick um, uh, Plunkett. Yes, Plunkett's a good Catholic name, isn't it? I wonder if he is a Roman Catholic. Could be, could be. They bring them up. A lot of Catholics go into pub, into the media, we've found. Yes, we have. They sort of like encourage them to get in so that uh, if you control the media in the country, I think the BBC are full of Roman Catholics. Here here in New Zealand, Radio New Zealand were full of Roman Catholics back in the back in the day. Don't know if it's still the same now, uh, but they really encourage young, young people. The priests would come around and say, well, have you thought about... You know, broadcasting, and that's because they don't want anything bad said about the about the church. You see, they want it to all be everything that comes out through the news to be filtered through the Roman Catholic system of religion through their thinking. Now, here's the update. And now, if you want to attack my analysis, Steve Kirsch says, 
uh, you can do it in five ways. Show the data is not legitimate. Two, two, show that the data can't be used because it's incomplete. Three, show that the analysis method, time series cohort, is improper. Four, show that there is an execution bug. An execution bug. Uh, that's uh, in, in buckets dot S uh, P, uh, sorry, in, in buckets dot PY. I don't know what that means. Uh, or the, he knows quite a bit, you see, Steve, because he's dedicated his life to saving lives, to stopping, stopping whoever these people are. Uh, from murdering us, from killing us. Vax murder is what it seems that to me, and that's what John Nansel said. He's very good at just reducing thoughts down to just uh, one or two words, and syllables even. So this is this one here says, show that there is an execution bug in buckets.py or the V4 spreadsheet. Now, I don't know any of that means because I've had a bit of a I've just sort of listened to country music all weekend while I'm fencing and I haven't watched listened to any of the news so we'll be finding out what's going on in the news together won't we at half past five here on the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me your host Grant Edwards uh, for the next hour or two uh, maybe, oh, we'll see how we go we might go to seven um, if it's raining I might go to eight or might even go to nine if it's raining because I can't do much work outside can I and show that there is an error this is five show that there is an error in the interpretation of the V4 visualizations. To date, nobody has found a bug in buckets.py. I don't know what that means. And the uh, and nobody has found a mistake in my V4 spreadsheet. The methodology is very standard. It's the same method used by the UK Office of National Statistics, the ONS. This guy's onto it, isn't he? Let's hope. Let's hope because I heard a bit of a rumor on Friday that Barry and his wife, this is the whistleblower and his wife, are um, going a bit soft and going a little bit soft and want to take the kindly approach we're in a war folks we're in a war Barry and your wife I haven't met you don't know you but we are in a war and when you're in a war you've got to fight for your bloody life and we've got there's no time niceties go out the window there's no time to be nice right now we've got to hit them hard with language with words of course that's all we've got that's all we can use uh, but you know there might come a time when we have to I don't know defend ourselves against these people but right now they're trying to kill us and we've got people that are involved in this that don't realize that they're actually killing people I'm sure there's just incompetent people uh, people that just follow the leader I think that's what's happening uh, with this, uh, the whole rollout. I mean, my my uh, friend who's a doctor, I, of course I wouldn't have him as a doctor now, but he's a, a childhood friend. I've known him since I was nine years old. And he basically just said he just followed someone else whom he respected. He has no idea about what's in the vaccine, and yet he's um, offering it to people. And so you've got people there, they call them the vaccinators. They're actually jabbing people, and they've got no idea what they're doing. So they've been given, they've been given a weapon, really, if you think about it, isn't it? If that's what, if that's what it turns out uh, is happening. And some doctors are saying that it was all designed and uh, there's no way that it could, it has to it is designed to murder people and so if that's the case all of these people need to be brought back into back to New Zealand Jacinda Ardern uh, and um, Ashley Bloomfield they need to be arrested wherever they are around the world handcuffed put on a flight and brought back to New Zealand to stand trial Winston Peters needs to pipe up and actually say that he's aware of what's going on all you need to say Winnie is look I'm aware of what's going on and I'm I am following this case with interest that would have been all you needed to say last week but no you didn't say anything as far as I know uh, you haven't said a thing a fabulous speech you gave though wasn't it good you got into the Maori party but hey that's a bit of a smokescreen really because the big story is not is not your speech to the to um, in parliament uh, a very good speech too by the way but the big story is 
the the vaccine information, the whistleblower from a high up position within the New Zealand Health Department. I hope it's going back to be calling the Ministry of Health. That'll be good, wouldn't it? The MOH, the Ministry of Health, and we'll have none of that water aura or whatever it's called. I don't know. Is that, is that what it's called? Is that what they call it? I don't know. I can't remember. Can't remember. I have to sort of, I see a Maori term, then I've got, look, I love Maori language. Don't get me wrong. But but I don't want it forced upon us. We are we are here in New Zealand. This is a, a Commonwealth country. Uh, we are, actual fact, a lot of people don't realise this, and they don't teach the kids this at school because I think they hate the whole idea of the fact that we are actually a constitutional monarchy. And some people tell me, no, it's not a constitutional monarchy at all. That's all gone by the way board. We're actually a corporation now. And uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. I've never seen any evidence that they tell me to go and have a look over at uh, Washington to look and, and you can see that we're registered there as a uh, you know a corporation. Uh, I haven't I haven't actually found that to be true. Maybe they've moved it. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I couldn't see that. So there's all sorts of conspiracies out there. And you know what? We're entitled to them. Everyone's entitled to their free speech. I'll listen to anybody on any subject, any subject. I'll debate them. And if you've got an opinion, why don't you text it through to me now and I'll read it out. Uh, 027, it's 732. No, no. 027. Oh, sorry, 021. <laughs> Can't give you that number. That's my personal number. Um, 021-732-423. In fact, it's on the screen. If you go over to Rumble, look up Liberty NZ. You can see it on the screen. We've got... We've gone up. We've gone from 60, 63 we had, we met them, and we've now 68. I hope, and it might be, it might go down five because what happens is people come in, they listen to me, you know, lovely people, and then they hear me speaking, yib yab, jibber jabbing, and they go, gosh, I'm not listening to that guy. Oh, I don't agree with anything he says. Uh, but some people actually love to love to listen, even though they hate me. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? They they love listening to every word. Uh, and yet, yeah, they hate me, and they send me nasty texts. I don't normally read them out. I find it a bit, a bit depressing. Sometimes I get out of bed in the morning and I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to school today, Mum. You know, it's a bit like that here. Sometimes I just don't want to even turn the microphone on. I'd rather just play country music all day today. Am I allowed to play just a little bit? Um, I've, I've downloaded. Oh gosh, I've got some amazing songs. I'm all allowed to, all above board too. By the way, we pay our APRA fee every uh, year annually and uh, I started this radio station not Liberty NZ that's only a couple of years old but I started the wireless back in 2007 when I was living in St Helier's and then I thought God, let's get out of here so we thought we'd move to um, Central Hawke's Bay and so we kicked it off there in 2000 and I think it was 2008 but we started in 2007 and I couldn't remember that it, gosh it's almost 20 years ago isn't it when you think about it uh, gosh, oh, that's a long time ago. Uh, but there we are now. Uh, Steve Kirsch, we've got him. Oh, I better, I better, we better have a look and see what's happening on the front page here. I've been jibber jibbing, and uh, you'll be um, you'll be switching off and going somewhere else. So let me come right back to you in just a moment, and I will find. Oh no, I've got Josh Turner. Can we have a song? No, no, not allowed a song. What about Heart Like a Truck? Can we have that? Just have that while I'm. Uh, well, I have a quick pre-read so that I don't um, make too many mistakes because I am dyslexic. Dyslexic. Oh, however it is you say it, I, I am. It's 24 minutes to 6, and of course at the top of the hour, top of the hour, we're going to have um, TNT Radio. They'll be bringing us more news, the wonderful folk there. And uh, so make sure you get over there and have a listen to them. But also don't forget, we've got our own radio uh, talkback here as well. I don't know if they're doing talkback. Uh, I, I love talkback, but I, I used to listen to it when I was little. But Go over to uh, realitycheckradio.com. Re- uh, no, realitycheck.radio. So tntradio.live and realitycheck. Uh, dot, no, yeah, realitycheck.radio, uh, I think it is. 
Yes, Rihanna. Oh gosh, I better go, better go and check myself. I'll be back in a minute. Here's Lainey Wilson. Mm, lovely song. I just love this. Got a heart like a truck. Been drugged through the mud. I never stay in one place too long. A dirt road singing me a siren song. I gotta find a field. I need to spin my wheels. I got a Just my favourite. If I was young, I tell you what, I'd be in love with Lainey Wilson. Uh, she's and she's a lovely kind of a girl, sort of girl that you'd you'd want your son to marry, I suppose, as long as she's a Christian. Though I don't want him marrying non-Christians uh, because um, well, I just don't want that, you know. But you know, they, I guess they're free to marry whoever they want. The trouble is, if you marry a non-Christian and you are a Christian, your kids are going to end up being non-Christian, really, aren't they? If you think about it, that's what happens. Okay, Lainey Wilson, beautiful song, though, heart like a truck, being dug through the, being drugged. I like that, like dragged, 
they they say it's been drugged through the mud. <laughs> they they talk a little bit differently over there in the uh, United States of America, especially way down south there. I think she's living in Nashville. She moved there about 12 years ago um, from home. Family got a ranch uh, somewhere, I think Kentucky or somewhere. I'm, I'm just guessing. <laughs> we'll make it up. Kiwis don't know. It's only the Americans will put me right. And I suppose I could go and have a look and find out, but I just don't really have time right now at 18 minutes to 6. I think it is anyway. A quick look at the clock there. Not far away, 19 minutes. I'm a bit ahead of myself. I still haven't adjusted the clock. I'm still a minute ahead. But I'm sort of guessing that by the time you hear the stream, it might be, it could be a half a minute or so, or sometimes even a minute behind. Now, if you're having problems with your stream, just restart it. Just go back, go out and restart it. And uh, on Zeno, it comes up with yes or no. Just go yes and restart. So make sure you do that. And then you come back in. Unfortunately, on Zeno, you get some ads. But if you look in the description there, there are some other links where you don't tend to get the ads quite so much. Uh, the quality is not quite as good, but you don't get the ads. But there we, there we are. Never mind. Okay, Radio New Zealand. Got look at the, goodness, goodness gracious. I still haven't got to uh, the news, and it's uh, coming up to 18 minutes to 6. Uh, and we've got uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We're over at, or better to say where we are, radionewzealand.co.nz. And um, I'm reading from them, so I'll give them the credit. Otherwise, I'll be in, I'll be in trouble. I'll get another, another one of those emails saying, hey, what are you doing copying our stuff? Um, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs says that it's aware of reports that a New Zealand Israeli citizen has died in Gaza. So we'll bring you up to date with that, I suppose, if uh, new information comes to light during the morning. Also, a police standoff in Christchurch has been resolved. One person is in custody after a police standoff that lasted more than eight hours in Christchurch suburb of Avonhead. That was yesterday, last night. And you won't believe this, a baby's been found in an impounded car at a Waikato street racing event. Police found a baby in a vehicle at a street racer event in Waikato where more than 200 infringement notices were issued, according to police. And they, the Roman Catholics, they want to rebuild the cathedral on the same site in Christchurch, according to the bishop down there. Category, uh, the Category 1 listed heritage building was demolished in 2020 after devastating quake in 2010 and 2011. Had two of them there, didn't we? I was in Wellington at the time. I didn't feel a thing. The earth didn't move for me. And also... Uh, Mm-mm. Yes, we've got, I couldn't believe my eyes. This driver, he had his car crushed in Wellington by the severe winds over the weekend. Wellington man who uh, parked his car on the street. He says he's lived there for decades. He went outside in the afternoon on sun, <laughs> Sunday to find his car was crushed under a tree. Oh, they do come down. When they, The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I fell the tree a couple of uh, weeks ago. Would have been, oh, sorry, I'm scratching around here. You're not supposed to do that. No, you're, no, you're supposed to not shuffle your papers. Um, not very well trained. Now, uh, I did, and I fell the, fell the tree, boom, crashed, and the earth moved. I tell you what, when that one came down, the earth moved. I love it. Very dangerous, though. I'm always very, very careful when I'm cutting trees down. I'm checking wind. I'm just making sure, looking at the how much weight's up top there, which way they're hanging. Sometimes a tree will sort of lean towards the sun, and the bra- or the branches will lean towards the sun. And even though the wind is behind you, the weight of the tree, the foliage, you know, up, right up at the top there, is enough for it to tip the wrong way and jam your saw or, you know, do some real damage. And you've got to make sure you've got a decent hinge as well, a hinge. So you don't want to cut too f- – so you cut your little, um, your little V in one side where you want it to land – and um, then you go around the other side and you cut cut there. And if it looks as though it could be a bit of a problem, might come back on you. you need, that's when you need the wedges. Get some wedges on the job. Uh, the best place to go if you want to learn, if men, men want to learn about this, forget about Osh and all that nonsense. I mean, you've just got to be responsible. Go out and do dangerous things carefully. 
That's that's how everybody learns. Uh, so you just go ahead and do it. Don't be frightened to do stuff like this. But go on YouTube because that's a wonderful way to learn how to do stuff. Uh, you don't get any real news there. You won't find anything out about the um, the jab or anything like that or anything negative to the communists that are running the running the world at the moment. Of course, but slowly being taken over by the fascist at the moment. We're getting there. They're all they're all um, what do you call them? Uh, they're all globalists. Um, but anyway, you go over to a fellow called Billy Ray Cyrus. No, not Cyrus. I'm only kidding. I thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, that's not the one. He's a good singer, though, the achy breaky, because we don't want anything aching and breaking. So you go to Billy Ray Smith over there. I've found him to be very good. I've been watching him for about six, seven years. And uh, Billy Ray Smith, I guess he's um wee bit younger, probably about my age, or a wee bit younger, 32. And uh, he said that, uh, well, he shows you there. He, he's a fantastic guy as well. Fantastic sort of a human being, uh, real fun to watch and listen to. And uh, so I go over there to him and I've been watching him and he'll show you how to do it. And I think it's wonderful that he does that. Now, uh, what else have I got coming up? Uh, let me just check the levels because I've, I've got this horrible feeling that we're going out there. And I, I don't I hope you can hear me. Um, anyway, it just uh, doesn't sound right. So go to Billy Ray Smith. That's his name. Fantastic personality. Everything you need to know about chopping trees down, about ringing them, I, I, you know, we cut them into circles. You know, there's all sorts of tricks there. You got to be careful. You get don't get your saw uh, done done in there. Get saw jammed, or things can come back and hit you in the face. All sorts of things you got to watch out for when you're doing this wood chopping. But it's very good for men to do that, and it's, it's great. And don't don't go and hire the machine from Hire Pool or wherever you get it from. If you're way up on the North Island, there up in the Northland, there you go to Cowley's, I suppose. Down in the south, I don't know who you'd use uh, down way down here, but probably Hire Pool or one of those higher places. Don't go bothering getting one of those. Um, what you call it, um, you know, automatic um, splitters. No, no, do it yourself. Get yourself a decent splitting axe and you sit them up. You you watch Billy Ray. He does it. And I saw him doing it. He swings like a golf club. With This is with the axe, the splitting axe. He, I don't even know if he uses a splitting axe. And he just hits them. And he doesn't hit them right in the middle. He hits them slightly off to, on the outer edge and just slowly works his way. But he actually puts the circle up on edge and has a good bash at it that way, and he swings at it. So he doesn't, you know how we normally do, we put it on a block, we put the round circle of wood, whether it's tocher or pine or whatever we're working with, cowrie, no, just kidding, just kidding. Kaikatea, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, you put it on, we put it up on top, don't we, and we smack away at it, and you think, oh gosh, this takes forever. And you know, you could, if you miss, you come down and you know chop your leg off, couldn't you? But the, what he does is a golf swing. Well, it's almost like, well, I don't know, is it like cricket? Oh, it's more like golf, I think. That's how I find. And um, I, I tell you what, it'd be really good if you could do a swing, swing the other way. If you could be ambidextrous as well, uh, go swing to the right, a right-handed swing. I'm a lefty, so I go and smack. And I tell you what, they just split like crazy. And you've got wood all over the place. <laughs> and then you just got to go and and um, what I like to do is I don't like double handling with this. I drop the tree, I ring it where it drops, and uh, then I limit and I get a fire going and get rid of all those. Um, Whoops, banging my equipoise. Um, then you uh, get a fire going, get all those branches burnt. Nothing worse than ha- letting the grass grow around them, and then you've got to walk amongst them. And uh, they take a long time to to um, sort of break down. But if you get a fire going, got beautiful ash, and then grab that ash, and you can use it in the garden. Pot ash, beautiful. Have that, and then once you've got your rings, just sit them up on the side. And don't cut them too wide either. That's another thing. About about the width of the chainsaw is what you want. You know, by the time they've got the handle on them, you know, what's that? I don't know, 300 or something like that. Not too, not too 
wide. And I think the law is no more than 300 or 350 millimetres with uh, some trees like Totra. Uh, you're not allowed to sell those uh, anything bigger than uh, 350 lengths. So you can't go going and milling all your Totra and then uh, selling it off as boards. That would be against the, the law. They've got laws here about that sort of thing. But it's crazy, isn't it? Because you're allowed to, you're allowed to cut your Totra down, uh, especially if you're way up in Northland there, you're allowed to cut it down and uh, sell it for firewood. You can do that, but you're not allowed to sell it for boards. So anything useful, you're not allowed to do. <laughs> uh, and fires, so but you're allowed to fire. Soon they'll outlaw the fires, I suppose. We won't be allowed to light a fire. Uh, but oh gosh, well, if, I, I mean, we, we, what else can you do? I mean, if it looked, if Jacinda and her team, uh, team, gosh, her band of communists, if they'd been still going, we probably wouldn't have LPG in a few years' time. That'd be all stopped, and uh, of course, no more coal, and uh, gosh, you know, and no more petrol. Probably, I'd say diesel and oil and all that sort of stuff would be a thing of the past, and farmers wouldn't be able to farm anymore. They'd just have to go and live in the smart city in town, wouldn't they? In the five, ten, fifteen, and twenty-minute city, according to Samantha Edwards, who's a very good journalist. Actually, she's she's a better journalist than the than the people that call themselves journalists. <laughs> she's very good indeed. So go and have a look at her. You'll find her at counterspinmedia.com or she's on Band TV or Mad Max TV. Uh, she's on the Alex Jones Network. But the easiest way to find her, I think, is just go to counterspinmedia.com and have a look at her latest. I think uh, she's got a, a few new ones up. i better go and have a look and tell you what's there. Anyway, let's get back to the Radio New Zealand and check out those stories. Now we've got thousands of people they gather. Where are they gathering, Grant? Well, they're gathering in Auckland. And why, why are they gathering there? Well, they want a ceasefire in Palestine. Do they know anything about Palestine? No. Do they know anything about the history of the Middle East? No, they don't know anything. But they're leftists, most of them, communists, and they are calling for the immediate ceasefire of the three-month-old Israeli-Hamas conflict. Uh, never mind that the um, Muslim terrorists tried to slaughter, well, they did, they slaughtered 1,400 people, went and stole 240. Imagine that, 1,400 of people in your area uh, were just slaughtered, murdered, burnt alive, had their heads cut off, um, you know, and women raped and, uh, you know, dragged bodies, corpsed, uh, you know, killed. Uh, man had his head cut off, according to Douglas Murray, with a, a shovel uh, while they're yelling Allah Akbar every time they do that. It's a war crime, isn't it? Just unbelievable. Bloodthirsty bastards they are. And, uh, but they're trained this way. These kids, they are indoctrinated from a very early age, and they think they're doing a wonderful service to humanity by getting rid of all the Jews. And uh, when you get to a society where, um, you know, we, when it's, when it's like hell with the lid off, but, uh, you know, and it's starting to happen in other parts of the world as well. I was listening to Melanie Phillips. In fact, I might even have Melanie Phillips here. I'll dig her out. Uh, better write that down, though, Grant. Write that down. All right, I'll write that down there. Yep, write that down. Melanie. Uh, Melanie Phillips there. Uh, Phillips, F-I-L-L-I. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, anyway, uh, she says when you see uh, anti-Semitism rear its ugly head, because it's always kept down, isn't it, in a, in a civilised society, but now we're going over the edge. We're tipping over into barbarism, and uh, we've got so many leftists and now that have been indoctrinated over the last, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Uh, the communist infiltration probably happened after the Second World War, I would think. And uh, it's in all the universities. Uh, it's right through the government. Although now it seems that we've got the lefties out, haven't we? And the Maori Party as well. Of course, they're communist, you know, basically communist-inspired. And uh, but they don't speak for all Maori, according to Winston. Uh, I was going to say Churchill. Winston Peters in his speech in his maiden speech last week. They don't speak for all Maori. Uh, but anyway, Melanie Phillips, I will dig her out. 
Phillips. Just uh, sometimes I read my, I, I look at my writing and write it down, and then I go back to read it, and I think, what on earth is that? It's a bit like doctors. I think that's why so many people uh, die from taking pharmaceutical drugs because maybe the doctor gets it wrong, <laughs> writes it down. They need to learn to speak, um, write clearly, and um, yeah, and speak up too, speak up for us. But writing clearly would be a good thing, uh, I think, uh, just in case. Um, their prescriptions aren't too good and the whole idea of a chemist you know they're supposed to be there to make sure the doctor doesn't give you the wrong stuff uh, according to Shane Chafin who was a uh, board certified pharmacist and I think they're trying to come they're coming after Shane anyway so uh, let's get back to the stories here at Radio New Zealand and uh, thousands gather at Auckland to call for a ceasefire several thousand they say doesn't look like several thousand to me that's what they do, though. So when we go out, you know, when the when the conservative people go out, they say, oh, just a few hundred people, and there's actually thousands. They said there was just a few hundred people at Parliament. There was more than 18,000 people at Parliament there uh, last year. Uh, that's what they do. It's, uh, this is the media, and they, they call themselves, you know, they're, they're telling the truth down the bottom of the... Have you noticed that down the bottom? They, what they say, oh, we, they sing their praises, the self-gratification, how, how wonderful we are, and how we always bring you the truth and all that, and it's absolute nonsense. They're just bought, bought and paid for media, aren't they? Of course they are. Now, the police standoff with a person refusing to leave the house. This is in Christchurch, Christchurch Police. They're in a, or they were in a standoff. Uh, he locked himself in the house, and uh, so I hope no, they didn't. I hope they don't shoot him or anything, anything crazy like that. Um, we will. Hit, yeah, it's been resolved. That's right. We hit, we did that right at the very start, didn't we? Look, when we come back, we'll go to. Shall we go to, and have a look at? Um, no, it doesn't look like there's much there. I'll do a refresh on it. I don't think there's anybody home at News Hub, but we'll we'll be back in a minute with some more stories. Here's Jordan Peterson giving some advice to young men at five minutes to six. I think it is extremely smug and complacent to think civilization has peaked. It's all upwards from here. Yeah. Well. Good luck with that. I suppose. <laughs> it's a living. Like I, you know, I, I, there are lots of people who agree with me. There are lots of people clearly who agree with you. I wanted. No, to- there are just a lot of people. I would say, who are coming to listen to what I say because they're sick and tired of having their desire to move forward in the world and to achieve something and to take their place as adult males, let's say, who are under the weight of accusations that they're ambition and forthrightness is a manifestation of something that's fundamentally tyrannical. They're not happy with that. It's not doing anyone any good. And it's also not true. It's really a terrible thing to do to young men. And it's happening all the time. That's why they're bailing out of universities like mad. There won't be a man left in the social sciences in 10 years in the universities. And it's no bloody wonder. It's an unhospitable place. And it's unhospitable precisely because of this doctrine. Oh, there he is, Piers Morgan, four minutes to six. Uh, good morning, everybody. Now, um, talking about, I was just looking at a photograph of Piers Morgan there. Uh, now, let's go and have a look well, to, to find out about him. Apparently, he's in hospital. He's in the hospital. Now, if I can find X, it's so hard to find X because it's black now, and uh, it gets a bit lost on my, I'll get rid of Steve Kirsch there. And we've got this other funny thing there. So, no, uh, no, no, that's no good. Oh, here we are. Now, do I have him? Oh, look, I'm, I'm overlooking at myself on Twitter, uh, looking at the balls. Now, very distracting. Now, we've got Piers Morgan. Now, it says here he's, um, he's gone to hospital, apparently. He says he has COVID. And uh, so someone here has written, he said, um, I'm great and unvaccinated. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, Piers Morgan says, so, so jealous. I don't know what he's jealous about. I better go back a bit further. 
Um, now, let's go down the bottom here, and I'll just find you this. What, this is what he says here. Piers Morgan, who else has had the latest COVID strain? I'm in day seven of an incessant cough, snotty nose, raging sinuses, asthma-like breathing, Barry White voice, and tedious fatigue. A tedious fatigue. Uh, would love to hear uh, if it's, it's only an eight-day thing. And then then uh, someone writes to him if, and... Uh, now, I find it very difficult to find my way around on Twitter, which is X now, isn't it? I, find, I can't really read it. It says, hi, dude. This is Piers again. Hi, dude. I've had no COVID jab for two years. Ah, well, that's your problem, Piers. I think people have been saying to him, well, the reason why you, you get it so bad is because you're all jabbed up in the first place. But he says, I've had no COVID jab for two years, and I've just had a rough old week with COVID. So kind of wished I'd had another booster. Oh, no, Piers, you, you, you're in denial, aren't you? But uh, do whatever you want. That's what the guy says. Now, what does it say here? Uh, uh, someone else says you're a shameful. Oh, no, now I've moved somewhere else. Now I need to go. I've, I really do struggle with this. I'm, I don't know why. I've just, I, I never really got onto it. Hi, Bob. Flu is an influenza. This is Piers again. There's a clue in the, in the name. Uh, so he thinks it's a, a virus because he's, he's he's gone down that virus track. Uh, and COVID is a coronavirus. Oh, is it? He's an expert. Um, hope that helps your your mastery of epidemiology. Says Pierce. He's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a snide remark there. Uh, you mean you've got the flu, a spineless twat? Oh, someone's being nasty. This is Bob. And then, uh, but someone says I'm a pure blood. It was keeping me strong. That's they say that. Yeah. Uh, say so if you if you get vaccinated, it lowers your immunity. And uh, that's why you're crook. That's why you've got it so bad. People that don't get jabbed, they don't end up being in, having to go to hospital. If you and I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. And so, Pierce, you you got your jab too. I mean, people that I know that are all jabbed up, they're continuously getting the colds, continuously cold. Uh, but people that aren't haven't been jabbed as well. If you want to avoid getting colds all the time, well, you've got to eat properly. You've got to make sure you've got plenty of meat in you. <laughs> Eat more meat. I eat about 1.2 kilograms of meat. Oh, probably, yeah, sometimes I'm about 750 grams. Other times, um, 1.2. Depends on what, what sort of work I'm doing. I will eat that much meat because it's full of protein. Oh, I better keep an eye on the uh, clock as well. I might just have that TNT radio going in the background there so that I don't um, talk right through the news like I'm prone to do. Now, what does Piers Morgan said? I led the UK media campaign against the Iraq. Oh, no, that's Iraq war. See, I just struggle with it. I I can't follow anything on it. I can follow Facebook, but that's sort of for old people, isn't it? Facebook, no one, everybody's over on Snapchat now, aren't they? Uh, ones like that, so I, I suppose I'll have to go and learn how to use that. But I don't know if I've got time, you know, like I'm busy with the farm. We did some good fencing yesterday, and uh, oh, the sun's coming up now, so I can actually have a look at what I've done. Um, haven't powered it up yet. I've put a three-wire electric fence there. I'm trying to keep the trying to be for sheep and beef because we've got some sheep. I don't. It doesn't really worry me if the little lambs end up going under the wire because they'll always come back to mum as long as the big ones don't go under the wire. Uh, you know, and that's and it could be quite good having the little ones pop out onto the onto the uh, the race. It's called it's like a track. We call it a race here in this country, um, and eat the grass there. It's a bit of save me having to spray it. Don't like using sprays at all, really. Oh, now talking about um, chemicals and things, we've got. I found with my friendly calf, I've noticed that he's got ticks, and um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about now just before the news. 
but he's not, he's got ticks, so he's he comes up and rubs me, and I give him a rub. We rub each other. He's a little black fellow, and um, so he's quite nice. He's not terribly small. He's getting a bit big now. Got to watch out because they've got a hard noggin. If they if they swing up, you know, if their head comes up in a hurry and they hit you in the face, they'd knock all your teeth out without any um, without any effort whatsoever. So you do have to watch out for these uh, calves when you're handling them, and I don't like to get too near the back feet either. That's another thing. I'm you know the back the the hind legs. With those hooves, you know they are, and they are quite strong, and they bunt each other. And sometimes he gets a bit amorous with me and wants to um, shunt me around a bit, sort of the old bull. Even though his head is nuts lopped off, he's still um, that bullock, I think they call them, or a steer they called. Um, he could still be a bit pushy, but he's very nice, a uh, very nice boy. And I'll tell you about him. He's got ticks, and I thought, well, if he's got ticks, probably the rest of them have got it as well. And uh, what I could do, I could go over and spend $120 for one litre, $120 to $130 for a, a litre of Bay Tickhole, Bay, T-I-C-O-L, and that's, I can get that from Farm Source or other places, and that's a pharmaceutical drug, and that'll last for six weeks, 130, and that'll do probably half the herd, so I need two lots, so that's $240. Here's TNT Radio News. Replay of this show. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. Taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. In an extraordinary statement, the U.S. Defense Secretary warned Israel is heading for a strategic defeat in Gaza as it drives the civilian population into the arms of the enemy. America's defense chief saying Israel is feeding Hamas by killing civilians rather than depriving it of support. This kind of a fight, the center of gravity is the civilian population. And if you drive them into the arms of the enemy, you replace a tactical victory with a strategic defeat. So I have repeatedly made clear to Israel's leaders that protecting Palestinian civilians in Gaza is both a moral responsibility and a strategic imperative. Israel expanded its ground offensive into southern Gaza last weekend, leading to a surge in the number of Palestinians killed. Israeli jets, tanks, ships and attack helicopters have struck thousands of additional targets along the entire stretch of the besieged territory since the temporary truce collapsed last Friday. A residential square inside the Jabalia refugee camp was completely flattened in a series of airstrikes. At least 300 people, half of whom are children, were said to be sheltering there at the time. Meanwhile, video emerged this week showing Israel dropping an American bunker buster bomb on a residential building in Gaza. The footage surfacing just days after it was revealed Washington had sent 100 of the deadly weapons to Israel to use in its war against Hamas. The weapon is made to pierce through solid rock and hardened structures like a reinforced concrete bunker before detonating. According to the Wall Street Journal, the American-made and supplied bomb was used in October's deadly strike on the Jabalia refugee camp. That attack levelled an entire apartment block, killing over 100 civilians. Also making news this week, more than 400 children under the age of eight were rescued from a child sex trafficking syndicate in Africa. South Africa's newly formed Border Management Authority said its guards stopped 42 buses from entering the country from Zimbabwe. And on those buses were 443 children destined for the illegal sex industry. Operation has been conducted by the border guards, the Home Affairs Anti-Corruption Team, as well as members of the SAPS at the Bait Bridge border post just this night. They were able to stop and search about 42 buses trying to enter the Republic 
and out of that we found 443 children under the age of eight that were in those buses without any parent or any guardian fairly they were being trafficked into south africa we were able to take them out of those buses we were then able to engage with the zimbabwean officials and we handed them back to zimbabwe for processing back into the country and Washington said it had no advanced knowledge of Hamas's October 7 attack on Israel. It comes after a bombshell report by the New York Times revealed Israel had obtained plans for the attack over a year ago. There's no indications at this time that they had any access to this document beforehand. Should they have, given how closely U.S. and Israeli intelligence officials coordinate or are supposed to coordinate? Intelligence is a mosaic, and uh, sometimes, you know, you can fashion things together and get a pretty good picture. Other times, you know, that the, there's pieces of the puzzle that are missing. Was this a failure on the part of Israeli intelligence and U.S. intelligence? I think there's going to be a time uh, and a place for Israel to do that sort of forensic work. I mean... Prime Minister Netanyahu's already spoken pretty candidly about this and calling it, you know, a failure on their part. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, this has been Matt Boyland. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Okay, well, sorry, I got a bit sidetracked there. I was looking at the bull riding. Oh, gosh, that's unbelievable. Now, listen, if you're over there, don't take one of these. Okay, I can't say what it is, but don't take one of those. Starts with a C. It's got a 1-9 in it. No, don't take one of those. You don't want that because you could end up being very unwell. And that's what's happened to Piers Morgan. He's in hospital now because he got uh, jabberoonied with the Jackson about uh, ooh, two years ago. He said that was when he had his last one. Uh, and the problem is uh, it gets in there and lowers your immunity and then you're absolutely stuffed, aren't you? And that's what happens. And if you haven't been jabbed, you've, and just stay away from all pharmaceutical, stay away from all pharmaceutical drugs because they lower your immunity and they bigger you up. So as I was saying before, with our stock, I've noticed it for the first time. I've got some ticks, and I probably only noticed it because we don't get Lyme disease in this country. Apparently, I was talking to my business partner on the farm, and apparently it's a, sort of an American thing. They get Lyme disease in the UK as well. But lead and palustra is the homeopathic remedy which we'll be using. Uh, they have very a, a great success. I think last week I was telling you what are we going to do with ticks? Well, that's what you do. You give them lead and palustra. And you can put it in the water, but the trouble is the sun will actually antidote the remedy. So you have to have an area, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be probably doing that today. Actually, I'll go down. I'm going to put some four four big posts in around one of the big troughs, and I'm going to start work on a um, under a sort of a covered trough that so that the sun doesn't shine on that water. I think it'll be a good thing anyway to not have sun shining on the water. Anyway, a lot of farmers put um, trees near the stream so the sun doesn't shine on the on the water. I don't know if why that is, but they seem to too much sun's not that good apparently. So they say. But anyway, it will antidote the remedies. And so uh, this so I'll have one area down on the flats where when the animals come through, I'll be able to dose them with their sort of um uh, what's the word for it when you do that now? It's sort of um, prophylactically is when we give you something a bit like a vaccine, except that it's not a deadly vaccine that goes into the bloodstream or whatever else. And, you know, it doesn't it won't harm you. Homeopathic. So it's um, similar like cures like. And so that's what we do. So I'll be giving them some lead and palustra. I'll be doing it uh, from now on. I'll be doing it uh, prophylactically. 
And uh, I don't know why. I mean, I've trained as a homeopath, and I just sort of forget all these things. You have to study. There's a lot of work involved in finding remedies for people and animals. But um, all our animals here, most of them just by keeping them moving, not overstocking, and keeping them moving through the, um, you know, from one paddock to the next, and not letting them graze over where they've pooped too soon. Uh, that keeps the parasites down. But lead and palustra is the one that I'll be using. That's the one. So you can go online and you can check that out. Uh, what is it? Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of um, plenty of evidence there online to say that it's the the one to go and it's fu- one to do and it's about twenty dollars if you want to go and buy it twenty five dollars I think might be even less than that you could go and get a natural farm um, just make sure that when they keep them that they don't keep them sitting in the sun because uh, I find this a lot in health stores and pharmacies they'll have the homeopathic remedies sitting and by the window and the sun comes in and antidote antidote all the remedies they'll be useless. You know, it'll just be placebo that'll be doing the job for you. Or just your own natural body. Uh, if you eat well, if you have good, clean drinking water, none of this tap water nonsense with all the chemicals they've got in it in town, uh, you need good, pure water. And uh, there are ways that you can keep your water nice and clean and healthy for you to drink because it's very important that you have good quality water. So many diseases are caused through poor quality water. Uh, Also sexually transmitted as well. Watch out for that. VD and vaccines, and that's the other thing. Vaccines are another, we'll talk about the VD another day. Um, But um, vaccines, I believe that they are the main drivers of neurological disorders, um, allergies, and also chronic diseases. And so does Steve Kirsch. In fact, um, we'll give Steve a bit of a plug here. Uh, oh no, I can't. Oh, maybe I can. Let's have a look. Yes, he, Steve actually writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccines, corruption, censorship, and early treatments. He says the data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic in a variety of health conditions. Now, he's changed that a little bit because it used to say something else, but I, I agree. I agree with him on that. And uh, my parents said that I was vaccine injured. Uh, I uh, I was actually quite intelligent at one stage of my life and uh, was able to sort of hold a thought, you know, and hold a sentence and, you know, string a sentence together and and now I, I struggle. I have to work a lot harder. Reading, I find that very, very difficult. I probably could have been a newsreader when I was back with Radio New Zealand, but I just couldn't, didn't have the concentration and I wasn't able to think quick enough. Sometimes I'll look at a group of words and I can just basically speed read the whole thing and I can read it with sense like I know it. And other times I'll look at it and I don't, I can't even start the first word. And it could be a simple word, you know, something simple and I can't actually, my brain just won't tell me what it is. It just gets stuck there somewhere, somewhere along the line. And my parents, did that happen to me um, when I was very young and I do remember all of a sudden not being able to think clearly I remember that happened I just wasn't able to think anymore and um, uh, like I was able to think I used to ask my father dad said I used to ask him all sorts of questions Um, and it was tempting almost he said it was almost tempting to say oh you know (laughs) can you just give us a break Uh, because I asked so many questions about and about interesting things too apparently and um, gosh it's sweltering in here I might just open the window Whew. And um, yeah, I don't know why why I'm so hot in here. I might have to take my give me a moment. I'll just take my jersey off. <laughs> I should take my woolly hat off. <laughs> just I'll be I'll be back in a moment if I can find that flipping turntable. Oh, here we are. Here's some um, here's D's. Welcome back to Town Talk. Our guest is Linda Lazuli, the Quad City's newest celebrity. Hi. Hi. Linda, tell the audience your story. Well, actually, I fell off a cruise ship. Oh, my. And I survived for three weeks by turning my evening gown into a flotation device. Oh, three weeks before you were rescued? Yeah. Fortunately, a search plane caught the reflection from my earrings. and then your I was, earrings? Uh, yeah, the, the ones I'm wearing right now. So anyway, These I was, earrings right here? 
Yeah. These are really gorgeous earrings. Well, thanks. So sharks were starting to circle. and then Where'd they, they come from? Well, I assume from wherever sharks live. No, I mean the earrings. What? Oh, from Diamonds on the Avenue. Uh-huh. So there I was, surrounded by sharks. When They're suddenly... nice, aren't they? Sharks? No, Diamonds on the Avenue. Uh, okay, listen, do you want to hear about my rescue at sea or Diamonds on the Avenue? Well, why don't we let our audience decide? Sharks? Diamonds on the Avenue? There's something irresistible about fine jewelry from Diamonds on the Avenue. On 29th Street at 23rd Avenue in Moline. Diamonds on the Avenue. Home of the wow factor. For those who crave more than just reading headlines in their social media feeds. People need to wake up. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Oh, yeah, wonderful TNT Radio. Get over there and have a listen. They're unbelievably good. Uh, 45, roughly 45 uh, presenters. They're now on TV. (laughs) Imagine that. I'd never join them because, gosh, I wouldn't want to be on TV. Uh, 12 minutes past six, too, by the way. 12 past six. We'll have more news at the top of the hour. I think TNT, if you go go over there and want to catch up with the news... They give you some headlines at half past during the week. But I'm finding what happens is um, on Sunday, from Sunday right through to pretty much most of today, um, it's basically replays of news, I'm sorry to say. So that's sort of what happens. And it's just all because we're the first uh, country to see the light in the world. So we start here. It's still, probably still Sunday for them over there. And here we are on Monday morning at uh, 14 minutes past six and uh, enjoying the bull riding. That young guy that's just walking there now, if you go over... Have a look at it. Look at that. Wow. Look at this. Look how that ball can jump so high. Just unbelievable athletes, the balls. Uh, And that's a good ride. That's a very good ride. I think he wins. Oh, he's hooked up. Oh, no, he's hooked up. You've got to stay on your feet. If you get hooked up, boys, if you're bull riding, (laughs) make sure you stay on your feet. Because if you don't stay on your feet, uh, that ball will have his evil way with you. One ball I saw, he went up. He went up on all fours, way up in the air like an athlete. And then he decided to come down and, and on his side. And and uh, I don't know whether he lost his balance or whatever. He came down and, and the leg of that uh, rider was underneath. I just can't believe how these young men can actually walk away from these wrecks, walk away uh, from it. Oh, he's got his old, the bull's got his old fella out. That's the bull, by the way, not the not the bull rider. Uh, just saw a shot there. It didn't look too good. Now, let's move back to news and information here. Um, what have I got for you now? We're, we're, we're talking about Steve Kirsch. Or oh, better just find out what's happening with the weather. I think it's all pretty much the same. I'll do a quick refresh because we do get the latest data from Met Service. If I do a refresh, they'll tell me. Now, the temperature's dropped a little bit. It was um, 17.3. It's now 70.2 in Kaitaia. And the lowest, it's warmed up a bit in Twizel, or has it got cooler? Uh, 1.1 degree. I can't remember. Was it 2 degree before? Just can't remember. The windiest place is still the eastern suburbs of Christchurch, but it's not too bad. Probably 10 knots. 26 kilometres per hour gusting there. And uh, the wettest place is 0.6 millimetres in Wittianga, or Fittianga. However you want to say it. You just go for your life. Uh, Stewart Island's still the same at uh, 8 degrees um, pretty much uh, Invercargill's on 6 it's got a bit cooler in Queenstown 4 degrees now and uh, but as I say it's warming up They're all double digits apart from Wellington and Masterton they've got the, uh, the low temperatures in the bottom at the bottom of the North Island of New Zealand now let's look at the short forecast, shall we? Yes, Grant, that's a good idea. From north into Taramanui, also for Taupo, including the Bay of Plenty, scattered morning rain about Northland and Coromandel, otherwise mainly fine and isolated showers. So that's good, good news for the farmers up north. They'll better get on with it. I think they've had a terrible season for haymaking this year. Didn't really get the, um, didn't get the growth. They had too much rain and then not enough sun, and it was a bit cold, well, a bit of sun, but it was too cold. Uh, in the morning up north, they had very cold mornings, very late, and so that's affected the um, 
uh, affected the haymaking. So I, I haven't seen um, uh, even where I am haven't seen many uh, you know uh, the um, contractors out there making hay. And my friend who's up way up in the north on the up in the far north, he said it's been a very bad season. Now, for Gisborne, the short forecast, you've got Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, showers mainly about the ranges, then increasing fine breaks. Taranaki to Happy, also Wellington to Wairarapa, mainly fine weather, areas of morning and evening cloud for you. Down to the South Island now, M- Nelson, Marlborough and Canterbury, areas of cloud clearing and becoming fine this morning. For Buller and Westland, fine at first, showers spreading north this afternoon, turning to rain, south of the glass and uh, glaciers or glaciers uh, that's this evening for Otago and Southland areas of cloud clearing to fine so you're going to have a fine morning high cloud from afternoon and then you've got the showers back again they're going to develop towards the evening for Fiordland showers developing this morning and turning to rain in the afternoon and finally for the Chathams mainly fine weather with evening cloud I'll be back in a moment at 16 minutes past 6 when people ask me how I know that these mass protests around the world are less about being pro-Palestinian and more about hating Jews it's because I've been paying attention and maybe it's time for you to start. Let me give you one example. My brave colleague Alexa in London last night captured this from a protester. If the West feels so sorry for the Israeli Zionists, why don't they give a place in Germany? Why don't they go to Hitler's back garden and make occupation there? Then they will know what kind of people these are. Why every so many hundred years the Zionists get slaughtered because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. They probably made a program so they can create a a state of Israel in the expense of Palestinian Muslims' blood. Thanks for saying the silent part out loud, mate, and clearing up that confusion that people have when you say Zionist what you really mean. Avi Yemeni there, and uh, we're on, we're on, we're on, you're on the air, mate. It's, uh, f- what are we up to now? 17 minutes past six. Thanks for joining me. Security agencies are preparing advice for the Prime Minister over an application to revoke a terrorist designation. Two applications by the same applicant have been sent to the government in relation to an overseas entity. The Terrorist Designations Working Group is currently developing advice for Prime Minister Chris Luxon. It's going to say Hipkins. <laughs> um, and it says down here on the 1st of September 2022, former Prime Minister Dame Jacinda Ardern received the first application for the revocation of a designation of the de- designation. So that means that we're not going to be calling people terrorists anymore. Is that what it means? The Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, the DPMC, then received the same application from the same applicant in June 2023. Now, it says here that they don't... Who said this? This is what DPC... This is the DPMC they told News Hub, which is where we're reading this from. They said, we don't disclose these designation entities which are under the act of consider... Uh, under active consideration, but the public will be advised of the name of the entity if the designation is revoked. And what if it's not? We won't be told. <laughs> News Hub asked who made the application. The names of applicants who request designation or revocations of designations are generally not disclosed for privacy reasons. Well, you know, sod that. This is not right. So you can see that, you know, really that nothing's changed, is it? It's still the same old nonsense. Uh, New Zealand has obligations under the United Nations Security Council. 
uh, resolutions concerning the international counter-terrorism, and one of those obligations is to take action against terrorist entities listed by the United Nations. Except, well, they're pretty good. They, they're sort of they're funding. Are they funding? Well, they're sort of on the side of the terrorists at the moment with the Gaza thing, aren't they? And they just hate Israel. I mean, it could be any country in the world could be uh, fighting against Muslim terrorism, but the fact that it's Israel, the fact that it's Jews who just so happen to mention in the Bible as the you know the world's most hated. Uh, why is that? Well, because God's you know they're God's people. According to the Bible, they belong to the God. Uh, along with the Christians, and uh, it's all in, all through the Bible. Uh, so that's why they're hated. You'll be hated hated amongst all nations. That's what the Bible says. Now, a separate resolution allows New Zealand to identify the entities against which our government should act. And uh, so what are they? All sorts of Muslim Muslim things. Oh, the, the Continuity Irish Republican Army, that's one of them. Um, what have we got here? Al uh, Akiza Martyrs Brigade they're not very good Al-Shabaab <laughs> Shabaab and then you've got um, the, the Indian Mujahideen Islamic Resistance now we don't want any of them here we certainly don't want them in this this country Palestinian Islamic uh, Jihad no thank you Irish Republican Army Ooh, I actually used to go to school with the guy his, um, his dad was in the IRA <laughs> they used to go over to Ireland every now and then Hamish I think it was Hamish Hamish was a Hamish Hamish, I'm your uncle, Argyle. Now, that's Scottish, isn't it? I think, um, Amon, Amon, that was his name. I better not mention the last name. Starts with an H. And we went to school and, uh, oh, t- t- you know, it was terrible. Uh, some of the stories he used to tell me. He was a hard, he was a hard young man too. He'd seen stuff that we hadn't seen before. He was really um, a very uh, strong young man fellow, I, I think we knew him when we were about 12 or 13, 13 or 14 or something like that. Amen. Wow. We. Uh, now, what else have we got? The um, They're talking about the armed police. They surround the property in Christchurch. Residents warned to avoid the area. But that's old news as far as I know. I think that's been sorted. They've taken the fellow into custody and it's all done. Thousands of protesters, that's right, the pro-Hamas. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. You know, they're not really pro-Palestinian. They're anti-Jew and they're pro-Islamic terror. They want the they want the Islamic terrorists to kill all the Jews because people secretly hate the Jews. Why is that? Well, because they're really intelligent and they make more money than you do. Is there anything that they do that if, if they're great, they don't, the people of the world, they don't like Jews to be great and rich, <laughs> great and wealthy. Those are the things that uh, that people hate. A lot of people uh, hate other people because they make a lot of money. Uh, wealthy people tell me this, that when sometimes they have to leave their old friends behind because the old friends can't handle the fact that they're now very successful. A lot of entrepreneurs tell me this and uh, and they can't. I like to rub shot. I like hanging out with them. Uh, I like hanging out with wealthy people because then they tell you stuff, you know, and they're happy to tell you. They're happy to say, well, you ask them, how did you do how, how did you do that? Well, I did this. They're, they love talking about themselves. People do anyway, don't they? But um, that, that's why I love hanging out with them. Now, um, we're over here looking at sailing. Uh, no, we won't look at sailing. United States. Um, yeah, they've got that. Per- oh, look, they've updated it. Here we are, person in custody. Uh, after shots were fired at, at West Auckland. Oh, no, this is another one. So we had one in Christchurch, and we've got another one in West Auckland. Let's look at that. A person has been taken into custody on Sunday evening after police responded to a report of shots being fired in West Auckland. In a statement, a police spokesman said that they were notified by a, by a person firing at an industrial building on Hobsonville Road at about 4.20. A police responded and took one person into custody and say that they will be uh, he will be processed in due course. So we might... Might find out about that. 
a little bit later on. Uh, also, they're all up in arms about the smoke-free stuff, aren't they, as well? Smoke-free laws. Labour MP Rachel Boyack, she's unable to back up claims that Chris... Chris uh, back up claims Chris Bishop's past... What does that mean? Better click on it. But it could be too old. That's the trouble when you click on Oh, no, it's as ancient as the hills. Um, that's way back over a week ago with Jamie Ensel. He's a good writer. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, just in case. Um, we're here now. We're here now. Labour MP Rachel Boyack. She isn't backing down from her suggestion that the new cabinet minister, Chris Bishop's experience as a tobacco lobbyist, could have influenced the government's decision to pull back on smoke-free legislation. Well, maybe. Uh, I actually don't think smoking causes lung cancer. Did you know that? I think it might be an aggregate, aggravating feature. I actually think those jolly vaccines are giving people weaken, weaken their immunity. I, I know of people that have never smoked a cigarette in their life, never been around people that smoke, and they've died of lung cancer. I know other people that live, lived until almost 90, smoked every day. Uh, a, a lady I know, a close a friend, she's 86, she smokes every day. Smokes like a train. You know, the old trains, <laughs> steam engines. I don't really remember those. <laughs> I've seen them on I've seen them on the movies, haven't I? Yeah, the Orient Express and things like that. Smoked like a train. And she's she is no lung cancer. Healthy. What what she does do, she eats she fries up food. She's a fryer. She fries fish and meat and she hardly has any vegetables. <laughs> I don't think she has them. She's, they're too hard to grow. Too much of a bother. You know, and I'm too old to bend. I don't want to bend down, she says. But she's actually quite fit. A lot of people are quite fit. And uh, since I've been on the meat diet, oh gosh, it must be coming up six months now. I went from 88 kgs. And that's not that's quite heavy for someone who's about five foot eight. That's quite heavy. And um, now I'm down to, I don't know, I feel like I have my, my scales broke. The battery, uh, I had to try and replace the battery, you know, and they give these silly little batteries. Then you go and try and buy one, and they're, they're usually too thin, aren't they? And uh, anyway, it's broken. I've been fiddling around with it. You know, I used to, I've always done this, pull things apart to see what makes them tick, and then I can't get them back together again. <clears throat> oh, gosh, did you hear that? <laughs> Sorry about that. I have another croak. Yeah, and then I can't get them back together, and, uh, and then I've got all this junk lying around that, that Grant's pulled apart. I've done it all my life. I don't know, just love pulling things apart to see what makes them tick. But anyway, I got down to 68. I think I'm hovering around 68, 69, 70, somewhere around there. Um, I think 71 is about the average range where I, where I should be for my height and, my height and age. My height, my, my height and age is around about there, so, but I'm, I'm happy being 68. Um, and now I've just got to build up some muscles. And I'm finding that I'm doing that. You couldn't believe it. I won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> but I'm actually, I'm too old to grow muscles. Apparently you can't, when you get to a certain age, uh, whether it's lack of testosterone or whatever it is, uh, lack of interest in women probably, uh, but I can't grow muscles. Uh, well, I can, but people say I can't grow muscles. And But I am actually uh, growing muscles. And um, you wouldn't believe it. I, I'm actually able to do press-ups. <laughs> I started off, I mean, I struggle because I was overweight and out, I'm really out of condition. And I, I started off just, you know, doing press-ups in the, against the bathroom sink, you know, just sort of like ladies' ones, you know, just standing there leaning over towards the sink and just doing that. And then I, then I went from there to doing press-ups on the floor, and I think I could do two press-ups, four ones. I, I did them on my knees, but that hurts your knees, doesn't it? <laughs> it's no good doing that. You need a cushion underneath. So now I can do them. And um, then I built my way up to five. And now I can do 10. Uh, in fact, no, no, I can do more than that. I reckon I, reckon I could do 30 or 40 if I really wanted to. But um, I've, I've been, as I said, I had an accident a year ago. Uh, over a year ago now, I fell over and hurt myself. And, I, and um, 
And so I've had to sort of be careful. I wasn't able to work properly for almost a year. And uh, so I built um, tiny house trailers. And normally it takes me a couple of weeks to knock up a, a decent size, you know, eight, eight to 10 meter trailer. And um, this one took me three months, the last one I did. And because I just wasn't well, didn't feel very well at all. And But anyway, getting back to the push-ups, um, I got up to, f- I did 15 yesterday with ease. I did two sets of 15. I thought, that'll do. Don't overdo it. And then I went outside and I stood on the step and I did some, um, you know, where you go up and down calf exercises, did some of those. I did some squats. Have to be careful because I got hernias when I fell over. I got three hernias, um, but they're actually starting to heal up. Uh, one of them, the inguinal one, that one was has been a bit of a problem. Uh, as you lose weight, you, it tends to, you tend to be a bit floppy, and uh, th- so that would pop out. So if I went to lift something, I'd have to hold my hand on it and hold it in so it didn't fall out. And for a while there, I was wearing a belt uh, that I just sort of made up, sort of with a knob on the end of it, so that it pressed in, and that sort of worked. But now the Velcro's gone on that. So, but it seems to be okay. I just put one hand down there if I'm going to lift something, or if I'm lifting a box or something, I I hold it against the hernia. You hold it against the hernia and um, that stops it popping out. So you just have to be a wee bit careful. But that's starting, now that I'm starting to build up my stomach muscles with some crunches, I, when I go to bed at night, I do some crunches. Don't, don't, go, don't do the full sit-ups because that's actually bad for your back, I'm told. Just do some crunches. And then, um, and press-ups. And now um, I'm starting to um, get quite strong. And I can't believe it. I'm, I'm, I feel agile. I feel about... 30 years younger uh, just from being light and fit if you're going to do some serious exercise make sure you get rid of the weight first now I was told that by a guy who is um, he was in his 70s a chemist actually Uh, I didn't know much about how bad it was it was just before the COVID thing actually I met him and um, he's a chemist, sort of industrial chemist, and he does uh, sort of long, you know, marathon running, I think, running or walk, I'm not sure, can't remember. It's got an orchard down in Hawke's Bay, and I stayed there overnight, and he was a very interesting fellow. The next day I was talking to him about it, and he said, well, first of all, you've got to get rid of all that weight. And I said, oh, really? Because I didn't think 88 kgs was that bad, really. I mean, you just wear your shirt over the top of your trousers, don't you, so you don't, you don't, so people don't notice your pot belly. Uh, and I thought, that's fine. He said, no, get rid of all that weight first, and then... Otherwise, you'll injure yourself. I thought, oh, okay. So I actually listen to him. Sometimes I do listen to people, which is quite rare. Usually, I'm just busy talking and not listening. And that's a very bad habit to get into, just jibber-jabbing. But if you actually do stop and listen to people, they um, you can actually pick things up that are quite interesting. Sometimes people just, you know, if you're going to yap all the time, people just sort of shut off, don't they? They can't be bothered uh, having a conversation with you because it's all one-sided. So you do have to listen. But he said to me, um, you just get rid of the weight and then start exercising. Otherwise, you'll injure yourself. There, I've repeated it twice. So that you should have it. So that's what I recommend to anybody. Get the weight off you. It's no good going out. They see these fat people out there running, uh, walking, not running. They can't run. They're just walking, but fat people. And, you know, and part of me says, oh, good on you. You know, good on you. And I want, I want to cheer them on, which, which would be rude, wouldn't it? Wind the window down and say, go, girl, you know, <laughs> some big fat girl or some guy, you know. And I'm I, I'm I'm good on them that they want to. Um, then they go home and fill themselves up with carbohydrates. But that's the problem, you see. You've got to get your diet right. And the only way, and, to, and, and look, it was painless. All I did is I just slowly went off fruit and vegetables and grains, just slowly went off, stopped buying bread, uh, stopped putting sugar in my coffee. I keep it there. I keep it there, you know, just to taunt myself. Uh, but I feel so good by not having sugar. 
But sugar was one of the last things I cut out. And beer, I used to have beer, but I kept on having, I'd want to have one or two of the big bottles, you know, the 750s. I'd have one or two of those most nights. So it was quite expensive. <laughs> but that's got a lot of carbohydrates in it. But that was one of the last things I stopped doing, which was beer and now or, or alcohol. Now, only not because I don't think there's anything, I don't really think there's anything wrong with having a drink if you're a Christian. As long as you don't get drunk. Drunkenness is a sin, but I think it's fine to have a few drinks. But some people can't, and um, some people can't. But I did it purely for health reasons because uh, I thought, well, gosh, if I've lost all this weight. I, I mean, I went honestly, in three months, I went from 87 kgs to 75, less, 71, I think I got down to. And um, I thought, well, gosh, if I can do that. So I've just slowly cut things out. I didn't sort of go cold turkey, boom, but I just start, oh, that's what, I'm, what am I doing? What am I eating? Well, I just eat meat, pretty much minced meat. I lived on minced meat for about three months. That's all I had. And it was old stuff, too, that we had in the freezer. Uh, but it was all right. You know, you just, you know, jizz it up a bit. And um, minced meat and steaks. And go for the fatty cuts, too, because I know if you don't get enough fat, uh, that helps your healing. And you can tell by looking at looking at your skin. Everything that's wrong with the body presents on the skin. It actually does. And so when you see these little telltale signs, that's what the homeopaths do. They look at the skin and see stuff presenting. Like they see a skin eruption. They don't try and cover it up. They think, ah, okay. And they might look at it and go, oh, okay. It's got a purple ring around it. Oh, okay. And then they know what sort of remedy to give you. Uh, they do it. It takes them about two or three hours to do a full consultation. That's why it's quite expensive. And that's why the homeopaths can't really make any money out of homeopathy because it's not on the NHS. That in, 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 what do they call it here? That's not on the you know you don't get um, you don't get paid by the government which, which the 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 um the sorcerers do the ones that are into the pharmacia the allopaths they get paid by the government uh, but but the homeopaths don't and a lot of people think it's nonsense but it does seem to work uh, Kenneth Williams a comedian he's he loved he loved homeopathy he used to talk about it uh, and I know homeopathic vets. Uh, we've got uh, Christopher Day. He's an incredibly good vet. He does racehorses now. He might be retired now, I think. Um, but he was a, a vet, and he just sort of said, oh, it was a slippery slope once I started using it. And it's, I seem to get better results than using the um, pharmaceutical drugs, you know, antibiotics and things. And uh, so uh, there, there. But, of course, the pharma, there's a lot of misinformation or disinformation, really, because it's on purpose uh, by the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, people out there and doctors, and they're all trying to look after them themselves, aren't they? They don't want to lose those millions of dollars that are made. But with homeop homeopaths, I've never seen a rich homeopath. You do it for love. You do it for uh, because you, you you love your fellow man and you love your family. And uh, But it's very difficult, though, to be a homeopath because patients are so brainwashed by the media and, uh, you know, the doctors and, you know, the pharmaceutical lobby groups, which they don't always come out and say they are a pharmaceutical lobby group, but it's, you know, it's an industry that, you know, the pharmacia is, um, they are just out there to, um, you know, make a lot of money and they don't really care about your health. And we saw that over COVID, didn't we? We saw that people didn't really care about, it's not, it wasn't ever about health, wearing masks and getting jabbed up that, you know, actually made people sicker. And uh, we're now starting to see that it's all coming out. And what, have we, what do we see? Instead of governments being honest and truthful and saying, wow, this is, this is incredible, let's get to the bottom of this, which is what Winston promised, they're all um, trying to slander the whistleblower, Barry Young, and uh, they've got lots of people out there that, you know, they're all got, they all got jabbed, and so they're all on the bandwagon as well. Uh, they, they, they think, oh, gosh, we, we, you know, we don't want to admit that we made a terrible error, and these anti-vaxxers were right all along. And um, so I tell you what, I'm glad I never got jabbed. 
But boy, the pressure to get jabbed. Anyone that didn't get jabbed, you might you need a medal. My hat comes off to you because the the it was a military grade psychological warfare that was being waged against us through the media, the bought and paid for media, through through the doctors. I mean, even even now they're saying if you had your COVID, you know, it's just nonsense. You don't want to have any vaccines. God didn't design us to have to jab ourselves with vaccines. That's demonic. I mean, even look at it. The the hypodermic needle that it was designed by the guy that designed that got the idea from a snake because that's what they have they put venom into you and uh, so he thought oh gosh and that's where it started I can't remember the person that designed the hypodermic needle uh, but I do remember reading about that it was actually designed from a snake a venom you know the old tongue of a snake the forked tongue uh, when they just shoot the venom into people so poke it in so that in itself has got to tell you and then the other thing I think is quite weird about um, medicine the pharmaceutical industry they've got this um, uh, pole with a snake wrapped around it haven't they (laughs) I'm thinking, hello, that's a bit dodgy, isn't it? A bit dodgy. So um, perhaps they are sorcerers after all. Well, the Bible translates the word pharmakia, and the Greek word pharmakia, it translates it to sorcery. And the more I, the, the, the older I get and the more I see, the more I think, well, gosh, the Bible's right all along. And, you know, what I've found is that when the Bible says something, it always comes true. It's truth. And the Bible says itself, thy word is truth. It says that in John chapter 17, verse 17. John, uh, yeah, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. That's um, uh, the person who wrote it. They're the, the, the uh, not the author. The author is God because the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which is like teaching, and that the man of God may be truly furnished unto good works. So that's why we have a Bible. Uh, Jesus says, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And uh, so we're supposed to live by every one of them. And it says it over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's what. That's why we need all of them. <laughs> not to become a Christian, but to live once you are. Of course, if you're not a Christian, the Bible's just a book of chaff, isn't it? It's so boring and tedious. Especially if you start at the beginning, and you know, I find the, the the Old Testament very interesting. But I think if you're new to the Bible and you you're interested in it, start in the New Testament, start in say John or somewhere like that, and just start reading the Book of John. Uh, but of course, if you're finding it difficult to read and hard to read, it might be because you're not born again. The Bible said Jesus said this in John three. He says you must be born again. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you're a little baby, you're born. Aren't you? And you actually belong to God. You are little children, all little children. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. So they belong to God. They're in the kingdom already. But then as they grow older and older, and I think up to about the age of 20, God gives them a chance to, be, to come back. Because when they start sinning, they fall from grace and they're no longer children of God. They belong to the devil. The Bible says they become uh, children of disobedience and they have uh, their father becomes the devil. Their spiritual father is, is Satan because they follow after him. And I think he gives them an opportunity right up until they're 20 years old. And I find, found that John McClone talked me, talk me into it. <laughs> he, he told me about that. And I, I think I, I believe that, and I've read it, I think it's in Leviticus and somewhere else, Deuteronomy somewhere, where the children of Israel, Israel weren't allowed to enter into the promised land um, because of their unbelief. But if they were under 20, I think it's under 20, uh, or 20 and below, they were allowed to enter in because they weren't fully responsible for their decisions, for their unbelief. And that gives me great hope for, you know, kids that are, you know, wayward, you know, young children, um, you know, doing silly things and, uh, you know, 
uh, under you know 16 year olds and then young people dying I know I remember my brother and sister in a serious car accident in 1970 and and one of the boys in the car uh, Stephen was only 16 and he died and my brother was really worried that he might not be a, be a Christian and um, but he did I think they I think he was but the thing is it, it doesn't matter does it really because the Bible says all children go to heaven that's what David said when he lost his child King David the little baby went to heaven he said I, he won't come back to me but I will go to be with him um, and uh, it says that absent from the body present with the Lord the Apostle Paul wrote that in the New Testament and so we know that um, all little children belong to God. In fact, all teenagers, I believe, belong to God as well, right up until they become men and women. And then, so that's why it's really important that you make that that decision, a very important decision, as to whether you're going to believe the gospel story or not. And what what, what is the gospel story, Grant? Because no one seems to tell me. Everybody, if you go to the Catholic Church, they say, well, you've got to be christened as a baby and keep the other seven or six sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, you won't find that in the Bible. And then you go to some churches and you say, well, you've got to believe, you go to the Mormon Church and they say, uh, you've got to believe that the devil and Jesus are brothers. Well, you won't find that in the Bible. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that he's not an angel. Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, and you've got to, you do, I do believe, you do have to believe that Jesus Christ actually is God himself in human form, that he came to earth according to John chapter 1 uh, and John, First uh, John 5, 7, and many other places that Jesus Christ is God in human form, and that he came and laid down his life, became one of us, just like an anthill. <laughs> you see all the ants here. Just imagine, look at those ants, all those poor ants. I'd like to save them. Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, you're too big, aren't you? So you've got to become an ant. So you become an ant, and then you go down there, and you help try and help them. And that's what God did to us. He saw us. He saw that we'd, we'd, we'd disobey. We'd broken all his laws that he'd given us. And he said, right, I'm going to come and I'm going to keep those laws, just like Aslan did in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He didn't commit anything. He didn't commit any sin. The, the children, one of the children did. But Aslan gave his life there as a sacrifice for them so that the wicked witch there, so that she wouldn't uh, uh, harm the children. And that's what God did. He, well, he's not the wicked witch. Of course, Satan is the wicked witch. Um, but uh, God came to earth. And he, uh, as a man, lived a perfect life, kept every single one of the Ten Commandments, didn't break any of them, didn't look at Mary Magdalene as to lust after her, none, none of that. If he had have done, he wouldn't have been able to die for us. His blood was so pure and so precious and so powerful that it's able to wash away all your sins. When he died on that cross, then he went into the grave. He was there for three days and three nights, according to the Bible, in 1 Corinthians. I'll tell you where it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can just read right through that. It'll tell you that he came and went into the grave, rose up three days later, a three full nights and a three full days, not like the Roman Catholic Friday up on a Sunday. None of that rubbish. That's pagan nonsense. He went in on a Wednesday night before sunset, and he rose up between sunset on Saturday and um uh, sometime there uh, after after sunset on Saturday because it had to be three full days and three full nights and just guess what it just so happened to be a Sabbath on the Thursday that week of that year and uh, we know that by reading uh, Sir Robert Anderson's book The Coming Prince where he detailed with the royal astronomer who was a non-Christian uh, that Jesus Christ would ride into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey on a certain day just as he did provable outside of the Bible uh, in the Persian history books uh, Long Geminus gave a commandment I think to Nehemiah or one of them to rebuild Jerusalem and from that day on it was exactly 483 Jewish calendar years until when Jesus Christ rode into the city of Jerusalem and you can find that in 
Daniel chapter 9, and it says 69 weeks. You go, well, 69 weeks, that's not years, is it? But it just so happened to be God put it in code so no one could counterfeit it. It was 69 weeks of Jewish calendar years, lunar years. They only have 360 days in their year. Okay, and so 360 days, uh, 69 of those 369, what is it? 369, oh, I beg your pardon. 360 day weeks, and there were 69 weeks of years, and it was exactly 183 years to the day. That's Jewish years from when Jesus, uh, when that commandment went forth to rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, just as the Bible said in Daniel chapter 9, provable outside of the books in the Persian history books themselves. That's when uh, Longevinus gave the commandment. And in, if you can get it online, you can. You can get it online freely on PDF format. It's called The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. And Sir Robert Anderson, who was he? Well, he was the Assistant Commissioner of Scotland Yard and the head of the Criminal Investigation Department. So I think he would know a thing or two about how to get to the truth of a matter. He would be very good at listening to lots of witnesses and getting to the truth. And so he's the man, I believe, that God rose up to give us the supernatural element that we can actually prove that the Bible is what it claims to be. That even though we believe that a little Jewish girl, a fairy tale, actually, isn't it? You think about it, a little virgin Jewish girl got pregnant to God, had a baby, had God, and then and then God lived without, without sinning, which no one's ever been able to do, ever, on this earth. He didn't sin, and then he died, and his death and resurrection uh, was able to wash away all of our sins if we believe he died for us. That's the most important thing. So we believe that, don't we? It's absolute nonsense. It's a poppycock, isn't it? And that Jesus rose from the dead and that people were healed by him, that the sight was given to people, just as it was foretold in the Old Testament that that would happen, and also that he would um, raise people from the dead himself, heal the blind, make the sick well. Uh, that's what he did. And um, it's just absolute nonsense, isn't it? Absolute rubbish. But we believe it. Why? Because the Bible has proven that it possesses the necessary elements of a divine revelation, that it, possess- that it, uh, that it contains uh, all the elements uh, for thinking people to say, this book, I can put my trust in this. Now, you can't do that with any other book. All the other books have provable errors and contradictions, but the King James Bible, in actual fact, doesn't. So the new versions do. They have plenty of errors. And why, why would that be? Well, it's because the devil's involved in those, and he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to, he, he wants to doubt God's word. And so he's introduced through men that, you know, critical men that think they know better than God, uh, he's introduced um, uh, variations that are uh, corrupt, if taken from Alexandria, Egypt, usually, most of them. And uh, so most of the Bibles that people are reading today are actually satanic verses if you think about it they're actually new age bible versions and they are not from god and you think well okay well my dad uh, he became a christian by reading the living uh, version of the bible which is comes from the corrupt version well that's you can do but if you want growth if you want to become a strong christian and and live a a life where you where you're actually hearing from god and god is speaking to you jesus actually said the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so it's very important that we hear all of those words. Uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's found in Matthew chapter 24, uh, just after when he was speaking about what it's going to be like near the end times. And you'll find that in verse 35. There you are. So here endeth the lesson. It's 14 minutes to uh, 7. 
And uh, if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to. I don't like creeping up on people. I am a Christian, and I believe the Bible from cover to cover, even the name that's written inside it, just inside there, it's got my name, Grant Edwards. I believe that. And uh, my mother gave me that old King James book in 1976 and uh, for my birthday, and uh, I didn't realize what I had in my hand. I didn't realize how wonderful it was and how I should really be uh, be reading it. I was reading some other rubbish. Uh, I mean, at then, I think when I got that, I was on my way to backsliding anyway. And uh, so, yeah, it took me many years to learn the lessons uh, that I needed to. But the Bible says if you bring up a child on the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will come back. So that's why it's very important, mums and dad, to bring, make sure your children... Uh, make sure they learn about the about the Bible, and it is true, and we can prove it. We can prove that it's true. Not many Christians know about the supernatural element in the Bible. Over we over a five hundred year period from when God gave a commandment uh, to to uh, not God, but He said there will be a commandment going forth to build Jerusalem, and when Nehemiah, who was uh, the, the ruler at the time, he was the world empire, the Persian Empire. Uh, not Nehemiah, um, Longeminus, he gave the commandment to, I think it was Nehemiah or one of those people, one of the prophets there, to build Jerusalem because it was destroyed. So he managed to, managed to, to do that. He was a good, a good guy, uh, one, of the, one of the good people. It might even be in heaven, I think, uh, this Persian king. And so he gave that commandment to build Jerusalem, and from that date was exactly 69 weeks of lunar years, Jewish calendar years, until when Jesus rode into the city of uh, Jerusalem on a donkey, verified by Sir Robert Anderson and his calculations, and the royal astronomer who was a non-Christian. He didn't. He's probably a druid or something. I don't know. But he didn't. He didn't believe in God. But he, you would have to, wouldn't you? Because if you can prove that the Bible is true, even just one area, which we can with Daniel chapter nine, and if you can read, you've got to go and read Sir Robert Anderson's book, work. The Coming Prince. It's available free online. And then you'll know. And then you won't be ignorant. I mean, it's, it's good writing. He's an incredible writer. He's written a lot of books. And there's, he uses big words. And he uses language that we're probably not used to because they're so, so you know, much better educated than, than we are today. All busy learning the Maori language and leftist ideologies. Uh, we don't, we don't uh, learn uh, how to string a sentence together properly. Well, that was my case anyway. But then I've, I've, I've got a disadvantage because I've been vaccine injured, so that's my excuse. Now, um, we're going now to, we're still at News Hub, and uh, we'll have TNT Radio News coming up. I better tell you the time, hadn't I? Looks like 11 minutes too to me. Uh, yes, it looks like 11 minutes to 7, and we'll be back over the TNT at 7. Uh, let me just skitter around quickly and just give you the headlines and tell you what's happening there, because surely someone's woken up by now. Middle East, Israeli tanks reach the centre of Khan Yunus in Gaza. And unbelievable, this is a music, New Zealand high school graduate reacts after Stairway to Heaven solo goes viral around the world. Oh, so that'll be good. So that will be, I'll give you the link to that because you might want to watch that. Stairway to Heaven. You don't want the highway to hell. You want the stairway to heaven, don't you? Uh, now, do we have it? We're in music. I have to, I click again. They want me to click. St. Andrew's College graduate, her name is Maya Fraser, reacts after Stairway to Heaven guitar solo goes viral. Now, will they let us hear it? I don't know. They may, they've got all these ads, so we can't hear it. Uh, a New Zealand high school guitarist whose impressive fretwork wowed the world this week says the response has been quite unbelievable. More than 100 students were involved in the performance of Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven at the St Andrews College end-of-year prize-giving, mixed rock and classical in front of a crowd of 3,500 people. Oh, look, they do have it here. We'll give you a little snippet of it, shall I? I'll just um, I'll click on that and hopefully give you it's loud enough for you to hear it.
It's spinning around and around. Doesn't like it when I don't like it when it spins around and around. Why is that? We've got plenty of grunt. I would have thought. Gosh, that's very strange. Oh, we might not be able to get it going. I'll go. I'll actually go to Facebook itself. Sometimes that is. Oh, it's on mute. <laughs> Here we go. going to stop it right there because i'll tell you why because it's so good and i've just imported it and uh, i'm going to play it i just got to I turn the volume down on this other jolly thing it'll be too loud okay just bear with me and uh we'll finish off that that's just too good to let go isn't it unbelievable uh where did she say she where did they say she was from it was the saint ac saint andrews saint andrews college the annual prize giving 
and uh, much anticipated fantastic uh, video done of it as well what a wonderful performance let's get back to that and it'll be a little bit better quality I would think so I will do that right now here we go That's amazing, isn't it? That is unbelievable. St. Andrew's 107th prize giving there. And I uh, can't remember the name of the girl, but um, if you go... and we, oh, I better have a look, I suppose. Oh, no, I've gone and got, got rid of everything. <laughs> I did tell you anyway. I hope you were listening. Now, that was worth listening to. I thought it was worth the whole five minutes, five and a half minutes. It's uh, coming up to three minutes to uh, seven. At seven o'clock, we'll be crossing to TNT Radio News for their uh, news of, and see what's happening sometimes the other the other day the on sunday they actually played the news at about five two and i missed it altogether so that that was a shame and also we took a bit of news from another um, conservative channel called liberty as well uh they're sort of a talk back um channel and uh but i think tnt they they do very good news so i'm quite happy to to stick with that and also we i think we took a little bit from from the fake stream media as well i think it was from the new zealand herald and i'll uh, maybe we'll we'll join them a little bit later as well to see what they've got. Now uh, we're still over on News Hub, and Israeli tanks reach the centre of. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned that. I mentioned that uh, that it is uh, ya, uh, Khan or Yan Khan Khan Yunus in Gaza, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is looking into reports of a New Zealander that's been killed in Gaza, and also a devastating tornado. I think over the weekend we heard about this on international news. 
in the United States. A tornado tears through Tennessee, killing six people, including a child. And then we talked also about the the um, here in New Zealand terrorist designation. Who wants off the list? So some 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 people want a terrorist designation to be put off the list. Definitely not. We want to know who these people are, and we don't want any terrorists coming to our country. In fact, I I believe we should stop all Islamic um, importation at the moment. We've got enough of them. We can't have too many because in a uh, in a democracy that doesn't have a, a proper written codified constitution, the more people you get into your country, that means that the might is right. So it's majority rule. So without a constitution, we could be in dire straits. We could end up either having an Asian country full of uh, Asian people uh, if we allow too much at, at once and nothing wrong with Asians and nothing wrong with um, Islamic people too so long as they leave the Quran at home where it belongs <laughs> and don't bring it here because it's a deadly book, a book of war and uh, if we have too many uh, if we don't have our constitution written down we could end up having an Islamic state in you know 10 or 20 years time because they have more children than we have and New Zealanders are lucky if we get two Two kids. If the old girl pops out two kids um, for <laughs> the, the duration of the of her life, uh, whereas the Islamics, boy, they have a, a quite a few more. They go for uh, I think in Europe it's on average eight children, uh, with the, amongst the spread amongst the five wives, of course. Now, uh, what else have we got here? We've got other things. The, we had the armed police. They surrounded the Christchurch property. That's all been sorted now. And a Kiwi man donates his kidney to university mate for a second shot at life. Good on them. Isn't that great? They must be good pals, huh? And thousands of people uh, gather for the pro-Islamic terrorist uh, protest and anti-Jewish. It's really a hate march. That's what it is. That was at Auckland CBD over the weekend. And there's photos there if you want to go over and have a look at the photos. And um, a person is in uh, custody after shots were fired in West Auckland. And uh, so then the other thing was that musical thing. Now, look, I'll just click on it because it was so good and I didn't give you the name. It was Mia Fraser, that's right. She was the one that that sung, and I thought she sang really well. And the whole band was unbelievably good. And beautiful, lovely uniforms they've got as well. Just um, really smart. I love to see kids in uniforms. And when I was, ever since I was little, I always thought I'd, I wanted to have a uniform. <laughs> and uh, my brother, he went to private school in um, uh, Wanganui, and I uh, wasn't able to. <laughs> it was really annoying that I never got to. Because uh, I wanted to go. I wanted to be be like my brother because I loved him and I thought he was, I admired him. Okay, we're going to TNT Radio News now. Uh, must be getting very close here, about a, about a week late. Uh, sorry, about a minute late. Here we go. We'll cross over there now. If you miss this show, simply go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. Taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham was making headlines again, this time for dismissing the mounting civilian death toll in Gaza. According to the hawkish senator, the numbers don't matter, as he compared the loss of civilian lives in Gaza to deaths caused in the Second World War. They believe that too many Palestinian civilians have been killed. Do you agree with that? Well, tell us how to do it differently. Yeah, I, what, you know, what is too many people dying in World War II after Pearl Harbor? Did, did the American public worry about how many people were dying to destroy Tokyo and Berlin? I know this is not the same, but it's similar. 
The Senator's remarks sparked swift condemnation on social media. Lindsey Graham thinks he's in competition with Benjamin Netanyahu over who can be the greatest warmonger of the 21st century. Lindsey Graham doesn't understand that when Tokyo and Berlin were destroyed, the US and the world saw nothing. But the entire world's cameras are focused on Gaza, and the whole world is seeing Israel's genocide in real time and directly. The shocking images cannot be forgotten. In other words, we killed a heck of a lot of people then, and we are doing it now. We're the same goddamn criminals back then and now, so I don't understand what's the fuss about. Meanwhile, families of the hostages who remain in Gaza demanded a meeting with Israel's war cabinet this week, saying not enough is being done to bring their loved ones home. And if the cabinet refuses to meet with them, the families have threatened to step up protests against the government. More than 24 hours ago, we asked to meet with the security cabinet. So far, no answer has been received. The security cabinet chose to ignore the families and also felt to honour his commitment to all weekly meetings. Also, making news this week, incredible vision emerged, showing the moment a house exploded during a police operation in the US state of Virginia. Police were trying to execute a search warrant at the residence when the house burst into a fireball on Monday night. We had an explosion at the target address. We're going to have multiple burn patients. Neighbours had called police after a flare gun was fired from inside the home and police say as they arrived, a man inside the house started firing on officers, at which time the house exploded. Video posted to social media showed the house being ripped apart in the blast, with the roof, walls and other debris lofted into the air. It triggered a massive emergency response and left the suburban street looking more like a war zone. Russian President Vladimir Putin took aim at the West this week for failing to stand up for human rights around the world. Speaking at the recent Human Rights Council meeting, the Russian leader said the West had long ignored the pain and suffering of civilians living in the Donbass region. Sadly, we're seeing the international human rights promotion and defence system is deteriorating. Its institutions controlled by the West are politically motivated, selective and inefficient. Over the recent years, we've seen them ignore the flagrant violations of the rights of people living in Donbass. These institutions ignore manifestations of Russophobia. Despite pulling out of several human rights organisations, the Russian president said Moscow was willing to work with interested countries to create a new, equal system. As you know, Russia has withdrawn from a number of human rights organisations. But it doesn't mean that we would step away from the principles enshrined in the declaration. On the contrary, we're willing to cooperate with all interested states and partners to form an equal and equitable system for protecting human rights. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, this has been Matt Boyland. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. We'll be back with weather in just a moment. Five past, is it? Five or six? Gosh, it's getting on. No, five past seven. Yeah, there we go. Your home for the news. They do a great job of breaking down the big story. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's look at weather. I um, can't even tell whether a microphone's going. I can't hear a single 
single word, can't hear a word through my headphones, something gone wrong, fiddling again. Uh, as you do, you do, you do fiddle around. Kaitaia looks like the highest temperature is up in Kaitaia, way up in far north up there, 17.2 degrees. Twizel's warmed up a lot from 1.1 up to 4.1, uh, that's degrees in Celsius too for people listening from overseas, Celsius there, it's not that cold. Uh, windy, a windy place, the windiest place is the eastern suburb still in Christchurch and they've got 26 kilometres per hour there and Tauranga now is the wettest place 0.3 millimetres now let's look at the short forecast shall we all of a sudden we've got uh, some uh, some changes here which the latest one has just come through it's not too terribly new uh, north into Taramanui and also for Taupo including the Bay of Plenty scattered uh, morning rain about the northland area and also Coromandel otherwise mainly fine with isolated showers for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay showers mainly about the ranges and then increasing fine breaks for you for Taranaki, Taihepi and Wellington also for Wairarapa mainly fine uh, areas of morning and evening cloud for Nelson and Marlborough and Canterbury all in the South Island of New Zealand of course for overseas people areas of cloud clearing and becoming fine this morning for Buller and Westland still in the South Island fine at first showers spreading north this afternoon turning to rain south of the glaciers in the evening for Otago and Southland areas of cloud clearing to fine weather this morning but you've got high cloud happening from the afternoon and you're going to have some showers developing as well later on this evening for Fiordland showers and you've got the yeah, showers developing this morning, turning to rain as well. Sorry about that. That's later on in the afternoon. And then, of course, it's all my fault, isn't it? And then uh, Chatham Islands, uh, mainly fine weather for you with a bit of cloud. I remember my daughter saying, God turned the tap on when it started raining. I thought that was they're profound, don't they, children? Absolutely wonderful. And uh, gosh, I'm, I'm sidetracked by the, the Buck and Broncos over there. I'm, I'm looking, we're, out, we're streaming out on Rumble now as well. And as well as on Twitter, and uh, for today we don't normally do Twitter. Certainly can't do YouTube. It would be taken down for the, some of the stuff I come out with, and, uh, and they won't let me play music, even though we pay our app fee. And also Facebook too. They're just as bad. So it looked at the moment it looks as though um, Twitter uh, uh, seemed to let let us um, go out there on on Twitter. Uh, now just I just hope everything's all right. It seems to be okay. Now okay, let's uh, move across to some uh, news, and I'll bring you some news in just a moment if I can just find my way back to the turntable. Here's Jim Ron. This is um he's a wonderful man, a wonderfully positive person, and uh, I think I hope you get a lot out of this. I asked a guy one time what his TV cost. He said about four hundred and fifty dollars. I said you forgot to look at the price tag. He said, what do you mean? I knew he was a TV watcher. I said, that television costs you, in my opinion, at least $12,000 a year. To watch it, not to own it. Owning it's cheap. Watching it is what's expensive. And I said, hey, $12,000 a year is too much to pay to watch TV. That's too much. Pay a little, but not $12,000. Mm, yeah, that is way too much, isn't it? Just <laughs> crazy. Hey, here's Christopher Hitchkins as well. Because uh, Hit- Hitchkin, Hitchens, <laughs> Hitchkin, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, have a listen to him because I'm not quite ready. I need to put some milk in my coffee. As a Sufi Muslim, I'm very ruffled by the title of your book. Did you have to say? Sorry about the sound. They've obviously got the volume up way too high, but it, ca- it does come right. For the uh, literal negation of Allah Akbar. Yes. I thought so. Thank you for that question. Thank you. At the moment, it's very clear to me the most toxic form that religion takes is the Islamic form. The horrible idea of wanting to end up with Sharia, the state of religious law, and that the best means of getting there is jihad, holy war, and that Muslims have a special right to feel aggrieved enough to demand this, I think is absolute obscene 
wickedness, and I think their religion is nonsense. God speaks to some illiterate merchant warlord in Arabia, and it contains the answers to all human don't, don't, don't waste my time. It's bullshit. But, but you're saying the same about it. Also, that God, that God speaks... The Archangel Gabriel speaks only Arabic. All religions claim to be revealed truth. But Islam rather dangerously says, ours is the last and final one. There can't be any more after this. This is God's last word. Now, that's straight away a temptation to violence and intolerance. And if you note, it's a temptation they seem quite willing to fall for. Every Allahu Akbar reminds people that we're in a very serious struggle. We're a very depraved religion. Yes, yes, that's right. But, oh, he's an old um, heathen anyway, isn't he? Yeah, uh, uh, atheist, atheist. How can anybody know there is no God? I mean, I'm, I've got... I think it's a very reasonable position to be an agnostic, you know, which is I don't know. In fact, most most um, most atheists are quite ignorant, really. They don't even know what they believe. Uh, to be an atheist means comes from the Greek actually theos is God, and a means non anti like anti aircraft or you know asexual that sort of thing. No, it means no. So no God. How could anyone know there is no God? Couldn't. It's impossible. They haven't been behind the moon, have have you? I mean, you haven't been everywhere. It could be hiding from you. And uh, so that, I think it's very. Silly to um, to say that you're an atheist. Uh, it's, it's the most illogical. It's a religion, really. It's a, the most illogical religion you could ever have to be an atheist. But to be an agnostic, I think, is a very reasonable position. You know, I don't know. I'm still. I, maybe there is a guy. I don't know, but I don't know. I'm 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 kind of leading towards maybe there's not, but I don't know for sure because I haven't been everywhere. That's uh, agnosticism. And most people are actually, most atheists are in actual fact um, agnostics. Now, we'll go back to the news. Sorry, I left the microphone on. I was rattling around, wasn't I? And I've got bo- water boiling there. So could you could you just give me a moment just to stop that water from boiling uh, so that I can sit down, I can concentrate, concentrate better. How about we have a, a good old song from Josh Turner uh, and that'll take us uh, take us up to me coming sitting back down with a nice cup of cup of coffee. I think you'll enjoy this one from Josh, Joshua Turner. And he's a Christian as well, a Bible believer. Mary Jane tells us all about old Josh Turner and her country biography. So hope you enjoy this just a couple of minutes. I grew up working on a farm way down south. I went to school against my will way down south. I kissed girls and I shot squirrels out behind my house. I learned a lot about this world way down south I went to church, sang a lot of hymns way down south I learned to work on my pickup truck way down south I played my guitar under the stars out behind our house You will always find my It's 
I'm really enjoying that. Are you enjoying that? Should we keep it going? It goes, goes for a bit longer. It goes for about another minute and a half. <laughs> oh, I love it. Particularly love that banjo, don't you? Oh. Is it going to stop? It comes back, sort of comes in waves. Josh Turner, he's fantastic. I love him. Love, great guy. And I think the fact that he's a Bible believer t- as well uh, makes me sort of uh, like him even more. I'm sort of like, I'm drawn to him even more. A lot of a lot of country singers are Christians, uh, or professed Christians anyway, so we hope they are, aren't they? I mean, I'm professed. I hope I am. Imagine if I'm not. Gosh. Well, how would you know? Well, the Bible says uh, you can actually read the Bible. I think it's in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. You can read that little verse. You can look it up, actually. It's in the New Testament in the epistles. Not John, not Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but the 1 John. That's the epistles of John found near the back of the Bible before Revelation. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. I can't quote it, but it, it's the assurance that you're saved or not. And uh, I'll, I'll, one day, I'll, I'll, well, maybe I'll, maybe later, we'll just see how we go. Now, I'm very unorganized today. I've done no prep whatsoever, so I hope it's not showing. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. Um, and now, I'm, I'm going to just give me a minute, and I'll be... Um I'll be right back. It's uh, 17 past 7. More news coming up at 8 o'clock, and then that'll be my lot for the day because uh, it was raining overnight, but now it's actually looking pretty good. So I'm going to get back to the fencing today. So that's good, isn't it? So I'll be back in a moment, and we'll go and have a look and see if there's any new information with uh, news and that sort of thing. We might even look at some overseas news as well. When I was a kid, my parents told me a story about two communists that were talking to one another. One said, let me ask you, if you had two houses, would you give me one? And the other said, of course, you might fellow communists, of course I give you one. If you had two cars, would you give me one? Yeah, why are you even asking? Of course I give you one. If you had two chickens, would you give me one? No. <laughs> why not? Well, I have two chickens. Yep, it turns out that um, communism stops where your wallet starts. Mm, that one was from Ben Shapiro. That was Ben at the end there. Okay, we're over at Stuff, and you can find them at stuff.co.nz. And five things to watch out for in the Parliament this week, according to this writer. Have you noticed it seems like the, the media, the mainstream media, are at war with the new coalition? It sort of feels that way to me. I mean, we were at war with everybody, weren't we? But now now it seems the media are um, at war with them. They, they're not happy that the communists have been ousted and the fascists have now come in. Uh, anyway, in the maiden speeches and questions on Israel, Hamas are among the factors on the political agenda this week. And that's the headline. Another headline is why councils, why are they considering rate hikes of 25.5% and higher proposals for such hefty rates, rate rises. Well, I think it's because Rosa Corey actually put us onto it. Now, her name is spelled Rosa, R-O-S-A, Corey, K-O-I-R-E, K-O-I-R-E. Very important that we go there and uh, and listen to that. She's passed away now, sadly, and uh, but she knows quite a bit about the um, Agenda 2030 and about how 
the councils uh, in your area, all over the world, they're doing this. They're diverting funds into these sort of like black op, black ops, sort of black operations, and it's all to do with Agenda 2030. They're diverting them away, and they're putting them into into uh, areas that you aren't aware of. That's why it's all very secretive, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Government should be very transparent. I mean, they're put there by us. So what happens is we go out and vote for them. Uh, this is local government and also our national government. We put them in power, and then uh, they so that we we're the ones. They say that they you know that um, that we're the the electorate or the constituents. We put them in power by voting for them, and then they don't tell us what they're doing. <laughs> I don't think that's right. I believe I like what Liz Gunn says from New Zealand Loyal Party, NZ Loyal. Uh, you can catch them at nzloyal.org.nz. Don't forget the NZ on the back side there. Uh, and she says that, that governments should be absolutely transparent. And But the people, they they should the government should know nothing about you. should be absolutely confidential, your private life. Uh, but the government life, when they be, they go into public, they, after all, they are public servants, aren't they? You know, the, the word itself, public servant, a servant of the public, and yet they're not, are they? They're keeping everything quiet from us, and they've got their own agenda. And it seems that this agenda is actually one that's coming from overseas, from a foreign power. Now, back when I was a boy, treason was uh, anything like that. And I've got, I'm, tomorrow morning, I'm, I hope to play the New Zealand national anthem. Not all of it, just, uh, there's actually five verses. But I'm just going to play a couple of them because that's all they've got. Can't find the full five verses because you know why? Because it talks about God too much. And so that's why they introduced the Mari at the beginning of it, or you know, uh, because they you know they just wanted to they didn't want to be talking about God and how uh, how that he would protect us from foes from within and from without. And uh, and uh, see that's what's happening, isn't it? We've got these. Uh, it's treason. When I was a boy, um, if you were taking advice from some foreign agency, uh, and you, if, if you're in gov- and you're in government, you're a public servant, and you're taking advice from someone outside of your country, that would be you'd be like a spy, wouldn't you? And so that's that's what we've got. We've got politicians that aren't actually uh, there working for us. They're actually spies for a foreign. Uh, gov- for a foreign government, that's going to be the new world order. That's the new, the new for the world government, which is they're trying to set up. And you've got all these politicians from all over the world. They all want to be part of it. It used to be called Politicians for Global Action. Then it's um, uh, Global Youth and all that. They've got different names. They keep changing the names because people like Alex Jones and others and all sorts of other people, uh, David Icke or whoever it is, I don't really follow uh, either of them. I, I wish I should really follow Alex Jones a bit more than I do. But people have been saying this for years, including Barry Smith, you know, years ago, back in the 80s and 90s. Barry Smith used to uh, go all over the country and Australia and the UK and up to the islands. And he was a Christian minister and he used to preach about the money a money system and the new world order and tell us all about that. And um, so we, we know that... Um, this is what they're planning. And I think he used to call it, they, they called themselves politicians for global action. And many of them, most of the politicians, you don't actually get to be a politician unless you are part of that new world order. And they call it new world order. Now it's called the World Economic Forum, but it's the same old pig, isn't it? According to, um, uh, what's his name now? I can't remember his name. Some guy that does his own uh, channel. Um, James Corb. Corbett, I think it is, the Corbett Report. He says it's the, the New World Order and the World Economic Forum, I call it the WIF, uh, that is uh, with Klaus Schwab. That is basically the New World Order. It's the same old pig with new lipstick. <laughs> and their aim is to uh, destroy the nation state, every nation state in the Western democracy. So you have to destroy it, so that, and then they can build it back better. And their idea of building back better is us all uh, submitting our authority and sovereignty to a world 
government. And the Bible warns us. So Christians that study their Bible, they know that, well, that's not a good thing uh, because we know that there's going to be a dictator that's going to arise, probably from the European Union, probably from the United Nations. He'll run them, run them all. He's probably alive today, the way things are going. And he's going to set up his um, world government from Europe, probably in Europe. And he's going to be the head, like Napoleon, uh, who went before him, like Adolf Hitler, only he'll be worse than all of them. And um, he'll, people think he's wonderful. He'll come, he'll make peace in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Jews. And they'll think he's just lovely. And then there'll be, we'll have all sorts of horrible things happen. There'll be famine, there'll be wars. I mean, right now we've got wars and rumors of wars, which is what Jesus was talking about, wasn't he? In Matthew 24, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And he said, this is just the beginning. This is not the, um, this is not the end. Uh, because they wanted to know, you know, when, what's going to happen? What will be the sign of thy coming? That's one question. And the other one was, and, and what will be the end of the age? Well, that's, uh, that's, there's quite a big difference. And there's about a thousand years between when Jesus returns back to the earth and sets up his uh, kingdom here on earth, comes back with the saints. The Bible says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. So we come back with them. Well, how do we come back with them <laughs> if, we, if we haven't gone? Well, that, that's, that's right. So you have a look in First um, Thessalonians chapter 4 and the answer's there. Uh, or you can go to First Corinthians where we find the, the gospel, what the gospel is. And uh, it tells you there towards the end of it as well that we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, in a moment, at the last trump, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we're not going to meet him at over in Israel where he's coming back. We'll be coming back with him to the air, but before we've got to be caught up. The Bible says a catching away. Uh, in the Latin it says rapture, which is where we get the word rapture. And everybody says, rolls their eyes and goes, oh, that's it. all the cults. All the people that are influenced by the cults, they say, oh, no, you know, there's no such, you know, there's a secret rapture and all this. But it's, they don't believe the Bible. The words on the page tell us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's very clear that, that we will be, that is the blessed hope. And that we're supposed to look up for our redemption draws nigh. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved by believing just by faith, just by faith, because even if I took you in a time machine back to the foot of the cross, you'd still need faith to believe that all of your sins and mine were on that body up there, that man that was dying for you, uh, that man who is actually God himself in human form. The Son of God is God, the three are one. And uh, he laid down his life for you. Why? He was able to do that because he kept all of law for you, kept the lot, and he took his uh, your sin in his body and he paid the price, the penalty. He redeemed you. He paid the ransom fee so that you could get back to being a son of God and belonging to the kingdom of God, uh, which is what all little children belong to. They are not born sinners. Nobody's born a sinner. All babies are born perfect. And then we sin as we get older. And then we are responsible for our sin right up until I believe we're about 20 years old. After then, it's curtains for you. Why is that? Because the children of Israel, is, the children of Ishmael, <laughs> I was going to say Ishmael, the children of Israel weren't allowed to go into the promised land if they were 20 and above. Some with something like that. We find that written in the Old Testament. And I'll find you those verses and I'll bring them to you at a later date. But uh, they weren't allowed to go in because of their unbelief. But those that were young people, uh, under 20 I think it was, and they still had unbelief, but they were allowed in. God gave them a pardon, if you like, and he allowed them to enter in because they were stupid, <laughs> basically. Young people, they don't know everything. He, obviously, they, uh, young people are stupid because otherwise, if he didn't, if he thought they were really bright and intelligent, he wouldn't have allowed them to come in because of their unbelief. So it's all to do with belief. 
Do you believe God? Do you believe that he died on that cross, that he rose again after being dead for three days in the grave, and he rose again and he did it for you? And when he did that, that sacrifice of his body and blood was so powerful and so precious and so... Um, what's the word? You know, well, I, I, I always struggle. There's three things I had in my mind there, and now I've only got two of them. It was um, powerful. It was it's precious, and it's able to wash away all of your sins. And not only that, God God says, "I'll remember your sins no more." And so, so you don't just get forgiven. I mean, God can't forgive you. He actually had to do it for. He had to come and pay the price. It's a bit like a judge, isn't it? You know, if you go to a court and the judge says you're guilty. And then, um, yeah, right, okay, so you go and pay your fine. But instead, you find the judge has stepped down from and taken his robes off. He's stepped down off the, um, wherever they sit behind there, up in the bar. And he goes down to the bailiff's office and he's paid the, paid the bill for you. You think, well, that's very nice. He didn't, so he, he said, I was guilty. This was the fine, $500. And he went down and paid it for you. And that's a bit like that. The judge is Jesus Christ. God himself in human form, he has judged you guilty. You've broken God's laws. And the, and the punishment is eternal life in hell. That's what the Bible says. You won't get that in the new versions. It's um, it's Hades or whatever, but it's actually hell. H-E-L-L rhymes with um, no, nothing else really, hell. And we're all going there like, you know, it's, it's like a grease bullets. We're, we're going there uh, fast, but we can avoid going there. On It's really God's rubbish dump if you think about it. I mean, we don't keep our rubbish, do we? We don't sort of sleep with our rubbish under our pillow. And God's got a rubbish dump as well. He gets rid of people that don't believe in him, people that have gone their own way. And he's made it abundantly clear. He's given us the Bible. There it is there. And people try and mock it. But most people that mock it never read it in their life, never studied it. And so that's the trouble, isn't it? It's a bit like COVID. People don't know. Doctors, they they follow the leader. And so you've got to make sure you don't follow the leader. You've got to read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go and read it. Go and start the book of John and have a read. But anyway, you've got to you've got to be born again. Jesus said that in John chapter three. Except a man be born again, he cannot see into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So you can't get there by Allah. You can't get there by Mary worship or joining any of the churches. I mean, which one would you join? <laughs> it's all nonsense. That's all just satanic, really. It's just the devil giving you little religious places to go and join and you think you're a Christian people go and sit in Christian churches even Protestant churches sit there and they think they're saved because they go to church and sing the hymns they have never called out to God and said Lord I um, please forgive me for that I've broken your sins they don't they don't broken your um, laws rather please forgive me I'm a rotten sinner please forgive me and please save me I believe that you died for me I believe that your death on that cross 2,000 years ago was powerful enough and precious enough. Your blood was precious and it's able to wash away my sin. I believe by faith that you did that for me. And the Bible says if we if we believe that, the Bible says he's faithful and we confess our sins. He says not to a priest, to Jesus Christ, to God himself. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And not only that, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the promises of God found in the Bible. Thy word is truth. When the Bible says something, it always comes true. Now, we're back at stuff. I don't know how I got onto that, but there we are. It just happens. I've, I, can't sit, I can't sit here talking through this microphone and not share with you of the hope that's within me. I can't. It has to come out because it's wonderful. It's called the good news. And it is good news. Someone else has paid the fine for you. Somebody else has taken the punishment for all the bad stuff you've ever done. And he says, all you've got to do is believe that I came, that I did that for you. That's all he wants you to do. Terrible thing, isn't it? Not to be believed. 
Imagine how you feel. I mean, you you know, some of you know what it's like when people say things about you that aren't true and and everybody believes them and they don't believe you. You say, no, I, I didn't do that. And you, you, you're innocent. I know, I know personally what that's like. And so, you know, he was accused, the Bible said, he was falsely accused, you know, of being, you know, of all these terrible things. Uh, but he was God himself. He said, before Abraham was, I am Yahweh. Hey, I heard something the other day and I've been sharing it with people. The word Yahweh, uh, if, you, if it's the Hebrew word for um, I am, and it's really God, isn't it? And you know, someone said, uh, if you just, you, you can actually make that sound without actually moving your tongue and your lips. And um, they, they felt that it might have been the first words that God said to us as he breathed life into Adam. Just like that. You try it. Yahweh, you're breathing. You're breathing life into that person. He breathed, breathed life into Adam. Yahweh. You think about it. I thought that was quite fascinating. I heard it and I shared it with a few people and they were amazed. Some people said, oh, what? <laughs> Yahweh. Yahweh. When you breathe back, it's the way. Yahweh. You try it at home. I think it's incredible. I think that's the first words that God breathed into Adam. And that's probably the first words that Adam said. Yahweh, when he took a breath. Uh, he would have gone. <laughs> he would. He would have gone way, way first, I suppose, wouldn't he? Um, when he took his first breath. Uh, there you go. And Eve as well. And uh, if only he hadn't listened to Eve, though, things might have been different. But I don't know. Probably not. Probably would have been okay for another five minutes. I don't think they're in the garden for more than a few days. <laughs> really, I. I don't think they could. I mean, for one thing, how would they? You know, you can't survive on fruit, <laughs> fruit and vegetables. You've got to get some meat into you. So God knew all along that we're going to be meat eaters. Didn't he? Now, you've got to be careful with prams. We're back at stuff and prams. Pram safety advice has been issued after a baby was killed in a tragic accident. Baby Chloe Lebone. She died after her pram rolled down the family's driveway into the path of a moving car in 2020. That is shocking. So the, they've got some advice over there for you. You can go over to stuff.co.nz, the fake stream media. Sometimes they put out some good stuff, and this is one of them that is good. Now, a small sushi shop is on a bit of a roll. I love I love these writers. They're very good at their puns, aren't they? Uh, it's on a bit of a roll, and you see it all the time. And um, they say, um, I think it was Edward de Bono said, if you can understand puns, uh, the 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 more the if you've got a, a sort of a sense of humour, that's actually a sign that you've got a high IQ. So I never had my IQ test, so perhaps I do have a high IQ. I'm just I do know that I am a slow thinker. I, I it takes me a long time to think, uh, and that's what happened. I remember that happened. Uh, my parents said all of a sudden I stopped asking questions. I've spoken about this with you before, and it was as though I couldn't think anymore. I just wasn't able to think of the things that I wanted to ask, and I wondered where all my thoughts had gone. And uh, that was after a series of vaccinations. So I do know that, uh, and I've been a slow thinker ever since. So I have to work a lot harder than, than everybody else, you know, reading out some of the stuff outside because I'm less dick-sick. <laughs> anyway, this small sushi shop is on a bit of a roll when the cruise ships come in. Now, I thought it might have been up in the Bay of Islands, but no, it's apparently it's down in Port um, Port Chalmers, I think it is. That's down near um, lovely Maori couple here. Uh, oh, she might be Asian. He looks... He looks Maori to me, but then I suppose they all came from the same place. Anyway, it's Port Chalmers, that's right. Uh, Susie Johnny is a small restaurant and a takeaway on the main street of Port Chalmers. 
And now it's not uncommon to see dozens of people in and outside this small little sushi shop in Port Chalmers. Uh, in the old port town. On cruise ship days, space is, uh, space, uh, is at a premium inside Sushi Johnny, a small restaurant and takeaway on the main street of Port Chalmers, population 1400. I think Barry Coleman is a good friend of us ours in publishing. I'm pretty sure that, that him and Kushla, his um, uh, wife, before she passed away, um, who's actually my sister-in-law's uh, cousin, uh, Kushla, uh, Martini, and um, so they have. Uh, they had a, a wonderful hotel at Port Chalmers, as far as I know. It's about 13 kilometres from Dunedin. I think it's sort of north, north. You can sort of go up the arm, don't you? And get out to Port Chalmers. But uh, I hope I'm right in saying that. Now, uh, but while the business attracts the odd visit from some of the thousands of cruise ships, uh, ship passengers who visit the town each season, it has carved its out its own niche. Uh, with uh, most port visits, uh, according to the crew. Uh, Sushi Johnny is the owner. Uh, no, it doesn't look like he is. Uh, look, He looks part Mary, but as I say, we all come off the ship. And uh, so even if he's not Mary, he looks part Mary, but he, maybe he's not. He look, He's Asian. Well, Asia and the Maoris, they all are the sons of Shem. That's why they kind of look similar, don't they? Sometimes they look a bit islandish. Sometimes they look a little oriental. And that's because that's where they come from. They all are the descendants of Shem. Who else are the descendants of Shem? Well, all the Jews, all the Arabs. They, you know, the so-called Palestinians. They're just Arabs. Uh, they are all descendants of Shem, uh, who was one of the three sons of Noah. There was Japheth, which is where I come from. Japheth was my father. And uh, then all the Maoris, like I was saying, they, they are Shemites. And then we've got Ham. There's that jolly, there's that, that um, hair's just, just run back again. But look, I'll go out there. He'll, he'll spot me. They've got eyes like hawks. Two ducks just flew over as well. Gosh, I can't wait for the season. We've got duck ponds galore here. And so he's just sort of hobbling around, isn't he? I wonder if he's wounded from the other day when I took a shot at him. Hope not. No, he's all right. He's okay. Just the, just runs down the hill there. But see, like, no, now he's really got speed up now. He's running like a hare in the tor- tortoise. <laughs> he's really motoring. He's down on the flats and um, little ears sitting up there. Uh, if I had a 22, I could get him from here, but I couldn't get him with a shotgun. I need to buy a 22. I haven't got one. All I've got is a shotgun. And I don't want to miss. So now he's sitting down there. Uh, I can't get... Oh, now he's going for a real good old run. Now where's he off to? They're funny. You can actually whistle them up. I, th- I told you about that, didn't I, on last week. Oh, my headphones are making funny noises. Um, You can... You know, they're, they're, when they're running, you just... And they'll sit and stop. And um, it's quite quite interesting what you can do with rabbits. Oh, what's happened to my headphones? I've gone and got some new ones today, and they don't quite work properly. Not today. I'm using them today. Anyway, what we're talking about, Sushi Johnny. Yeah, and the Shemites. So there's three three families that come off the ark. I'll tell you what, I've got the hunter instinct. <laughs> I can't keep my eye off that, that hair. And I haven't, actually, I haven't actually got it here. I've got quite a few rabbits. I want to try here. I haven't had it. I've eaten rabbit. They're lovely. So I could get him. Oh, anyway, always, always, I always see them when I'm on the radio talking to you. <laughs> uh, what are we up to? 21 minutes to eight. And um, we'll get back to the news. Now, let's uh, let's see. This is a good little story. I like this. Uh, now I've lost my way in it, though. I don't know where I am with it. So, so oh, that's why we're talking about this. That we're all descendants of the three sons of Noah. That's what we are. And Ham, that's the dark people. Now, the reason why they're dark, even though we're all brothers originally, is because over thousands of years, and it's only been 6,000 since the world was created, it was void and without form before that. We don't know how many 
thousands or millions or trillions of years it was around. The matter is obviously old, but God uh, made it, uh, made the earth as we know it today and put man on it 6,000 years ago. 6,000 little years, 365-day years, 24-7, and uh, a day and a night, 24 hours, uh, he made man, put put them there. And um, uh, so the reason why the skin is darker is because over hundreds and thousands, well, not hundreds and thousands, but over quite a few hundred years, probably thousands of years, when you go to a certain area, your skin is going to change over generations. It takes thousands of years, and you become your skin will be a darker. Why? Because if you're living where it's really hot, super hot all year round, then you're going to need a, a darker pigment. Now, why would that be? Well, if you get too much vitamin D. That's not good for you, but you need you need your vitamin D. It's very important to get it, and so that's why those people have darker skin, so they get the just the right amount of vitamin D. And then you've got the Shemites, where it's pretty hot, but not quite as hot. It's not really like it is in some parts of Africa, and some of those people that live there for generations, they have uh, they don't have to have quite such dark skin. And also, maybe some of them have actually been. Um, um, you know, um, having relations <laughs> with um, people from the Japhethites. Now, the Japhethites went north where there wasn't much sun at all, actually. In fact, in the winter, it was just about dark six months of the year. Terrible uh, place to, to be. And so they needed the more vitamin D, so God lightened their skin up. He just designed the body this way, designed mankind this way. So over thousands of years of living up in the, you know, way up north, uh, your your skin will be lighter so that you get the right amount of vitamin D. And so that's what happens. Plus, I think, you know, interbreeding as well. Interbreeding, it's not a very nice thing to say about mankind, isn't it? You know, having, um, uh, you know, inter, oh, I suppose you could go intermarriage with different different uh, cultures, but really we are all brothers. We all came off Noah's Ark. And uh, so there was uh, Japheth, uh, he went north. Shem went and went sort of down to the darker, you know, really uh, hotter areas and it started to turn dark. And then uh, Japheth, not Japheth, uh, Shem, rather did I say Shem? I meant Ham. Ham went down south. And then Shem, he was sort of, so all the Arabs, all the Jews, all the Maras, all the Islanders and uh, Asians, Chinese, the whole lot, Indians, everything, they're all Asian. That is all Shem. They are Shemites. And uh, and I'm probably more may have a bit of Shem in me. I don't know, uh, but probably Japheth, probably a Viking, something like that. Bit of Viking blood. So that's how it works. In fact, the Bible says we all we all got the same blood. Our blood is all the same. Uh, but God has um, He's determined the bounds of our habitation. That's what it says in the Bible. So that's probably so. All the flat earthers go, "Woo! Oh, that's right. That's what the ice wall is that goes right round the outside. It's not. It's a. It's a pizza. We live on a pizza, and that uh, the crust round the outside is uh, Antarctica. And they're telling lies. No one's been to space, and all that. That's what they say. I don't. What do you think? You think that's right? Maybe. Could be. Now, um, now. Oh, um, this is interesting. Hugh Grant. Just see this out the corner of my eye. Hugh Grant's transition from a heartthrob to that's the British actor. Uh, not actress, actor, uh, from a British heartthrob to a grumpy old man will take some getting used to. So that might be a movie. It's probably just a movie, is it? Or is he um, Wonka? Mm. Oh, no, it's an opinion thing. Okay. Uh, I remember him in um, Four Weddings and a Funeral. I thought he was quite good in that. But then he went off and um, had a bit of, um, you know, a bit of, pro- a bit of prostitution with Divine Brown. She wrote, she got rich out of it and wrote a book. But that he sort of went down on my estimation after they got caught in the car 
with a prostitute. Not so good, Hugh. Not so good. Uh, sort of let the team down there a wee bit, didn't you? Yes, definitely did. Now, it's 17 minutes to eight. Now, get back to the news, Grant. There's the jolly bullfighting, too. That has, um, or bull riding, I should say. That has uh, sidetracked me a lot this morning. I couldn't take my eyes off that. It's unbelievably good to watch. Uh, should we go over to, well, hang on, I'm sort of stuck on stuff and there's not much happening. I'll go back to Radio New Zealand and just see if there's any new news there. I'll do a quick refresh and just see if I can bring you anything. Uh, it says here, New Zealand students report more negative behaviour in classrooms than OECD counterparts. Why is that? We're a naughty bunch, aren't we? They stopped caning the little buggers about 1986. I think that was the trouble. Or 87, somewhere around there. When did they stop giving you a good whack when you're naughty? I mean, you don't hit good children. You only belt the bad ones. New Zealand students may be some of the worst behaved in the world, or they might just have less tolerance for uh, disruption in the class a new survey has found that'll be written by some leftists at the education department so you can't believe a word of it really the bible tells you what to do with children spare the rod spoil the child uh, beat him with a rod you won't kill him uh, don't worry about him screaming <laughs> that's what the bible says yeah it's and you know people some funny christians you know with their corrupt versions they say well it doesn't mean a rod a physical you know literal rod well yes it does it says it there and it mentions it all over if you're a father your your job is to make sure your children do what they're told and your wife does what she's told as well, but you're not allowed to beat her. <laughs> uh, so no, you you do you do have to chastise children. And of course, the government, the communists that have taken over the country, they've banned all that. Of course, so your parents can't be uh, proper parents anymore. So some children need to have a wallop, and other children don't. Uh, and um, so now you're not able to uh, discipline, chastise your children properly. It's not violence; it's chastisement. And uh, you know, who would know? Would God know better, or would some half-wit in the education department, some leftist, you know, communist, would they? know better than God? I don't think so. They're, they're, what they're trying to do is destroy the family. This is what they do. This is what communists have been doing for some, since just post-war. Destroy the family and bring in their communist regime. And that's what they're trying to do. And it doesn't really matter whether it's communist or fascism. They're all collectivists. They say that it's groupthink, that you've got to do what's good for the good of the group. And they're quite happy to sacrifice individuals. Uh, and uh, that's probably what's happened over COVID, isn't it? People that have gone along and believed it, that it was a real virus and a real, you know, whatever, and that they had a really safe and effective vaccine. They thought it was for the good of the group, and that's why they'd yell at you and say, put your mask on and all this sort of nonsense, because they felt that you were putting the rest of the group at risk. So they were happy to actually sacrifice you, your rights and privileges, uh, for the good of the group, which doesn't really exist, according to G. Edward Griffin. A group is just like a forest, isn't it? When you get in there, they're all just trees. And really, he said it comes down to mathematics when you talk about collectivism. Uh, really, that means that three people have got the right to tell one person what to do, when you think about it. And that's when the wheels fall off it, that whole group think idea, that whole collectivist idea, which is what uh, Christopher Luxon is. He's a collectivist. We know that because he said it. He said he said that uh, all children need to be vaccinated, not just with the COVID vaccine, but all their childhood vaccines. Otherwise, mothers should lose their um, benefit, uh, their social security for looking after those children. It should be removed from them. Uh, why? He said, well, for the collective. He actually said it for the good of the group. And so he is a collectivist. And we know that all of the tyrants, uh, like Hitler and Mussolini and uh, all of them, all of them are collectivists right down through history. So we know that now, instead of having um, a, now a, a, a government that um, uh, believes in the rights of the individual, the Bill of Rights, uh, they actually believe that the majority should rule 
And that's a very dangerous thing without a constitution. They believe that, that the individual rights go out the window because we're doing it for the right of this, this, this group. In other words, the majority of people. And so, like I said before, if we have a whole lot with immigration, the way it's going, filling the country up with Muslims, we're going to have an Islamic state in probably 10 or 20 years if we're not careful, uh, because they have far more children than us. And the next thing you know, you've got an Islamic state because we don't have a constitution. And I like what Liz Gunn says. She says there needs to be, we need to be really pretty much become a republic because the monarchy's let us down. The monarchy, you know, it's supposed to be this uh, the best form of of um, uh, democracy ever. Uh, going, been going for over three hundred years, and uh, but it's not, is it really? Because we found that the governors generals, they are not uh, doing the work they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be making sure that the British Constitution, in actual fact, is kept, and that we aren't able to pass laws that are, go against it. But we've found that they have been, and the reason why I think that happens is because. Uh, instead of bringing the governors generals from the United Kingdom, they now come from New Zealand, and these people have grown up together, went to school together, went to university together, and I think there's a bit of nepotism, a bit of nepotism happening there. That's what I think, and so that's why when you get the governor general there, they they won't, they have to uh, officially, the governor's general has to um, uh, have to give royal assent. So when the Governor-General signs that document that they've passed in the House, they've said this is the new law that we're going to make, the new statute, and it has to go to the Governor-General, the Queen basically, or the King in this in this case, and when the Governor-General signs, actually signing, it's as though the King is signing himself. And so that's what they do. It's called Royal Assent, and they can't pass laws without that. Uh, but what's happening now, because we've got people here in New Zealand that are, uh, you know, probably, like I say, you know, nudge, nudge, when we, they don't, they pass laws. And I don't think they actually understand the Constitution properly. I don't understand it. It's very complicated. Uh, the uh, It's very hard to have a Constitution when it's written down, but you don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to be a constitutional lawyer to figure out how it all works. And I don't know. And even the, even the experts are arguing. So what we need is something simple, which is what Liz Gunn recommends. Uh, she's the leader of New Zealand Loyal. She says we need a codified constitution that anyone, little school children, can have a little booklet with the, with the, with the um, constitution written in it. A bit like the American one would be a good one. Uh, the first couple are very good. Everyone should have the the right to freedom of expression and freedom, of, and also the right to bear arms. Those rights to bear arms—they're not there to protect you from burglars. They're to protect you from a tyrannical government. That's what they were designed for. People think, oh, it's, that's you know, they here in New Zealand we're sort of a gun, you know, anti-gun. We're sort of mad, crazy people. We just think, you know, just let the tyrants come in and take over. But in America, they understand that. Although now the communists are doing a very good job of uh, degrading that, and they're trying to to pass laws that are against the Constitution. Uh, but there's a big fight, there's a huge, huge fight. America's got uh, some incredible troubles inside, just as we have as well. Uh, we don't realise it, though, here, that we're actually in a war. <laughs> Most people don't realise it. John Ansell, he realises that we're in a war. I think even Barry Young and his wife, they don't realise that we are in a war, and you can't fiddle around with people when you're in a war. This is a serious business. These people have been murdering murdering New Zealanders with their vaccines. They think that um, possibly at least 12,000 people have died here in New Zealand as a result of the vaccine. And people like Sean Plunkett are still wandering around and saying, well, possibly four people because he's believing the propaganda. And also he's all jabbed up and vaxxed up and he probably thinks, well... Uh, oh gosh, that, he's just too proud, too fat and proud to, <laughs> to uh, you should lay off the cakes, uh, to and the beer probably too. He he's just too proud to admit that he maybe he's cocked up, maybe he's made a bit of a mistake, and he's gone and 
taken that deadly jab. And he just um, th- he calls people cookers, anyone that is um, d- does their own research. You know, and he mocks the fact that you know that people would actually go out and use their brain, use the faculty that God's given them to actually uh, to see if these things are so or not. And uh, so, but I I really do admire Steve Kirsch, and uh, no one will debate him. People say they will, uh, they won't. He's um, he uh, offered uh, Sean Plunkett a million dollars to come and look at the data, and Sean didn't. And then made up all these lies um, that that he couldn't, that he wouldn't uh, wouldn't go. That he was trying to denigrate uh, Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch would have paid the money uh, if people would, people won't come and debate him. Uh, and um, you know he's a billionaire and um, sort of a what do you call it? Philanthropist is a hard one for me to say, <laughs> being less dictric. Uh, and um, but no one no one comes, no one arrives, and um, so you know. But but people are quite happy to slander him. And um, say that he's, you know, he's fraud like people like Plunkett and Michael Laws and all those sort of crazy people. And I think they're actually nutty. And I wonder whether they're actually uh, controlled opposition, you know, and I think they might be. Um, and I think there is some link there between Susie Wilds and the Wright family who actually um, finance, uh, they, they fund the platform. And Justin Pierce, he uh, was, he rings up. Sean Plunkett, he's banned now. I think they don't. He doesn't doesn't like him. And you can you can sort of tell that um, Sean's on the back foot when Justin Pierce uh, is talking to him and asking him questions about that. And he basically just uh, just talks over the top of him. And he talks over you the best of times anyway, doesn't he? Never let you never. I've never heard anyone able to finish a sentence. Uh, you know, he they are they want to they they in the middle of a sentence and he just cuts in. And um, you, you never, you never get to hear it. It's very, very bad, actually, very poor. But that is typical of a bully and someone that, um, when they're found out to be, um, you know, when their cover has been blown, uh, they will just talk over the top of you and start calling you all the names under the sun. But there is a link between the the Wilds Foundation, uh, not the Wilds Foundation, Susie Wilds on one of the boards of um, of the Wright Foundation, and there is a link there uh, between the funders of the platform. And that's why all the people that were were speaking about the vaccines and having vaccine injured people talking to them, people like uh, Paul Brennan, um, who I thought was actually a relation of um, uh, Patrick, um, Plunk, uh, um, Sean rather, I kept calling him Patrick, Sean Plunkett. I thought they were related um, by, by marriage or something, but apparently not. Uh, Sean Plunkett called um, Paul Brennan a liar, said he was a liar. Despicable. Uh, uh, we've I know people that have worked with Paul. My sister worked with Paul Brennan. He's one of the most one of the most uh, gentlemanly people in the industry. A very a nice human being. A wonderful man. A kind man. And not at all a proud person. And uh, and a very uh, straight up person. And so I think I would um, follow my sister. She's a pretty good judge of character, and she worked with Paul. And um, I, I think when I when I look at um, Sean Plunkett and the way he conducts himself there with people, just um, tries to bamboozle them, just talk over the top of them. I don't see an honest person there, but I do with Paul Brennan and people like Peter Williams as well. And and, uh, all the people that were on the platform that wanted to get to the bottom of this whole COVID fiasco, they're now no longer there. They were all, now why would that be? Uh, Was Sean put under pressure to get rid of them? Uh, by the Wright Foundation and uh, and the Wright Foundation are in I think there's a link between Susie Wiles and the Wright Foundation so it seems to me <laughs> that all is not well at the um, at the uh, the platform 
So anyway, that's just me, just me, you know, thinking out loud. Now, um, Workplace Relations Minister Brooke Van Velden, she's less certain of good relations with the unions. Well, I don't think that'd be a bad thing. And that's what I want to see. I want to see ministers not being told what to do by the deep state, because that's what they are. The bureaucrats that have been running, the unelected officials, uh, they end up running the place. And I know for a fact that what they do is they, um, if you're a weak politician, you go there and you listen to them. And you do what they tell you, and whether it's national or Labour or whatever party you're in, uh, you have to take advice from them. You don't. Well, you're supposed to be the minister. You're supposed to be in control of them. Uh, but it, what turns out happens is because these people uh, sort of seem to know everything, and a lot of them um, come from the United Nations, and so you've got these uh, this foreign power through our bu- bureaucracy that are educating, <laughs> they're indoctrinating, they're sort of inducting our uh, ministers. When they first arrive, they have sort of like an induction into how it all works, and they go around and, and uh, if you're a minister, say you're the minister of education, well, you've got to go there and, and you're taught uh, all the talking points, and um, you know, you've got lots and lots to read and find out about what's going on. But it all doesn't come from you. It all comes from the bureaucracy. And so really, they're the deep state. They're running our country, isn't it? The bureaucrats. So those are the ones, those are the ones we need to get rid of. But anyway, so the new Workplace Relations and Safety Minister, which is Brooke Van Velden, she has a busy two weeks ahead of her uh, with promises to axe fair play agreements, fair pay, and start work to to uh, work to reinstate the 90-day trials. That's where employers... Uh, they want to do that before the summer break. So you've got, you can give them a 90 day trial. If they're no good after 90 days, you can get rid of them. You don't even to give them an answer, uh, a reason why you can get rid of them. And also too, back with real estate as well, you can just get rid of the tenant. If you've got a bad tenant and just think I've got to get rid of them, you give them 90 days, which is long, more than enough. They don't have to give you 90 days. They have to give you a few weeks, don't they? If you're the landlord, but it's round the other way. Things have got to be more even. Uh, it's got to be much more, much more even. Uh, that's what, the way I see it. But anyway, ACT Deputy Leader uh, Brooke Van Velden, she has rocked, uh, rocketed into Cabinet and knows she's biting off more than many of her ministerial colleagues this side of Christmas. So she is there. Uh, two key um, aspects of the government's 100-day plan that are hers to shepherd through. She said, we've heard from business owners who want more certainty going into the new year what employment law will look like so that we'll have a flexible labour market where everybody knows what their rights are and people are employed with confidence, she said. But Van Velden's relationship with the unions are already off to a rocky start. And you've got uh, that, I think it's Council of Trade Unions President Richard Wagstaff. Uh, Unions since election night have had to come to terms with the fact that FPAs would be on the chopping block and the 90-day trials would be back. Uh, both National and ACT made their policy policies key parts of their campaign manifestos, but the Council of Trade Unions President Richard Wagstaff is still disappointed. He said it's a signal that the incoming government intends to exercise a sort of free market deregulation I read that right, deregulation zeal in their workplace relationship space. That for us is very concerning. Why is that? Uh, so you can go and read that story first. But really, that the unions are against it. They're out there looking for the, looking out for the workers, and that's all good. But too, you know, if you've got your country, if you want your country to get ahead, you've got to have. Um, it has to be fair, doesn't it? The employers, they're the ones that are taking all the risks and employing people. Uh, they go out there and they borrow lots of money, sometimes put the house up, put the house in hock, 
uh, just to get a business going, and uh, they want good staff. And if you're not a good staff member, then you don't you don't deserve the position. And they want to be able to get rid of bad people and employ good people. And uh, and you know sometimes you know you might you'll you'll employ someone. Uh, you'll give them a chance, someone that you would say, no, I don't think they're going to make it. But you might give them an opportunity to prove themselves with a 90-day trial, whereas before you might say no. So it's going to be, I think there'll be more employment as a result of that. I think it'll be a good thing. Okay, now we've got TNT Radio News coming up a little bit, uh, what are we up to now, a couple of minutes away. So I've got that buzzing in my ear. So I'm trying to concentrate at the same time as watch the bull, uh, bull riding and uh, also try and bring you the news without sounding like I'm too much of a fruitcake. Uh, shall we go over to Australia and have a quick look at Sky News? We can go there. It's called skynews.com.au. And uh, let's look at their, um, what they say is happening around the world. Let me see. There's something there on a, um, what have we got here? Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palashkuk. Oh, Zook, is it? Is it? Palash. That's a flippin' tricky name for a dyslexic like me to try and read. Anastasia Palashuk, I think she announced her retirement uh, in an emotional press conference on Sunday, telling journalists that she had given everything, but that it's time to move on. She says so she's had enough, she's chucked the towel in. Also, over in Australia, two men arrested in connection with Melbourne Strip Club shooting. I didn't even know there was a Melbourne <laughs> Strip Club shooting. And then you've got something else here. Paul, what's this? Paul Murray, Our Town, Port Lincoln Sunday. Oh, what's that? That's a video. Paul Murray, Our Town. You can go and have a look at that yourself. And then Chaos and Crisis, the Queensland Deputy Opposition Leader, Crisis Labour Party caucus. So they're in big trouble, aren't they? And then we've got Stephen Miles officially enters the race to become the next Premier of Queensland. And Australian Post reforms to create strong foundation uh, on a pathway to profitability. And I was looking at a video over the weekend of um, a New Zealand Post. Got, I don't know if it was New Zealand Post. It was a postie anyway. Might have been somewhere in the UK, but he was a postie. And he punched this guy in the face. This old guy was slightly rotund. They were having a bit of an argument over something. And the guy just went and punched him and then got in his van, his postie van, and drove off. And it was all caught on CCTV. And uh, I can't remember whether it was here in New Zealand, Australia, or the UK, or somewhere. Uh, but there it was. Uh, terrible, wasn't it, when people lose it like that? He looked um, a very angry, angry man. He was a lot younger than the other fellow as well. The poor old chap got punched and he was clearly shaken after it. And uh, what other news have we got here? We've got um, Coalition failed spectacularly on energy policy for a decade, according to Jim Chalmers. Do you know who they are? I don't know, but people in Australia, we've got some Aussie listeners, so they'll probably know all about this anyway, just in case you're driving in your car and you haven't got time to read the paper. Uh, Queensland's Deputy Premier Stephen Miles, he confirms that he will stand for leadership. And the Albanese government is set to hike the tax hike on the foreign property investors. Oh, OK. What about that? Federal government finished the year in, pro, uh, in poorest shape since the election. Okay, we're going over to, uh, not, I was going to say Sky News, but it's not. It's actually TNT Radio News. We'll do that right now. now. TNT Radio News. Taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. The Speaker of the US House of Representatives took a swipe at the House Select Committee for its one-sided investigation into the January 6th attack on the Capitol. I, I think the January 6th Committee was a partisan exercise. Uh, they they, they claim that it was bipartisan, but I think we all recognise that the, the two Republican members that served on that uh, committee uh, had another agenda. I, I think that what we got was a biased report. I think they hid some of the uh, important evidence.
Speaking on Tuesday, Mike Johnson defended his decision to release 40,000 hours worth of surveillance footage from the day, which he says clearly discounts the Democratic-led committee's version of events, Johnson urging people to do their own research. Look, we want the American people to draw their own conclusions. I don't think partisan elected officials in Washington should present a narrative and expect that it should be uh, seen as, as the ultimate truth on it when we know that they hid certain elements. The release of the January 6th tapes is a critical and important uh, exercise. We want transparency. We should demand that the American people do. We trust, House Republicans trust the American people to draw their own conclusions. We should not, they should not be dictated by some narrative and accept that as fact so they can review the tapes themselves. But before publicly releasing all of the footage, the Speaker said House Republicans were blurring the faces of those who were at the Capitol on the day of the attack so that they cannot be identified and charged. Uh, we're going through a methodical process of releasing them as quickly as we can. As you know, we have to blur some of the, the faces of persons who uh, participated in, in, uh, in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated against and, uh, and, and, and to be charged by the DOJ and, and to have other uh, you know, concerns and problems. So uh, that's a slow process to get it done. We're working steadily on it. We've hired additional personnel to do that. And uh, all of those tapes ultimately at the end will, will be out so everybody can see them and draw their own conclusions. Also, making news this week, Turkey Air's president fired a shot at Israel's Prime Minister while addressing the 44th Gulf Summit in Qatar, saying Benjamin Netanyahu should be held accountable for the humanitarian catastrophe unfolding in Gaza. Netanyahu is putting the future of the whole area under risk for his own political calculation to kill 17,000 uh, innocent Palestinians is a war crime and a humanitarian crime and Israel should be held accountable for its actions. And disgraced former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson faced a grilling this week during an inquiry into his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. The former PM faced the first of two days of questioning on Wednesday, during which it was revealed as many as 5,000 of his WhatsApp messages had mysteriously disappeared. In fact, none of Boris Johnson's WhatsApp messages that were exchanged during the first 129 days of the pandemic could be retrieved. The former PM telling the inquiry they were somehow automatically erased from his device. Do you know why your phone was missing those 5,000 odd WhatsApps? I don't know the exact reason, but it looks as though it's something to do with the app going down and then uh, coming up again. Um, but somehow uh, not automatically erasing all the things uh, between that date when, when it went down and the moment when it was last backed up. So I, I can't give you the technical explanation, but that's the best I'm able to give. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, this has been Matt Boyland. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Thank you very much, Matt. We'll have weather for the whole country, the short forecast in just a moment, almost six minutes past eight. Doctor, tell me, is John going to... He'll be fine. We just need to bring him out of this coma. What's, what's that humming sound? Oh, that indicates John's mental activity. No. Well, is, is there anything I can do? Talk to him. What? He may recognize your voice. Oh. He may respond to a word, mm -hmm. an expression, mm -hmm. anything that he's greatly devoted to. Okay, uh, John, it's me, Jeannie. 
Your wife? It's okay, go on. Oh, John, just this morning at D's, little Cindy was saying how Wait, much... say that again. Uh, uh Cindy? No, D's, D's. Um, um oh, okay. Uh, uh, we were at D's, and and we all had the ham and egg special. Keep going. Uh, thick sliced smokehouse ham, farm fresh eggs, golden hash browns. Mmm, I had them with hotcakes, and... What happened? Oh, right, at D's, John usually gets the blueberry muffin. He's coming out of it. Oh, this is wonderful. Now he won't have to miss the big family reunion. These mm. ham and egg special for a limited time, just two ninety nine. These family restaurants serves oh, you right. Make sure you get over to D's. All right, we're here at New Zealand. We're looking at New Zealand uh, weather forecast for the both islands, fished up by Maui, of course. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. Uh, we've got the highest temperatures in Ka- Kaitai Airport, seventeen point one. So they've been hovering. Over 17 all morning, sort of between 17.2, now 17.1, that's the latest just come through. Invercargill's now overtaken with the lowest temperature, 7.6. Now, uh, that seems a bit strange to me because it was Twizel was about 1 or 2 degree, went up to 4, so now Invercargill's colder, so it must have warmed up in Twizel. Lumsden is the windiest place now, was Christchurch, I think, wasn't it, the Port Hills, now it's Lumsden, that's not far from Invercargill, that's just north. Lumsden Hills, that was where I learnt to ride in a stock saddle. 30 kilometres of wind there at Lumsden at the moment, and currently it's dry everywhere. So I'm looking out the window and it looks like it's going to rain. But it's uh, apparently dry all over the place, and we're all up pretty much in double digits apart from Invercargill. Uh, with um, what and Lumsden, no, no, which, yeah, Invercargill. It's a bit chilly down in Invercargill. Even Masterton's warmed up to 10 degrees. It was 4 degrees earlier on this morning. So that's why they're having trouble with the grass. We've had these very cold mornings and we're not getting the growth. Uh, we really need to have more growth. And I'm just looking at my hills now. Really, I should be just, I should be, I should have double the stock, you know, be able to carry double the stock at the moment, but I can't. Not that I would <laughs> anyway, because I don't agree with over overstocking. I sort of go more for that regenerative type um, farming, you know, just um do it the do it the natural way and let the grass grow properly and then bring them in and they eat the first four inches and then they chomp it, chomp it down and then they head off and leave it and then they come back and have another go at it, can't they? But if you chomp it down too much, uh, it doesn't do so well. Unfortunately, though, with kaikuya, that is a bit of a problem. You do have to give that a good old munching. Otherwise, uh, it basically kills the grass. Grass now, and also I've noticed too that you've got some. We've got some lovely. Um, what's that nice stuff called? Clover, clover coming through, and a bit of rye as well. Love to see that clover. I've even had a taste of it. It actually tastes quite nice. I can see why the cows like it. So chewing on grass, but I prefer a steak. And I've got one in the fridge. I'm going to heat up from last night. I normally have two big rump steaks, or you know, two sirloins for dinner but I, early I try and have them early too about 5 o'clock 6 o'clock because I have to go to bed early getting up for this job although last night it was about it was about 10 or 11 o'clock actually before I hit the sack so that's probably why I'm buzzing a bit this morning need your sleep don't you but um, I've got some minced meat in there as well I'll have a bit of that today so uh, I should really calculate it but each one of my bags weighs um, what does it weigh um, I put two together and it, it weighs 1.1 yeah 1.0 one, 1.90 what's that one point, no it's not that much it's um 1 kg plus 90 so that one no it's 1.1 it is 1.1 exactly so it, some days I'll have I will have um 1.1 kilograms of meat uh all by my lonesome just me imagine that if you had to feed a family of eight or something like that on meat you'd be killing non-stop wouldn't you uh because you have to really if you're going down the carnival track but we're also allowed eggs and uh, I've got, I've told you, we got that possum that was climbing in there and eating all the chook food. That was a pain in the butt. But uh, 
got him and uh, so yesterday I just made sure I put some extra the day before actually I started to and then I went and lost the bit that was on the drill bit that I was using to to stop this little blighty he was getting in um in, under the uh, I think you call it the eaves don't you he was climbing up there I thought well give the chook house a bit of ventilation so that in the summertime they get some nice uh, airflow but I didn't realize that a possum could easily get through there so he was climbing up on the back and then going just they can just crawl right up the board and batten and go inside and he was just um, eating eating out of the um, chook feeder inside even though I locked them in <laughs> they were being they had a possum in there and then I go there and I see this possum sitting up there with the bird <laughs> with the hens uh, after I heard a clang I thought that's funny you shouldn't have a, a you, chickens shouldn't be eating at 9.30 at night and I went and had a look and sure enough there was a possum and I couldn't shoot him while he's in there in case I blew a hole in the back of the chook house uh, or you know accidentally got one of the chooks I, I could have done real damage so I just ran around the back it was a bit like house to house warfare wasn't it <laughs> street fighting and anyway, around the back with my shotgun and uh, had, oh, unfortunately I had to fire two shots the first one I missed him <laughs> so I was about less than three metres away and I still missed him I don't know how, how that could have happened but I suppose it's easy to miss them with a shotgun when you're up close it's better when they're a bit further away. Um, to So I waited till he's about 30. I'm sure it's raining, and it's, yet it says here there's no rain at all. I'll do a refresh and see if it picks up the rain. Um, I'm sure if I put my hand out the window there. feels moist. It kind of looks like rain, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, it just, it is, it is. It's a slight, it's a slight drizzle. Let's see if it still says that. Currently dry in all centres. No, see, you can't trust them. They're full of it, aren't they? Met service, that's where we get our news from. We also take it from... Uh, what's his name? Um, Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz. He's really good as well. Um, oh, he's got a. Oh, hang on. Here, he's done a. He's done a feed. So we'll forget about um, Met Service. And we'll go straight over to Philip. He says there's going to be a cold front that's going to move up New Zealand on Sunday, and now the next cold front as well. It's going to be hot. Hot on its heels, rather. <laughs> he can't read properly. Temperatures today will rebound a little, but it may be cloudy and gloomy, which is what it is for us here where I am, uh, for many. And uh, it's going to be, especially at the very beginning, that's right. He says the map shows the pale blue shade over the North Island, does it? Oh, yes, it does too. Where's that map? Down the bottom there, is it? Oh, there is a bit of a pale blue shade. What does that mean? Let's go back and find out what that means. Hang on, I've got to zoom up to the top here. Um, I think my, maybe he might have written this yesterday, actually, if you think about it. Uh, the map below shows the pale blue shading over the North Island today. Much of that, this is probably Sunday night when he wrote that, much of that will be drizzly showers. I oh, know he's talking, he's, he, he probably did this before he went to bed last night. Showers that will form before dawn. Oh, okay. No, he did write that last night. Most places should become dry today. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, it did rain overnight for us as well. He said, but in Southland, uh, will tonight see... Will tonight see the next cold front coming in? In Southland, will tonight? I think he maybe he means in Southland tonight. We'll see. I think got the mixed up. I thought I was bad with mixing words up. Uh, Invercargill should get up to seventeen or eighteen today, and at the moment it's pretty cold down there and a bit rainy. But the highs tomorrow is only going to be around eleven degrees. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that was Sunday. Yeah. Uh, oh no, forget forget it. We'll just go straight over to uh, Met Service here. As much as I don't like giving you Met Service, we'll give you the short forecast because I know there's people that rely on me to give you the weather.
don't you? You, you? you do rely on me, don't you? It's good to be relied upon, especially if you're a man. Men like to be relied upon. Now, uh, Northland too, central, uh, also the central high country, including Coromandel Peninsula and the Bay of Plenty. Cloudy periods, isolated showers mainly this afternoon and evening. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, showers mainly about the ranges and then it's increasing fine breaks for you. Taranaki to Wellington, also for the Wairarapa, some fine periods, but you've got evening cloud developing. In the South Island, for Buller and Westland, cloudy periods. Showers spreading north from the afternoon, Turning to rain south of the glaciers this evening for Nelson, Marlborough and Canterbury, fine weather for you today. For Otago and Southland, fine at first with areas of morning cloud clearing. You've got high cloud from the afternoon and showers developing this evening though. Pretty much the same as what we had you know, when I started at 5 o'clock, isn't it? And for the Chathams, it's going to be fine today. There you are. That is uh, news and weather. I'll have a quick look and just see if there's any news or just do a refresh on everything and uh, see if there's anything new I can give you, and just in case, I know I know you um, haven't got time to look at it yourself, which is, uh, which is why you get me. Oh, there's a new story. Neighbours oppose solar farm on the Blenheim rural floodplain. Uh, now, I wonder why they're doing that. Those are some of the headlines. New Zealand student reports more negative behaviour in classroom than, uh, that's than its OECD counterparts. We talked about that before. Teenage children have jailed... Uh, Nagis, I don't know, uh, Nagis, Nagis, it looks like Muhammadadi, Muhammadi, uh, accepts her Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, really? Gosh, they gave, they gave one to Yasser Arafat. I think that sort of, that was when Nobel Peace Prize, Peace Prizes went, went down in my estimation when they give one to Yasser Arafat, who was just a Muslim terrorist, wasn't he? And his uncle was Husseini, I think his name was, and him and Hitler had a meeting. He went over to Germany. And had a, a meeting there with uh, Hitler, and Hitler told him, and he said, "Now you need to realise that this war that we're having in Europe is not a it's not a war of boundaries; it's a war of annihilation of the Jewish people." That is a true statement, and you you can actually find that it's in I think it's whether it's museums, it's on record in Germany as Hitler having that conversation, and that's what he said to Yasser Arafat, who coined the the, the phrase Palestinian people because they're Arabs. That's what they are, and uh, he coined that uh, you know phrase. Palestinians uh, to make them make people think that they are actually descendants of the Philistines, which they're not. They were completely wiped out by the Israelites uh, many hundreds of years ago, uh, many thousands of years ago. There's none. There's no Amalekites. There's no all those, uh, you know, the Canaanites. They've all gone, uh, usually through sexually transmitted diseases. That was why uh, that was why uh, Joshua and others were told to completely annihilate them, except for the Jewish, except for the rather the the uh, the virgins. Uh, they were allowed to stay. Why? Because when you study homeopathy, you understand that that uh, sexually transmitted disease, that's where the diseases come from. Vaccines and VD, the two Vs, is my opinion. That's, that's uh, the health theory, uh, according to Grant. Vaccine and VD are the ones that you've got to worry about. And so, and you can't suppress a venereal disease. Oh, sorry, you cannot cure a venereal disease. Uh, you can treat it with homeopathy, but you cannot treat it with uh, allopathy because all you do is you suppress that disease and it goes deeper into the organism and it comes back again as a tertiary stage disease. And um, little we know the little telltale signs of tertiary stage venereal diseases, luetic diseases we call those, that's uh, syphilis, and they rear their ugly head in different ways. And the gonorrheal taint, which is the, um, the miasm called, um, what's that one called now? It's been a while, 23 years since I started and I haven't been treating people. You have to do. You have to practice. I tell you what, you've got to do it all the time to be any good at it. And you've got to be blimmin' good at repertorising as well. And know not so much learning your remedies, but just know how to how to find the right remedy, how to take a case. It's very important. The chronic one. Now, what's the main one? 
um, uh, this, it's the fig wart seeker uh, um, psychosis. Yeah, it's not the mental crazy. So it's different spelling. It's basically the fig wart. And so when you see people with warts on them, that's actually um, a, sort of a, a secondary tertiary stage of of um, gonorrhea, really, when you think about it. So we've all, we're all full of it. We've all got TB. We've all got, you know, you get ulcers in your mouth. That's luetic. That's a, eat, eats the flesh. And that's the um, the syphilitic, the lifoid. They say luetic because it makes it sound better when they say you've got a sort of luetic disease. <laughs> they tell you that rather than that and say you've got syphilis. <laughs> no one wants to know that. Uh, but, you know, they suppress these diseases and then that just makes you even worse. So you've just, um, yeah, you really, and you just die. Eventually they, they kill you. The vital force, uh, which is your vital force, cannot cope with it uh, as you get older. You just get run down. And then the government, courtesy of the government, we pay for the government's vaccines. And so we just get all this stuff injected into us, which just uh, runs us down. And why is that? Well, I, I mean, I can remember being very young thinking, I think if I was running the show, if I put my evil cap on and I was running the place, I wouldn't want people to live too long because I'd have to pay them um, social security. So, you know, I would want the age to go up as high as I possibly could. So I'd be wanting it to go up to 70 <laughs> if, I was, if I was evil, um, my evil cat, uh, and I wouldn't want to be paying them. I could save a lot of money by by making people really sick so that they could, and you know, you can give them pharmaceutical drugs to keep them alive while they're working. So they just spend all their money on, you know, well, all the taxpayers' money goes on pharmaceutical drugs, and that just makes them even worse. And then you have one pill which makes you really bad, and then you have another pill to counteract the other pill, the side effects. And so you're just this walking pharmacy, aren't you? I know, I've seen old people, and they've got these plastic containers full of all the pills they've got to take because they're just propped up. They're just sort of kept alive in this, if you could call it alive. Uh, it's no way to live, you know, and you're just basically, um, you know, just a walking pharmacy taking all these, um, the sorcery, which the Bible tells us, pharmakia, the Greek word is sorcery, chemist, alchemy. You know, you just got to ring a bell. Just, that's probably why they don't want you to learn uh, Latin and Greek anymore because you'll think, hello, oh, that's that where we get that word from? They don't want us to know all this because they, they've taken, they don't do that now. They don't do Latin and Greek anymore. I mean, they should do, shouldn't they? All our words come from Latin and Greek and Anglo, well, Anglo-Saxon, our words are sort of one and two syllable ones, aren't they? Uh, sort of very simple English, actually, very simple language. Uh, and then we sort of throw other stuff in there, chuck in a bit of French, a bit of, a bit of um, you know, a bit of a hodgepodge. But really, if you look at those old Anglo-Saxon words, that's why the King James Bible is so easy to understand, because it's pretty much one and two syllable Anglo-Saxon words, you know, like devil rhymes with, you know, evil, um, you know, home as opposed to dwelling. You know, it's very home is very easy. Uh, old is you know, King James word old uh, in new new versions. You know, it's sort of a few more syllables. Elderly, well, that's a more difficult word, isn't it? According to the Flesh Kincaid grade level indicator, when we when I was publishing, we used to put work through that to see the difficulty of a of um, what we were writing, what people were writing for us. And you want it to be fairly simple and easy to understand. And it turns out when the King James Bible gets put through the King the um, Flesh King Kincaid grade level indicator, turns out that, that that is one of the most simple forms of English around and much more much easier to understand and believe it or not, easier words. It's it's more it's not complicated. Easier words, apart from one or two ones which we don't use anymore, so you just gotta learn what they mean, you know, like rose up to play and stuff like that. They they say in the new versions they cons- conscripted. Well that's a that's a more difficult word. So God has used very simple words so that children can learn the meanings. And also, uh, a woman called by the name of Gail Ripplinger, she's written a book called um, 
Oh, I can't remember, but it's about, it basically shows you, uh, New Age Bible Versions was one of them. And then another one she wrote was uh, uh, the dictionary that's built in. The Bible, the King James Bible, has a built-in dictionary. That's why it sounds a bit repetitive. You know, when it says, um, uh, what's what's one I can I can think of now? And it says, uh, uh, if you believe on the name of the Lord, even to those that believe on his name or something. I don't know. It, but it's, it, you think, oh, why is it repeated? Well, that's because the words around the words within that one sentence there uh, it seems like a repeat but it's just said it another way so it actually the context of these other words help you understand so that there's no doubt um, what what words mean um, and in actual fact Webster used the King James Bible the authorised version would have been called I suppose um, the poems called it the authorised version the AV 1611 that's the text and um, that was when you know it was first done no one's got no one has any of those articles, those autographs rather. The autographs aren't available anymore. They were lost in perpetuity, so we don't know where they are. And that, that was a good thing because God promised that he never promised that he'd, he'd look after the manuscripts of any, any book, did he? He didn't promise he'd preserve them. Didn't promise he'd preserve the autographs, the, the originals. He didn't promise he'd re- preserve the, you know, in Hebrew or Greek or whatever people seem to think it's in. The autographs, no one really knows what the autographs were in. We all guess that the New Testament was Greek, and we all guess that Hebrew would have been the the uh, autographs for uh, the Old Testament, but we don't really know because Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, was brought up in Pharaoh's household, might have been hieroglyphic. For all we know, we don't know, but God never promised he'd preserve the uh, manuscripts or the language. He said, I'll preserve my words, and God can translate, can't he? He's going to translate us, the Bible says, uh, into the kingdom of his dear son, our whole bodies. Imagine how many people have died and they're just ashes, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. He's going to resurrect those bodies, those ashes, to living human beings, and he's going to put his spirit into them. He's going to bring his spirit back. All those people that have died believing in Jesus Christ, uh, they're going to come back. And all the ones in the Old Testament, they get a chance. They had a chance when Jesus died. It says he went and spoke to them, and a multitude of them rose up. It says when Jesus rose from the dead, the graves opened up, and a multitude came out of the graves. So obviously he went there and preached to them, and those that believed, they they came up and went went up with him, sort of like the first rapture, if you like, isn't it? Went up with Jesus when he went up on a cloud, which is how we're going to go up on a cloud to meet him in the air. Anyway, I've got myself sidetracked, so. Um, I'll uh, I'll try and uh, what was I talking about? Uh, I don't know. And this is the trouble. I go when when you have a conversation when I'm when I'm speaking to you. It's a bit like this. I'm walking down this path, looking for a uh, looking for a say a a deer, um, deer hunting, and then a little rabbit will pop up. <laughs> And I do it literally. Uh, a rabbit or a hare will pop up, and I end up chasing the rabbit. I go off down through the bush, chasing a rabbit instead of staying on my subject. And then when I get out there, I can't find my way back to the path that I was on. And you do do well in life to stick to the path, don't you? <laughs> literally and figuratively, you do need to. So I often go off the track, and then I can't come back. I used to have the ability to sort of go off on a sort of like an interpolation and just like head off like a parenthesis, if you will, and go off and talk about something on a, on a side, and I was able to remember, come back to it. But now, as the older I get, the more I, I am not able to do that. So maybe if I eat a bit more red meat, I might be able to. and uh, That will improve me. So now, see, I've gone off onto another track now, and I've got to really be writing things down as I go. Anyway, let's get over to, uh, I'm going to carry on here a little bit, because it is still a wee bit wet. I had a bit of rain overnight, so I won't be out there sloshing around just yet. I'll wait for it to dry up a little bit. Uh, the time is 26 minutes past eight, and you're here listening to the Liberty NZ broadcast, 
uh, and we are broadcasting as well as live streaming. And uh, we're on 88.1 FM at a, a, a secret location. I could, would love to tell you, but I'd have to, you know, shoot you. Uh, but I wouldn't do that because I'm a nice person. And uh, the only thing I do is to shoot my mouth off. Now, people are up at night worrying about their retirement savings. I don't know, are you? Uh, it's all drying up, isn't it, amid the cost of the living, a living crisis, a terrible living cost crisis. We're in the retirement commissioner has joined the budget advisors in raising the alarm over a steep rise in people drawing their savings from KiwiSaver, and that's, I think, it's doubled uh, in the last year as they struggle with the rising costs. Uh, that is a terrible. Also, yes, the, this, is the, this is the story that's related to that. Early withdrawals double as uh, the purses are put under strain. Majority in old age groups don't consider retirement income during uh, a separation as well. That's when you get divorced from your wife. And you know what the Bible says? Did you know that if you, ladies, if you leave your husband, if, if even if he sort of like beats you up, which is a terrible thing and he needs to get help for that, it's shocking. Um, but I, I don't know many, many men that would actually do that because normally it's the other way around, isn't it? I find that a lot of, a lot of men, they just want to protect their wife. I mean, that's, it's in men to protect their wife, not to hurt them. So it seems very strange to me. But all of a sudden there's this, this rise in um, sort of domestic violence. But quite often we find uh, when the truth comes out that it's actually instigated and uh, it's actually the man trying to defend himself and she gets hurt as he's trying to fend her off. She might get a scratch or something like that and then the cops will always arrest the man. Even if uh, even if he calls the cops and says, yeah, my wife's going nuts uh, and, he, and they go to a domestic dispute, he the man will be arrested. <laughs> they take him away and they leave the woman there in the house. Uh, I suppose it's a bit crazy of you, isn't it? So the violent ones get away with it. But anyway, uh, ladies, if you leave your husband uh, do you realize that the Bible says that Jesus said this, and the Bible's quite clear on it. When the Bible says things, it means it, that a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say men are bound to their wives so long as she liveth, or their wife so long as she liveth. It doesn't say that. God's very clear. Uh, the Bible says, thy word is proof. It, it proof. Uh, thy, thy word is, um, gosh, what does it say now? In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. Thy word is truth. That's John 17, 17. Yes, it's in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. It says, every word of God is pure. And so by that, we know that when God says something in the Bible, uh, he means it. And so what you've got to watch out for is people telling you what the Bible says. And uh, when people, or when people saying they read out a verse, and uh, I had one fellow, I was sitting in a, a church meeting there, and he said, now, this one here, it says, spare the rod and spoil the child. Now, what that means is, <laughs> he said, <laughs> oh, he did. He said there, and there he was with his long hair there talking to all of us and indoctrinating us, and we were listening to him, and he said, now, what that really means, it doesn't mean beat your child. It doesn't mean give them a smack with a rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. It doesn't mean that at all. It may, and, and I couldn't believe it was coming out of his mouth, and he actually said, you can't force a child to do what he doesn't want to do. He's basically giving us, saying we had to let him get away with it. And I just couldn't believe it. And uh, and I and I sort of walked out because I had a young child, and I walked out my uh, to take um, my son to the to the toilet. And there was another lady out there, and I said, "Did you hear what he just said?" She said, "Yes," because it was on the speakers. You see, out in the hall. And uh, and I said, "What do you think of that?" And she said, "Oh, it's oh, he's he's crazy. I I I don't know why they even let him preach." Uh, this fellow, and um, so yeah, so you can't you can't force a child to do what he doesn't want to do. No children, that's not what the Bible says at all. It basically, if, if children, 
you have to obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And that's what the Bible says. So you'd be really crazy, wouldn't you, to try? I mean, who would know best, uh, the creator of the man or would um, some doctor, some leftist, you know, communist doctor uh, that's infiltrated, gone gone and um, positioned himself inside uh, a Christian church? Uh, what would he be there for? You know, it's almost like the enemy, isn't it, really? It's just sort of positioned himself within your church there and um, is able to um, spread disinformation because that's what it is, total disinformation. It's not what the Bible says. Now, these are the key phrases you want to watch out for. They'll read a verse and then they'll say, now what that really means is beware when people have to explain what things mean. Uh, what that really means is this, what it says. <laughs> that When I would say, I would read a, a Bible verse and I will tell you what it says, what it means. And there's one that says, like one that says, uh, which I don't understand. It says it's better for a man to be married than to burn. Now, I don't know whether that means, um, you know, than to lust, you know, than lusting after uh, some woman or women. Better to marry if you feel like, you know, you can't. You just have to get married, so you better to better to marry than to burn. I don't know whether that burn means like burn in hell, or whether it means burn with lust. Everyone's told me all through my life it means burn with lust. I don't know, because the words are on the page and it's not clear, and uh, I still don't know. And people, you know, they they'll tell you they know, won't they? They'll go, oh, that doesn't mean that, um, but maybe it does mean that. And you've got to be careful that your church doctrine doesn't get in the way of of good sound teaching which comes from the scriptures man shall not live by bread alone but by what the preacher says over the pulpit no it says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of god so those words that you are reading it even says you need not that any man teach you you know we don't need to be taught by other people it's if you're a christian it's all there in your bible you can just read it for yourself and then you know and if you're not a christian well, you need to think about becoming one, and our job is to persuade you to become one because we love you. We actually do care about people, and uh, we don't want you going on God's rubbish dump. We want you to to um, to be saved from it, and you've got every opportunity to be saved. All you've got to do is is hear the message, which is what that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, kept the law, then he died and rose again three days later, according to Scripture. If you believe he did that, and he did it for you and for me. And if you believe he did that, that's all you've got to do. The work is done. It's finished. That's why Jesus said it's finished. Then he bowed his head and he died. It's finished. There's no more working. No more working for your salvation. But if you want to work for your salvation, well, you won't. You won't be able to, will you? It's a bit like swimming to Australia. We've got a saviour who's going to who's thrown us a life ring. He says, here you are. Come on, grab hold of that life ring and I'll pull you out. But you actually have to go out and grab the life ring, don't you? It's up to you. If you're still able to, you know, if you're still kicking, if you want to stay in the water, uh, you can't be saved. You've got to get out of the water to be saved from the water, don't you? And but if you don't want to get out of the water, it's a bit like this. If you if you think you can uh, get through this world and keep the Ten Commandments and pretend that you're a good person and keep them all, well, that's like swimming to Australia. Some of us will get further than others, but nobody will make it. No one, no one gets there in the end. Okay, well, look, that is my lot. I've um, been very distracted today with the bull, uh, watching the people, the boys uh, ride the bulls. Um, very, very distracting. I'll say, I just cannot believe how how courageous they are. 
Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to go and watch a bit of it now. I really do love it. Oh, well, look at this guy's coming out. Man, those, those balls are so athletic. And they just throw the person off and then they want to gore you. Look, this guy's getting gored now by this ball. He's just like playing football with the, with the rider. And then you've got the bullfighters. They're the guys, they've got the green uh, sort of like um, rugby jerseys on and they've got, so they look like clowns, but they've got all got, you know, Stetsons or whatever you call them. What are those things called? Those bowlays? Bol- bol- no, they're cowboy hats. And their job, they don't even have crash helmets. They get in between the bull and the rider who's on the ground and uh, try and, and get the bull to go for them. Oh, I just can't believe it. And people here in New Zealand, they want rodeo banned. Gosh, um, I don't think so. The bulls are having a <laughs> it's, it's a bull's roar. No, they're having a wonderful time. They they that's a deer, isn't it? A bull's roar. No, they they love it. Oh, I feel sorry for the riders. Really, I think they could have chosen a better sport than that. It's blooming dangerous. I wonder how many get killed in it. I have to have a look at it. I bet they got a lot of injuries. I mean, some of the riders, when they get bucked off, I don't know how they can get up and walk away. I mean, I would just, if that happened to me, I reckon I would all my bones would have been broken before I even left the ball, and let alone hit the ground. But uh, wow, and then they just kick and stamp, and then they turn around and look for you, and he's got his head down and his horns out, and then he's, they, they sort of rake you walk over you sort of like ruck you these jolly balls anyway I think it's madness but they must get paid lots of money to do it and we know that um, the Americans are pretty good at it but the Brazilians they seem to be giving the Yanks a real run for their money anyway here I am getting sidetracked talking about balls and none of you are probably interested you're probably all left uh, yet. no no still, still one or two there I think let's have a look and see uh, let's have a look over there. Oh gosh, no, no one's there. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably because I've been I've been talking about Jesus. Now, yeah, that's the other thing is too. Uh, a lot of people listen when we're playing the country music, and not so many people listen when I start talking. <laughs> so I might I don't know I might change or I might just make it two hours. You know, just come on from five and seven because it's quite therapeutic for me to to um, you know get get my frustrations out. You know, telling you how I feel about things, reading out stuff, and thinking, "Well, that's rubbish." Hey, before I go, I didn't tell you about. Um, what happened on this day. So we better do that. So on this day in 1907, the Parliamentary Library escapes the fire. So that's, they were very lucky. I'll just zip on on. That was 1907 on the 11th, 11th of December. And there's a picture here, uh, which is taken from the Turnbull Library, Alexander Turnbull. And it's uh, on the 11th of December. And there it is. And they think they lost all the, all the um, wood parts of the building. But it was the brick and masonry that saved it. Now, the great library bonfire was narrowly avoided in 1907 when fire swept through parliament buildings in wellington at 2 a.m parliament's night watchmen now night watchmen they're not the night cart people are they They go around and collect the big 44 gallon drum of poop i'm not sure if that's what nights night watchmen are or or whether they are ones that actually just keep a lookout i think the night watchmen are actually ones that collect the poop because in the old days before sewer went on Everyone pooped in a sort of out the back, and uh, then he'd come along and and take the um, take the drum full of poop, and it'd have lime in it as well. But he poured it in there. And my dad told me a story about what I think it was a night watchman. I think that's what they called them. Um, this fellow, he left his um, he he'd lost his um, his his lunch. He had sort of like something to eat while he was doing the job, and it had fallen into one of the buckets, and he was rummaging around in there. And I think it was my granddad or my great granddad or somebody. The story was told. He asked him uh, what he was looking for, old Punchy, I think his name was Punchy Bolton. And he said, um, 
uh, yeah, Punchy Bolton, and I, he said he was looking for his lunch. And the, the, sorry, he didn't say that. He said, "No, no, I'm looking for my false teeth. Uh, they'd fallen, and he was eating it. Um, they must have fallen out of his mouth. Terrible story, isn't it? But that's that's. These are some of the stories that my dad used to tell me. This is what happens when you have a father that was quite old. He was in his forties when I was born, and my mum was even even. I think she was forty. I don't know how old mum my mother been. Dad was forty, I think, when I was born, and mum was forty. Two, she? 42? Yeah, 42. And even older, of course, 45 when my sister, my little sister was born, and they only had her to keep me company. Because <laughs> I was I was a spoilt one. No, I wasn't. My little sister, she was a spoilt one. Anyway, so at 2am, uh, the Parliament's night watchman thought he heard rain on the roof, and when he went to check it out, he found a substantial blaze had broken out. Um, it sounded, he sounded the alarm, and he threw open the gate for the fire brigade, and they tackled the fire with hoses. Uh, now, the fire probably started by a faulty electrical wire, and we don't know. Um, we didn't have any Muslim terrorists to hear this. So it wasn't started by them. And electricians don't work at that hour of the night. Anyway, that's what they felt it was. And it was um, in the ceiling of the interpreter's room. That's where, you know, the Maori interpreters went there. And uh, so that fire spread rapidly through the old wooden parts of the building and then into the 1880s masonry additions. By five in the morning, it had destroyed Bellamy's restaurant and firefighters were battling desperately to save the library. Staff and volunteers moved more than 15,000 volumes from the building's ground floor in case the flames broke through. The morning light revealed the scale of the devastation. The old wooden buildings were completely destroyed, but the brick walls and the metal fire door had saved New Zealand's de facto national library and the 80,000 volumes and many other treasures that were held inside also on this day now let's see if i can go to that one previous uh, no no i have to go no no hang on so i've got to go out to get to the other story because also on this day in 1931 we had a um, it was a special day the statute of westminster was enacted on this day, the British Parliament passed a statute of Westminster granting complete autonomy to its six dominions, Australia and New Zealand, and held, um, rather Australia and New Zealand held back from adopting this status. Uh, but in 1947, New Zealand became the last of the dominions to do so. So that was 1931, yes, but we weren't part of it until 47. Although this country had moved from being a colony to a dominion in 1907, few New Zealanders then wanted greater independence uh, from the United Kingdom. They didn't want it. Uh, racial affinity, language, culture, def uh, defence and trade links they bound most of them to the wider Britannic world, world rather, uh, which was then at the height of its prestige in 1907. Those feelings persisted right through until the first half of the 20th century, even though Dominion status evolved as a label for the constitutional position of the former self-governing colonies and the Irish Free State. In 1926, after pressure from the Irish, South Africa and Canadians, the Balfour Declaration stated that the United Kingdom and the Dominions, and this is a little quote from it, are autonomous communities within the British Empire, equal in status, or status, is it status or status? I think it's status, isn't it? Uh, it could be status, Maybe three T's otherwise, wouldn't it? States in no way subordinate one to another in any aspect of their domestic or external affairs through 
though united by a common allegiance to the crown and freely associated as members of the British Commonwealth of Nations. Did you understand that? The New Zealand Prime Minister Gordon Coates, he called this a, a poisonous document. Although the British Parliament subsequently passed the Statute of Westminster, which formally removed London's right to legislate for the Dominions unless they asked it to do so. I didn't know that. New Zealand refused to ratify this until November the 25th, 1947. The Constitution Act of 1986 finally removed the last faint provision for the British Parliament to make laws for New Zealand. And so those things happened on this day in history. Isn't that wonderful? So I'll leave you on that note. And who will we go out with? Let me see. The sun's shining on my screen now. Well, it can't be the sun. It must be just the bright day because we've been a bit gloomy this morning, hasn't it? Well, we've got Rowan Atkinson. We'll give you him. And then while we're listening to Rowan, uh, we will have a listen to... Oh, I, I will go and find a nice record to play. Here we go. So here's our TNT Radio News. We'll give you that. A little promo there for, the, for them kindly allowing me to uh, take their news. And then we'll hear from Rowan Atkinson, and then I'm going to find a really groovy country song. And that's all country music right now until you hear from me tomorrow morning, Lord willing, at 5 o'clock again tomorrow morning. Scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging. At the top and bottom of the hour. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's my passionate belief that the second most precious thing in life is the right to express yourself freely. The most precious thing in life, I think, is food in your mouth. And the third most precious is a roof over your head. So my concerns are less for myself and more for those more vulnerable because of their lower profile. Like the man arrested in Oxford for calling a police horse gay. Or the teenager arrested for calling the Church of Scientology a cult or the cafe owner arrested for displaying passages from the Bible on a TV screen.